What dangers await Yugi? Can the Super Saiyan save the Earth from its deadliest foes? Find out in Shonen Jump. Each issue is packed with over 300 pages of the hottest comics, plus artist interviews, anime, and games. Let the battle begin. Subscribe to Shonen Jump, the world's most popular manga. Will Luffy ever be able to find One Piece? Welcome to a very special episode of the Manga Mavericks podcast on allcomic.com, episode 71. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but also as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lum Ramayasha. And today we do indeed have a very special podcast. 2018 is the 50th year anniversary of Weekly Shonen Jump the world's most popular manga magazine, hosting hits known worldwide from the likes of Dragon Ball and One Piece to Yu-Gi-Oh! and Naruto. Shonen Jump has quite a large history and legacy, and its uh, impact has been felt worldwide in anime manga fandom, and even beyond outside of that. And to celebrate... Shonen Jump's 50th anniversaries throughout the year, we have been reviewing various Shonen Jump series and spotlighting the magazine in various ways. And now that all culminates here in our last regular episode of Manga Mavericks for 2018, in a special retrospective on Shonen Jump, an entire podcast dedicated to looking back at the history of Shonen Jump and discussing what it means to us and where its future lies. And to help us look into the past, the present, and future of Jump, we have recruited and interviewed several friends of the show to discuss their thoughts, opinions, and experiences with Shonen Jump, including Maxie Barnard, host of the Shonen Jump podcast Friendship Effort Victory, Sam Leach, One Piece anime correspondent for the One Piece podcast, as well as daily streaming reviewer for the One Piece anime, Black Clover anime, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Win, alongside a slew of other Shonen Jump anime adaptations over the years. We've also got Doctor, who has recently, on his Patreon, been going through the entirety of 2017 Shonen Jump issues and recounting his thoughts going through the each month's worth of the magazine's issues. And finally, we have Jeff Ruberg, software developer for Viz Media and Shonen Jump, who is an integral part of the new Shonen Jump relaunch that has recently debuted on December 17th and is also quite opinionated and passionate about Shonen Jump on digital and its future there. Yeah, so... um. Probably just a few notes before we actually head on to the show. Uh, this was a th- this project uh, we've been kind of working on in the background for probably a lot longer than we 
than we originally intended to because this this project originally uh, was a lot smaller. Then we decided to go bigger in in the sense of we originally wanted to have even more guests on the show and make this sort of a multi-parter kind of special podcast episode. Uh, but then it just got a, kind of got to the point where, you know, uh, so, some of us got a little, were able to get more done than others. Um, well, and- let's not be there on the bush. So <laughs> originally we intended for this to be five interviews and then we made that 10 and then ultimately 20. And that was all my idea is because I wanted to interview as many people as possible about Children's Jump and get a very diverse set of opinions from a whole lot of different people. Unfortunately, I have just been extremely busy in my personal life and I was not able to record as many interviews as I would have liked. I didn't really record any except for one interview with Jeff that you see here, though I did write all the interview questions by myself. Uh, but I also was not able to write the interview questions for other people as well and interview them by myself because the workload was basically split. Colton would interview a third of the people and I would interview two thirds. And I just was not able to accomplish that. However, I do hope that in the future we will be able to talk to a whole lot more people about Shonen Jump. Even though this is our 50th anniversary retrospective, I'm sure we are not done talking about Jump and all sorts of facets of it. And all the people that we intended to interview, I do hope to talk to on the show in the future about Jump and related topics in the near future. With the news of this new Shonen Jump relaunch that Wiz is doing, we thought this would be the perfect opportunity to release our retrospective. No need to wait for us to collect the rest of the interviews. Let's release the interviews we have right now, because what we have right now it does cover a lot of bases on our fandom and experiences with Shonen Jump and provides a great look at its past, present, and future. But certainly... We are not done talking about Jump-related topics, and we are going to be talking about more people about Jump, I'm sure, in the future. So essentially, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, why didn't you get this person on? Or maybe you guys could have taken a look at Jump from this perspective. You know, don't worry. We, I'm sure, you know, this is not the last time we'll be talking about Shonen Jump. Oh, most certainly not. In fact, we will announce that we will be interviewing Jason Thompson, the first editor of the print Shonen Jump in North America, very soon on the podcast. And you can expect that podcast to drop sometime in February if we are able to record with him in late January, as we have tentatively planned. But yes, we have plenty more Shonen Jump-related podcasts on the way. We are definitely going to be continuing to interview more people about Jump, but we wanted to release our 50th anniversary podcast while it was still the 50th anniversary of Shonen Jump, the year 2018. I mean, come on, like, the recent news with Viz and their Shonen Jump, I like you said, I think was more than enough cause to to celebrate. It was big momentum news that really signals the future of where Shonen Jump is going. And so what better time to release this podcast than now? And we have a great interview with Jeff Ruberg later in the show discussing that huge transition from the digital magazine to this new subscription model that we're really excited to share with you. Uh, but first, we might as well 
uh, sort of transition into our first interview. Uh, and by doing that, I I figured it was appropriate that since we're already interviewing a lot of our friends that, uh, you know, we might as well ask ourselves a lot of the same interview questions we asked our friends here. So, Lum, do you mind if I go first by asking you the first question? Of course. So I'm going to ask you, and I know we we probably talked about this kind of thing like on our very first episode of the podcast, maybe, or at least I know I told my story like a long time ago, but it's probably worth revisiting at this point. How did you get into Shonen Jump? What was your first time discovering Shonen Jump? My first awareness of Shonen Jump as a brand was probably noticing in volumes of Dragon Ball Z or One Piece that they would say these X amount of chapters were originally serialized in these X amount of issues of Shonen Jump and wondering to myself, what is Shonen Jump? Where are these chapters being run first, if not in these collected volumes? And eventually I would discover Shonen Jump being sold on racks in various stores like Target or Walmart or in bookstores like Barnes and Noble. And I would discover, oh, this is a manga magazine. This has all the series that I love, like Dragon Ball and Yu-Gi-Oh! and stuff that I don't even know, like One Piece and Naruto. I think the first time I ever read an issue of Shonen Jump was at a friend's house and they had an issue. And I kind of broke away from the rest of the group to kind of check it out because I noticed, oh, they have Yu-Gi-Oh! and Dragon Ball Z in here. I can't remember the entire contents of the issue, except I distinctly remember it had the chapter of Dragon Ball that was the aftermath of the battle with Android 17 and 18, where the Z fighters were lying defeated, and Android 18 walks up to Krillin and gives him that kiss. And then the androids just fly away, leaving Krillin dumbfounded. I distinctly remember that chapter, which was a part of the Dragon Ball story that I had not yet read at that point. And I also remember, of course, reading the original Yu-Gi-Oh! for the first time, or rather the first part of Yu-Gi-Oh! for the first time, and saying, whoa, this is a lot more violent than the Yu-Gi-Oh! I was used to. <laughs> and from there, of course, I was just intrigued to experience more of the Shonen Jump magazine and more of the series being run in it. And as a kid, I did not purchase many issues. I remember the first issue that I purchased was one that was from early 2006, I believe March 2006, which I bought during a book fair at my middle school, which had Naruto on the cover. And I remember that one distinctly because it had the first chapter of D. Gray Man in there as a preview, oh, which yeah. really intrigued me because of how dark and morbid a story it was. And it also had the conclusion of the Arlong Park arc of One Piece, which was very satisfying and interesting to me because I noticed differences in terms of tone and writing from the version I was reading to the anime dubbed by Forkas that I was used to. And that just encouraged my interest to continue checking out Shonen Jump. And I did not manage to buy many issues uh, when I was a kid, but I collected a few. And I was very sad when, you know, uh, they ended 
the print run because I would always like, even if I didn't buy many issues, I would always seek them out in libraries to read during my breaks at school or I'll go on the weekends to my local library to read the latest issue. So to see the print magazine conclude in early 2012 was very saddening to me. And I didn't subscribe to Alpha because I was not that much a fan of purchasing digital manga yet at that time for a few years until early 2015 when Viz ran a preview of the digital Shonen Jump for a month to celebrate their third anniversary of the digital service. And I checked out those issues and I was enthralled by how good the reading experience was of the digital magazine and also intrigued to follow along with the new Jumpstart initiative. They had Kagame Gami debut, which was the newest series by the creator of Siren, which was a series I really liked. And I wanted to follow Kagame Gami, which unfortunately did not continue in the digital magazine and did not last much longer in Japan. Also, Black Clover debuted around the same time as well. And so, basically, I'd been following the digital Shonen Jump since the debut of Black Clover. And throughout all my fandom as an anime manga fan, Shonen Jump, to me, has encapsulated just... All, most of the manga that I really love from Dragon Ball, One Piece, and New Hakusho, I see it as the place where a lot of my favorites and a lot of the most popular titles come out from. Not always the best, mind you, but to me, it is a high standard of manga of where some of the most important series in my childhood have come from. And a lot of the series that I still enjoy today are from Shonen Jump. And for me, Shonen Jump, reading a new issue every Monday has been like a ritual to me. I always am looking forward to reading the new issue and always very eagerly start reading it as soon as it's out. And, you know, I'm sad that there won't be any more uh, digital magazine, but I'm equally excited to see the new Shonen Jump launch and be able to wait on Sundays now, even earlier, for new chapters. But Colton, That brings us to the future for me, but let's go back to the past for you. How did you discover Shonen Jump, and what has your experiences been with it? All right, where is it? Uh, I think it's in my box over here, actually. And is it? No. Yep. Yep, here it is. All right. Oh, man. It's definitely, definitely worn. All right. Um, I mean, even before I got my first issue, like, obviously, like, you know, I was already into into Shonen Jump anime and I didn't even know it. Like, you know, obviously I grew up on Dragon Ball Z and um, I was already into stuff like, uh, you know, that in One Piece. And uh, I feel like there were other Jump anime I probably watched, but I can't I can't like think of them off the top of my head. Basically, whatever aired on. You know, like um, the Fox Box and uh, Cartoon Network. Oh, yeah, Naruto. I can't believe I forgot Naruto. I was a huge <laughs> fan of Naruto, like, back when it first premiered on Toonami. That was that really used to be my shit. But um, so I think it was about a year after Naruto premiered on Toonami. And I think it premiered on Toonami in September 2005. Yeah, September 2005. Yeah, and I pretty much watched it religiously uh, up until I got my first Shonen Jump magazine. I remember so vividly uh, being with my mom at the grocery store on one of our shopping trips, and uh, we walked by the magazine rack, and I found the February 2006 issue, uh, issue two of Viz's monthly print Shonen Jump. 
uh, with Naruto on the cover. I, I have the magazine in front of me right now. I still have it, like, after all these years. Naruto cl- clinging to a tree with kunai and shuriken all over it with a whole bunch of, like, neat features, like a uh, uh, sneak preview for, for the next couple episodes of Bobobo uh, when that was ah. on Toonami. Um, this must be fate because, um, you know, as I've talked about on the show, you know, before, I Shield 21 is one of my favorite manga, you know, comics of all time, really. And uh, in this issue, there is actually a short interview with uh, with Inagaki, uh, the writer of Ice Shield 21. So I can't believe I have that. Like, like I said, that, that must be fate or something. Because obviously I wasn't into Ice Shield 21 at that point. I wouldn't be until like, pro- probably another like five, six years um, at that point. <clears throat> but no, yeah, from there, like, you know, it, it was just so interesting because obviously the anime that I had watched based on these Shonen Jump manga were slightly edited to, in some cases, very edited on their airing of like Cartoon Network and whatnot. Uh, so it was really interesting for me to not only kind of like jump ahead of where some of these shows were airing on TV, because I think in this issue, like, you have uh, the latter half of like, as far as Naruto goes, like uh, Neji versus Hinata during the tuning exams, and then you have I, I think you mentioned you had uh, read the the March issue right after this one with like the conclusion of Arlong Park, and obviously so in this issue, like we're like still kind of getting towards the conclusion of Arlong Park, so there's that. Um, I'm kind of like flipping through it as I'm talking. Um, oh, there's even a preview of Black Cat in here. I think I remember kind of flipping through that. I remember that, yeah. But no, yeah, it it was just really interesting to see the sort of more mature, at the time, for me, more mature takes on the the cartoons that I was watching on TV. It was really interesting, especially with One Piece and how heavily edited it was thanks to four kids and whatnot. So, you know, from there, like... You know, I think I was a I was in middle school at the time, so like I I think I took out my issue of jump like during class or something, just to kind of flip through it because I was bored. I was kind of flipping through the magazine. Uh, one of my classmates had come to me, basically started talking to me about like you know different uh, manga and anime and whatnot, and uh, he had told me that he owned a volume of Bobobo, and I was like, wait, there's a there's a comic for Bobobo too, <laughs> um, <laughs> which was something else I was also really into at the time. The volume he was talking about was like the one shot of Bobo that Viz had printed at the time that basically covered the uh, Holly Kulani arc. Mm-hmm. I think that's his name. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, obviously, I wasn't familiar with that material because the anime on Cartoon Network hadn't gotten to that point yet. So I was basically like in my in my pursuit of discovering all this all this manga. Like it was just so like weird to me to to jump ahead of these series that I was watching. Like, I felt like, I felt like I had discovered like secret buried treasure. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I, like I knew things that like none of my other friends knew that, uh, what was coming. It was, it was kind of an exhilarating feeling, but, um, I mean, from there, like, obviously the, like the rest is history. Like I've became a fan of jump all throughout, like the rest of my, I guess, middle school and high school career where like, you know, after I had read through my friend's copy of Bobo Bo, I, uh, like, the very first, I guess, manga volume I ever bought was the first volume of One Piece, because, you know, I was so interested in, like, obviously I was 
so big in the One Piece at the time that I was like, you know what, I might as well just start from the beginning, because obviously, like, the manga and the four kids dub are very different experiences. And so, like, as far as Jump goes itself, like, I think I continuously bought it for, like, a year or two, or at least a year, because I remember I stopped buying it for a while, because I think I focused more on, like, on the volume releases for stuff I read. And then I think in 2010 was when I started buying it again, um, I think up until, like, it eventually uh, stopped publication. So, like, you know, from there, I would read previews of series like Toriko and Bakuman, and, you know, um, I even have the issue with uh, Cross Epic, the uh, the One Piece and Dragon Ball crossover from Oda and Toriyama themselves. I still can't believe that came out in English. Uh, like, that's got to be worth money someday. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, like, I was, like, I, I was kind of on and off, but, like, I was a fan of the magazine, at least for a little while, and then, you know, obviously, the, the, the publication, you know, eventually ended, and I was sad, and, uh, you know, it took me a while, too, to kind of transition into the digital magazine, because, like, the digital magazine had a lot of series that I wasn't caught up with, so, like, I didn't want to buy the magazine and only buy it for, like, I think probably One Piece at the time. I think I was in the middle of trying to catch up on Toriko, but like it'd still be a while before I caught up. And so, yeah, um, I think I actually won a three month subscription from a uh, from what was it? It as so I think on the Shonen Jump like Facebook page, uh, you could like take a take like a trivia quiz, and if you got enough points on the quiz, you you won a free month multi month subscription to the magazine. So I eventually won a subscription, so I was just kind of like, ah, it's it's free, I don't have to pay for it, I might as well take it, and that's how I started reading One Piece Weekly. You know, that's when I realized, like, oh, wow, like, this, like, the, the quality of Viz's weekly One Piece, One Piece releases compared to, like, Scant at the time, they basically spoke for themselves, so that was around the time I was like, you know what, uh, like, at the end of my subscription, I was like, you know, regardless of whether I caught up on all the series or not, I still wanted to keep a subscription. So I've basically had a subscription since like 2013. So I've been a subscriber to the digital magazine for uh, for the longest time. And, um, you know, uh, as, as sad as I am to kind of see the magazine itself end finally, um, I think just like Lum, I'm really excited that, um, that Viz is taking this next step with... Uh, with their Shonen Jump, like, I, I think they'll have the freedom to be able to do more. They're, they won't be confined to just, you know, the magazine format. Um, we're just going to get so much more out of the service than we did with the magazine. And I'm really excited to see uh, what the service is going to be like. Most definitely. This is a huge change for the English Shonen Jump. And it's amazing to think how far we've come in 16 years. But the North American Jump has that history of 16 years. But the history of Shonen Jump as a magazine in Japan extends as far back as 50 years. And while we are more well-versed in the English Shonen Jump's history, we wanted to talk about with someone who is well-versed in the history of Shonen Jump as it extends in its entirety in Japan. And so we talked about possibly the most enthusiastic and knowledgeable Jump fan we know, Maxi Bernard, about the history and the future of Shonen Jump. Shonen Jump. 
right, so we have uh, Maxi Bernard here from uh, Friendship Effort Victory, a podcast slash blog about the inner workings of Weekly Shonen Jump. Maxi, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. Just uh, actually been working on some stuff for the site uh, while we were preparing for this, which is kind of fun. That's good. I, I I can't wait to can't wait to hear it. Yeah. So I mean, if I haven't already said it on the show before, which I'm sure I have t- at like nauseum, like you know, if you're into Shonen Jump and you want to like go to a website or listen to a show that you know you will actually learn something about Shonen Jump from, like you should really be listening to Friendship Ever Victory. It's definitely probably my favorite like Shonen Jump related podcast. Um, I I think I've been listening since like. I want to say 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. I know I found it like a long time ago at this point. <laughs> I say you you found it I think uh about a half year before the old version of it stopped. Yeah, cuz I think like you um like it like by the time I found it, yeah, you had like stopped recording for it like pretty shortly after, unfortunately. Um Yeah. Like I, I still like vividly remember uh, going to Arlong Park forums and seeing you on there and being like, "Hey, um, I can't download your podcast. Can you fix that?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, which uh, wasn't wasn't a rare problem for the old version. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I I can't wait to I can't wait to hopefully listen to your show again soon. I know you've been kind of trying to get that off the ground here for a little while. Um, but uh, we should just get on to our uh, to our interview questions here. Um, so, um, first things first, how did you discover Shonen Jump? Well, let's cast our mind's eye back, I mean, uh, three, three different ways. The, the first way we won't bother acknowledging too much, which is the same way everybody discovered uh, Shonen Jump in my sort of age bracket, which was Dragon Ball was on TV. Like, you yeah. may not have known it was Shonen Jump when you were younger. I, I certainly didn't until the point I'll come to next, but it was still definitely like the first exposure I had to Shonen Jump. Uh, the first time I was aware that something was Shonen Jump was on my 14th birthday in 2004 when I got the first three volumes of Shaman King by Hiroyuki Takei. And um, it really did change everything in my mind. Before then, I dabbled in comics a little bit, like, you know, sort of Tin Tins, Asterixes, the occasional reprint of the X-Men in the UK, but hadn't really engaged with the idea of, like, specifically being like, oh, this is comics. And Shaman King was there, this strange thing I had to read backwards, and it was like, oh, this is comics, and, and this is Jump, like this this fun, weird action thing that looked so different to everything else. And from there, it was like the, the usual sort of progression a lot of people made at the time, like One Piece, then Bleach, then Naruto, and then everything in between. Which is pretty good. I think as, as far as ways go in, that was a pretty neat one. And then eventually, about two years later, I became aware properly of the Japanese magazine with... Uh, the the 2006 issue number 43, which is when P2 Let's Play Ping Pong debuted. And this was back when I was sadly still entrenched in in scan culture, or had started to be anyway around this point. And it just blew my mind being like, oh, this magazine has everything in together, and there's this really cool new ping pong series. And, uh, and that really set me on the way to who I am today, the person who just buys a ridiculous amount of books in both English and Japanese from the magazine. You're, uh, you seem to be very well versed in the culture of uh, different manga magazines in Japan. You know, there are a ton of them out there, not just Shonen Jump, but Jump seems to be the only one that's kind of caught on as a brand and has really like achieved 
like worldwide recognition and acclaim. And so my question to you is, you know, what is Shonen Jump's place in the manga industry? What does it represent? And what has made it the most popular manga magazine in the world to you? Mm, I think in a lot of ways its place in the manga industry is similar to Hollywood's role in the film industry, down to the horrible scandals as well, but we'll try not to focus on that yet. <laughs> it's it it is where all these big bombastic things that connect to people all over the world come from, whether you're talking like Captain Subasa decades ago, or even now as it's come back with a new anime from David, uh or Dragon Ball or Naruto, like it or My Hero Academia, like the, the most recent thing that's kind of making waves around the world. It it's got the big things that feel huge, like like they have a big budget behind them, even though they don't, because it's just a what a person's drawing. It's a person plus a couple other people, maybe. Yeah, or it's just like, it's just got this level of energy behind it because of its reputation, because it's from Shonen Jump that makes it feel big. And that, that that definitely kind of puts it in place as the, the biggest thing, the big seller, even though a lot of it now is on Legacy, which is kind of what it represents now. Uh, Jump used, used to be a, a much bigger, much more labyrinthine, huge, complicated thing where you'd look at it and you'd go and say, oh, there's so many reasons it's big. Whereas now it seems to be like it's, oh, this is where One Piece is in and everything else is, yeah, it, it's big, but it's not the same as it used to be. It's not it's not Dragon Ball Slam Dunk era. It's not even Naruto era anymore. And that's, again, I feel like that kind of fits the, the, the Hollywood analogy. Like Hollywood isn't as big as it used to be. Streaming services have knocked it down a peg. The, the scandals have worn it down into something smaller than what it once was. Yeah. And and Jump, Jump is much the same not that the scandals have actually harmed it in the slightest yeah. but like it it's definitely a, a much more modest thing but even in its modesty it's still the front runner it's the thing that people assume every other magazine aspires to whether they do or not is you go and say oh i i bet they wish that they could manage to become a million selling magazine like jump just about still is and and don't get me wrong a lot of magazines clearly are chasing the the next big thing and such but you it's not what everything aspires to, and that's fine. It's the same way indie films don't aspire to be like Hollywood. French film doesn't aspire to be like Hollywood. Everything exists in its own individual bubble, but you can't deny that the biggest thing is jump. Yeah, in a way, it's almost like how, like, you know, uh, Marvel over the past 10 years has made a lot of waves with its cinematic universe, and now for better or for worse, you know, uh, all these different studios want to do the same thing. But unfortunately, they just haven't been as successful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In in its own way, you then can start breaking down if you were going with the Marvel television and film concepts. It's like, say, Jump Kai would have been, I don't know, the Cloak and Dagger show on Amazon right now. It's <laughs> clearly had some sort of audience, but that's not going to be the big thing or the thing that lasts. That's like a short run that will come and go. Uh-huh. Um, or like then you could go and say, oh, yeah, um ultra jump is like the netflix show because it's where the the pervier darker stuff happens and that's fine too no yeah that's that's actually a that analogy actually really works um so you've recently completed a chart tracking the lineage of shonen jump artists and their assistants throughout the history of the magazine which we'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes for people to check out because i think you were telling me off mic that that like that took you about a week to put together didn't it (laughs) Yeah, I literally I had some I had some time off to go and prepare for a 
for my wedding and I had some downtime in between that each day of a few hours. And I was like, I'm going to use that each day to just sit at the computer and edit this ridiculous image that KTR has been making and updating for over a decade now. I think it was like 2007 when I saw an early version of the show <laughs> and, uh, and, and put it into English, uh, going off my own half-ass work and some earlier work done by, uh, by Hugh Matthews is, a another person in our sort of Anna Twitter sphere. Mm-hmm. You've also talked on your podcast, you know, discussing the role influences play in shaping artists and manga over generations. And so, you know, what have what are your takeaways from this project, and what does it tell you about the history and influences of artists throughout uh, Shonen Jump's history and the culture of the magazine as a whole? I think with Jump, it shows. And I'm sure it's not limited to Jump, but Jump's the one we tend to hear this stuff about the most. It shows how incestuous the legacy of the magazine is, in a way. Like, everyone's connected to everyone, or rather most people are connected to most people, even if it's in, like, a small, unremarkable way. There are notable exceptions, like a Taikubo, who's never worked as an assistant, and who I don't believe has ever actually had an assistant go on to do their own work in any notable capacity. Hmm, interesting. Which, at the same time, has me wonder with ones like them, like, by their absence from charts like this, you have to think to yourself, is that related to uh, how unwilling they are to cooperate well with editorial? He's he, he's never been a fan of, of editorial interference in work and av- avoids it outright and they leave him to it. And then does that also extend to, like, assistance? Does he make sure they do the job he wants and then not really develop anything out of what he's teaching them by being on the job? You know, like, they just learn a fundamental skill and get paid but the chart is really great and and the assistant system in general is great for seeing clear influences like um you may remember uh, yasuhiro kano they did uh they did pretty face mx zero uh, they most recently finished up a series called kiss death a uh, fa- fantastic offer they worked for um for ryu fujisaki of uh of hoshinengi and shiki fame and you can totally see, with these two in particular, although with many other artists as well, you can see that Keno has learned so much from his time working with Fujisaki. They've got a really similar approach, like eyes or facial structures and that. But there's this, this weird disconnect you get to make that's really interesting to observe, where Ryu Fujisaki has reinvented himself and changed his art style considerably in the years since that project, uh, especially on a uh, series like Shiki or on his most recent stuff doing the manga version of uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's quite pretty. Uh, people don't <laughs> like it a lot because it's like big eyelashes. Uh, meanwhile, like you see Yasuhiro Kano, his art style looks far more like the old version of Fujisaki's art style than Fujisaki's art style does now, <laughs> which is, is wild. And you wouldn't even really think about it if you did not know that he had worked for Fujisaki but because you're aware of this it's this wild thing to see of just being like oh that's that's great and weird as heck that like one artist has grown to resemble an artist more than the artist himself does which is a really difficult sentence to say out loud without tripping over yourself <laughs> um that's not to say the chart doesn't teach you depressing things about the culture of the magazine as a whole, and this is why I was avoiding talking too much about the scandalous side here, because it's really relevant to the chart. You can see how Nobuhiro Waski was able to to keep his career and come off with minimal punishment and even be back doing work now with Roni Kenshin follow the whole, following the whole child porn. Uh, I keep saying scandal. Crime. Yeah. Is because like he had worked for four 
incredibly notable creators. I mean, including uh, Takeshi Obata, who's, you know, he's the bread and butter of a lot of Jump. Even though he's in Square now, like, it doesn't change how significant he is to it. And he's had so many assistants, two of which, uh, three of which even, are incredibly notable. Like, Oda is, I mean, he's he's Oda, he's the One Piece guy. Like, it, he bought Shima Bukuro back after his scandal, which in this case I will actually say, yeah, scandal, it's a bit more complicated than that. Or, uh, or Shinya Suzuki, who did Mr. Full Swing, which people in the West don't really think of it this way, but it was a huge series for several years. Or, of course, Hiroyuki Takei with Shaman King. Like, these are people who are notable enough that all it takes is one of them having their older boss be like, oh, put in a good word for me. And, you know, because of this this system, it's almost like they're indebted enough to do so. And mm-hmm. it it can protect bad actors in this system, which is which is a shame. I yeah. I do think the benefits of the way Jump works with uh with employers and their assistants and how they seem to help each other rise up is largely a net good, but it would be hard to talk about without also acknowledging that that is real bad. Yeah, that's that's really unfortunate. Um so, you know, we've seen several fledging new series, otherwise known as Jump Starts over here come and go over the years. Uh what do you think about the harsh competitive culture of Shonen Jump where very few creators ever had the chance to serialize in the magazine and even then, you know, very few series actually survived to reach their fullest potential? It used to bother me a lot more than it does now. Slower series like uh, Stars, spelled S-T ampersand R-S, because of course it is, like they never really felt like they got a fair shake in this culture. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, some of my favorite comic authors of all time, like crashed and burned in Jump. And I feel like if, if they were given more time, maybe they could have made something of it. But I mean, it does sort the wheat from the chaff. Like a lot of series that get cancelled, you look at them and you think, yeah, I mean, they're not great, even if you've got a lot of affection for them. And they have softened. They've softened a lot. A series like We Never Learn and Doctor Stone, which are like, honestly, the two mid-tier hits by the current standards of Jump, which is great. I I love them both. Um, Mm -hmm. They were fostered from really mediocre sales, like the sort of thing that just 10 years early would have got them cancelled on the dot. And like they've grown into these comfortable hits. Uh, I mean, We Never Learn literally just had an anime announced or is going to by the time this episode comes out because that's how we learn things sometimes <laughs> uh and Hinamaru Zumo has been running years and it has it it does not sell well it it does not from any perspective seem like the sort of series that should have received the support it does or to have even had this anime announced from Gonzo coming up but like they've learned to support oddities way more. You you see this in interviews with creators like uh, Osama Akimoto of Kochikalme fame. Mm-hmm. He like goes, oh, you know, it's really important that Jump runs the occasional series that matters more artistically than it does profit wise. Yeah, and I think under its current editorial direction, I, the editor in chief did change a few years ago. Like it really shows that they've they've learned this. They've learned they need to have a few things that are peculiar because there's nothing else like it out there. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, I could see there being appeal to that where it's like, you know, like per- per- personally, I think this is probably the most interested in Jump I've ever been in like a long time because, you know, like you have series like, you know, Dr. Stone and Promise Neverland and, you know, all that kind of stuff where it's like you have a lot of series at this point that they don't really feel like Jump series 
for the most part, or at the very least, they 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 don't they don't feel like typical jump. They definitely feel like the sort of thing. I mean, we never learn a side, which I I think it fits the rom com structure that series like Eyes and Strawberry One Hundred Percent have laid the network for in the last two decades. Uh, like that one aside, I I find that they are all trying to do something new and exciting in the environment they're being published in. Doctor Stone, especially, and 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 the Promised Neverland, actually, like those two, they are series that I could not picture having succeeded back then in the days I started reading Jump, because they were too offbeat. But now, the the fact that they're different is what makes them work. I mean, I, I feel like that's the same sort of way that Assassination Classroom actually worked, was because it came about in a time when people were ready for something weird. Mm. Hell, even series like um, Act Age and uh, Tayo and Alice, like, those, these, are, these are series that, like, I never would have expected to see mm. in Jump. I, I, can't, I can't imagine really any mainstream shonen magazine that would have taken a chance on act age to the point of making it part of a, a serious promotional effort this year or or even one that would serialize alice and tayo like it which i i love alice and tayo is a series I, I desperately want to succeed right now not massively but enough so that i can at least buy a few volumes and be like this is nice because it's it's incredibly well crafted and so directly opposed to what people think shonen jump is that i i want it to be big <laughs> I know. <laughs> just to just to shake up what people think. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I definitely agree that, like, I think Jump is in a better place uh, as far as, like, how many, like, series actually, like, prosper or get canceled or whatnot compared to, yeah. like, even a decade ago. It feels less stressful as well. Um, like, say, a, a series like Siren that was running back in, like, 2008 for a few years was fantastic but i feel like every serialization round everybody was panicked this would be the one where it dies despite the fact it performed well by today's standards like really well hmm. uh whereas now i feel like there's not as much a panic like you, you'll have ones where you're aware they're gonna die like noah's notes where you're like yeah sure everyone loved it but we except for me but we felt like there was that point coming where it's like yeah this hasn't worked out it's gonna die and you, you accept it and you get sad and you move on uh, which is healthier than just the constant stress of skit dance. Everyone thought it was going to be cancelled constantly, right until the point where it suddenly went, no, we're, we're safe now forever, and then ended. <laughs> well, I, I don't know how much you were following the TOC, uh, the table of cons back then, back when people placed a ridiculous amount of value in the positioning, but it spent a lot of time towards the back, like early on, and people thought it was a bomb, and it just kept going till it wasn't a bomb anymore. Mm. Uh, and in its own way, that kind of shows the pointlessness of analysing the table of contents. Exactly. But, uh, God, it was stressful, and I'm glad I've not had to really deal with that with We Never Learn or Dr. Stone <laughs> or uh, re really any series I've been that attached to in the last few years. Kometsu no Yai, but people like that. I've read the first volume. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so that sounds like Damon with Faint Praise. It, it's good. It's good. I'm not sure if it's for me. But it, it continues to prosper, and it's never looked like it's in danger, despite the fact it's had to grow. That's fun. That's great. Um. So last year on the podcast, we discussed the state of Shonen Jump, you know, including, you know, what's been changing and what new series could break out to become the magazine's next big hit. And of the six new series we discussed on that episode in particular, uh, only two have remained. And uh, additionally, you know, Psyche Kusuo, that's ended, and Gintama is uh ending soon and i'm sure you know will be over by the time this episode is out but uh what do you think of the current state of shonen jump and do you think the magazine is in a stable uh successful place 
And uh, what kind of changes and shakeups could you see in the future? I would definitely say it's stable. Uh, I don't find it massively exciting when viewed as a whole. I, I think it's exciting to see what series are in there. And, and the magazine's identity, I think, isn't the same sort of, oh, it's all coming at you, it's great, oh, feeling it used to be. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be. It it still does well. Uh, it's just, it's a very different beast to what it was for me a decade ago, a different beast to what it was last year. And that's fine. Like, once Gintama's over, there's going to be a grand total of maybe five actually big series, which by the long term stands to jump isn't amazing like a decade ago you'd be looking at more like eight or ten depending on how you interpret it uh, uh, uh sorry six at the moment if we include hunter hunter which i'd hate to miss because it's probably the best thing jump has right now uh not not to damn anything else it's just when it comes back it's amazing i mean i was gonna say yeah, it's the best thing when it's actually there yeah absolutely and like so the, the mid-tier now as well feels smaller it used to be i think that's the big change to jump i'm struggling to adjust to when thinking about its current state is uh the, the mid-tier used to sell a bit better than what the mid-tier now does i was i mean i was just saying that but it's it's very true like i i love we never learn and dr stone commits and i is neat food wars is definitely still running <laughs> but if you were to if you were to compare them to stuff like neuro or skep dance or to who were like again we're talking specifically a decade ago in this case in my mind because that was a convenient point to look up like that mid tier felt a lot more uh, solid when it came to the volume sales, which isn't the be all and end all. It really isn't, but it is a noticeable difference, and that's the only thing that really worries me about Jump's current state. Is it's either something's big, or it's doing well, and there isn't anything that's in that space in between. I mean, especially now that sales are falling, Food Wars used to feel a lot bigger than it is now. Uh, Black Clover, God bless it. It's probably a real hit. Like, I I believe it is. Anyone with sense believes it is when you look at it in the big picture. But volume sales, it sits at about 300,000 as its average per volume, which would be above mid-tier, but not quite amazing big mega hit by old standards. But I think part of that's just that I'm getting old and I'm comparing stuff to the past because it's all doing fine. <laughs> and it's just because Shonen Jump Plus exists now and Tenari no Young Jump exists and Grand Jump Online used to exist. All these online uh, Sunday Webry Shonen Magazine's online service they presumably have. Like there's so many online services that then produce print volumes and digital volumes of what they're putting out that the market is real flooded right now in a good way, though kind of, when you think about it, which means that what used to be loads of sales dedicated to a couple of series is now all over the place, mm -hmm. which kind of, to me, means Jump doesn't really need to change or shake up anything. It's it's just adjusting to a very different market to what we used to have. Uh, and my only worry is that they'll find this pressure to find an explosive mega hit and force failures, which you can't predict, but people don't react well to aggressive marketing pushes for comics that aren't natural you know like if they if you read them and you feel like it's trying to cloy for your affections you reject it yeah like like it like it's trying to pander to you almost yeah so i, I feel like the the only change in shakeups i want to see in the future and that we could see in the future is them realizing that they shouldn't try and do that which is nice so in one of your uh short form episodes of a uh, friendship effort victory uh you brought up the idea of what the most essential Shonen Jump manga was. And in that podcast, 
you said it was Barefoot Gen because of its uh, historical significance. And uh, you also mentioned that Buso Renkin was the manga that best encapsulated the spirit of Shonen Jump. Uh, would you still stand by these statements? And also, what manga above all else do you think is the most representative of Shonen Jump and its 50-year legacy? I kind of almost stand by the statements. Uh, I feel like by saying Barefoot Gen was the most essential, I kind of cheated because it didn't run in Jump for the entirety of its run. <laughs> And it's essential for what it's saying more than it being a jump comic. It doesn't feel like a Shonen Jump comic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, which, which, which I mean, which was why I mentioned Booster Renkin as well. Which I don't want to give praise anymore. I, I feel like the statement is probably true, but I genuinely can't stomach it. I the volumes for it are in this room. I've I've not managed to get rid of them yet. I've I've deshelved them. I've put them in storage, but they are in a box in the corner of the room. I'm aware they're still there. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's a shame because it, it was a really fantastic example. And I, I'd like a new one. I feel like Black Clover is really close because it follows the action traditions that have been like established and grown since uh, since Dragon Ball. But that's a little specific to action. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you a nice easy one and one that will be quite short and sweet in its explanation because it doesn't need much. The most essential Shonen Jump manga for what a Shonen Jump manga is is Hunter Hunter. Hmm, okay, interesting. What Yoshiro Tagashi has managed to do there that's really great is he, he built a world from the ground up where he can literally do anything he wants, change genre, focus on different characters, change the complete feel of the comic, basically to follow whatever whims he wants, and it will still sell incredibly well. And I feel like that's something that's... It's not necessarily exclusive to Jump, but say if you move that to a different comic market, you couldn't have that in the West. That would be an experimental indie thing that you'd find in black and white for pennies at, at like, a table at a convention, you know? Like, it isn't how the comic market works here. I don't think it's the sort of thing you could see in magazine where it's very focused on be a specific genre, follow that through. You wouldn't see it in Shonen Sunday, which I think is more about softer series that... Not necessarily make you think more, but have a very different approach to what a series like Hunter Hunter does. It is unbearably jump. <laughs> um, and that's really interesting to hear you say that, considering how like you constantly see people online who will just like go on this tirade about how like how Hunter Hunter isn't actually shown and how it's how it should how how it really should be seinen guys. You know, it's 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 not it's. Oh, <laughs> How to tell people in enough ways. Um, listeners, if if you feel like you care about shonen demographics, sign-in demographics, shoujo, jose, whatever you want, let me tell you, they don't matter. <laughs> All they are is arbitrary marketing to specific demographics that don't even work. Shonen Jump's read by 50% women. It's read by readers of a massive variety of different ages. Like, for something to be shonen, all it has to do is be published in a shonen magazine. <laughs> That's literally it. <laughs> uh, but um, we're going to wrap up here soon, but I only have two more questions I want to ask you. Uh, the first one being, what does Shonen Jump mean to you? It's a very difficult question. It, it's, it's the only one of these questions uh, when you showed them to me that I, I couldn't come up with a really solid answer to. <laughs> and I think a lot of that is because there's what I want it to still mean to me. Like, it, this this magical thing where I'd always just go and be like, oh, I love all the comics, oh, let's have a look at how they're doing, oh, yay. Like, and now where I look at it, I go, like, I, I just quietly enjoy it. Like, I don't talk about Shonen Jump Online anymore, really, at least 
not often because I, I don't find it fun to talk about. It's this thing that I just, I quietly read it to myself and I go, yeah, these are some good comics for people younger than me. Um, cause you're supposed to graduate from Shonen Jump. Everyone is supposed to graduate from Shonen Jump. It's literally a, a phrasing that turns up in everywhere from Gintama to fucking interest pieces on the news. You age up through the different magazines. And I mean, I'm, I'm 28 now. That's not old by any means, but that is 10 years older than the point I was supposed to have stopped reading Shonen Jump. Yeah, hell, even I'm, you know, me being 25 at this point, like, I, I probably I probably should have stopped, stopped reading Jump, like, probably five, four years ago at this point. But, like, yeah, totally. <laughs> and, like, by, by all means, it's like, I, I keep reading it, I keep enjoying it, but I, I don't feel as invested in it as I used to, because I don't have to be. It's not for me anymore. I can just enjoy what I enjoy, ignore what I don't, and move on with my day. Uh, like, I, I've largely moved on to uh, to Young Jump and Grand Jump now, which are very different magazines aimed at older people. And, and they, they don't necessarily fit with what I want because they're aimed at older people, but they're doing stuff that I think I find more stimulating and different because I've not been reading those magazines for 14 years. <laughs> Uh, so it's like, in a, in a short and simple statement, what, what does Shonen Jump mean to me? A lot of good memories and a bunch of quiet reading to myself that I don't talk with people online about because I don't want to hear your theories. Do not at me <laughs> with your theories. Oh, um, that's kind of a shame that like the Shonen Jump community is worn you down so much. And honestly, like I'd be lying if I said, you know, I didn't get tired of it every once in a hmm. while. But, I feel like, yeah. it's crucial to say point, I love that the community exists, and I, I love that it does its own thing, except for when it's hateful in sometimes problematic and gross ways. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, the community, especially the community that surrounds me still, the people I still connect with who read and enjoy Jump, I love that you all do what you do, and that's great. It's just, it's not what Shonen Jump is to me personally anymore. And I think that's fine. Every Everyone has to have a different feeling about a magazine. It's a magazine. We've all got things to do in our lives. I've got, you know, I've got to eat dinner in a few hours. That's that's my <laughs> life right now. Show and jump. Think about it later. Huh. Um. And so I guess uh, our last question: What is your favorite Shonen Jump manga and why? My favorite Shonen Jump manga is a two-volume cancelled series from two thousand nine by <laughs> Yukinori Karaguchi called Hoopman. Uh, people who follow me online have probably heard me talk about Hoopman before. It recently went digital for the first time since it was originally cancelled, and I really was beside myself with joy for being able to reconnect with this comic. It's about a Japanese student who's like, he tries to be a little trendy, like his hair's dyed ginger, he's got a, a little mole, he treats his beauty mark below his eye and that, and he, a girl basically convinced him to join the basketball team because he thought she saw something of value in him. He speaks English, and they have a transfer student called Joshua who does not speak Japanese and is really good at basketball. He's essentially been tricked into helping the team out purely to act as an interpreter. And that ends up leading to him learning to play basketball and joining the team. The reason why it's my favourite, uh, Yuhei, the, the main character, he's really quite bad at basketball. He he started too late to really learn how to do it well. There's there's a ceiling to where his skills can take him. He's never going to be like this amazing like leader of the team. He's never going to bring them all to victory. But what he does do is he learns what his limits are. He he builds and he works at what he can do to become like this really effective like relief player who can come in and hit three-point shots like the majority of the time at basketball, which is 
really amazing to see because it's it's still a friendship effort victory manga it absolutely is but it's one where the main character has to acknowledge that he is he's the friend to the people who can do better he's a friend to joshua he's a friend to the captain he's a friend to this giant ridiculous afroad guy called uh asumo komuta he's the friend who puts in the effort to help them reach victory he's not the hero and that's Rad! That's great! And the fact it only ran for 17 weeks is the worst thing that has ever happened in Shonen Jump. Wow, that actually does really sound like a interesting series. Mm. And it's it's taken uh, almost a decade for the author to come back with a new series. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's huh. turned up in Grand Jump Premium, a magazine that comes out every two months as an artist to a series about... Uh, about being a hotelier, about running a hotel. Huh, and interesting. Yeah, which, let me tell you, that's the weirdest reason why I'm buying a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, th- honestly, that that sounds like the kind of thing I expect from you in particular, Maxie. <laughs> it, it's what people are used to from me by now. But yeah, I wanted, I wanted to give you a very genuine answer, and a, an answer you are definitely not going to get from anybody else you're talking to. And and that's Hoopman. Hoopman's really good. If you if you have a Bookwalker account, buy Hoopman. Even if you can't read it, I don't care. Buy Hoopman. It's really good. It's really pretty as well, and does not look like a jump manga. And that's definitely why it was cancelled, because it it didn't it didn't feel like a jump manga. It didn't read like one, and the main character wasn't very good at what he did. That's why it didn't live. But my God, was it good! <laughs> Oh, I mean, honestly, your recommendation is uh, more than enough, Maxie. I'll definitely have to check it out. Um, but I think that's all the time we have. Um, thank you for coming on and talking about Jump with me. Uh, thank you for having me. And I'm really sorry that even though I made notes, this has definitely gone over what we intended this to be. I'll, I'll edit it the best I can. Um, so real quick, where can the good people find you if they want to hear you uh, talk more about uh, manga and Shonen Jump and whatnot? Okay, the, the main place to find me at the moment is still on Twitter at Maxi the Bee. Um, I, I do a lot of my jump related talking there at the moment, uh, but I also have friendshipeffortvictory.com, uh, where I, uh, I'm eventually, hopefully, gonna have a podcast again. Imagine that, it'd be amazing. <laughs> about, about jump, uh, which is suitable to the name, but at the moment, uh, it's got a lot of, uh, reviews of new comics as they're coming out when I read them, both in Japanese and English, which I, I think is kind of an interesting angle to have. People get to see a bit of what's available and what's not to them in their language, which is neat. Uh, and also the occasional thing about the magazines I read. Uh, I've, I've done things about Grand Jump and Shonen Sunday before, like ranking what I read. I'm doing one at the moment about Young Jump and another one about Grand Jump because I've been reading it for a whole year. Uh, I have not reviewed a single weekly Shonen Jump comic on the website, and it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> uh, there, there will be some eventually. I tried uh, reviewing Yuna and Haunted Hot Springs. Turns out I don't really care about that comic very much. Uh, it's not bad. I just don't care about it. Uh, and I tried reviewing Kometsu no Yaiba, but it just didn't happen, despite the fact the comic is very good. So there, there will be stuff eventually. The podcast is still about Jump, uh, but you're not... And the Jump Assistant chart is there. But you're not going to find a lot of specifically weekly Shonen Jump content on the site right now. But yeah, definitely go check out Maxi's uh, website. Again, I'm a huge fan of his work. And uh, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a good friend of the show because of that. So um, thank you, Maxi, for coming on. This, this has seriously been really fun. Yeah, thank you for having me.
was an incredible interview with Maxi about the history of Shonen Jump and truly the history of manga really in the past 50 years but I think I speak for a lot of people in North America that we didn't discover Shonen Jump through the manga first. Anime has played a huge role in introducing these stories to us in introducing Shonen Jump to us. V-Lord Can you tell me, can you guess what anime introduced us to the world of Shonen Jump? Um, um, Dragon Ball? That's right, V-Lord. Good for you. You got it right. Dragon Ball, I think, was a huge part in introducing a lot of people into Shonen Jump. Dragon Ball and Yu-Gi-Oh! as being probably the two most recognizable series in introducing people who are familiar with the anime versions of those to the print magazine. In the early years of the North American Shonen Jump, they would have a lot of covers with Dragon Ball and Yu-Gi-Oh characters in order to, you know, catch people's eyes. Like you were saying, Colton, how they would have Naruto on the cover so often later on in Jump's uh, print run. That was how it was with Dragon Ball Naruto. So the anime audience for Shonen Jump properties is hugely influential to introducing international audiences to Shonen Jump manga. So let's discuss, what is our favorite Shonen Jump anime? What do we think is the best example of a Shonen Jump anime? Colton, would you like to describe what you yours is first? Oh man, I mean like, see here's the thing, like, you know, I mentioned earlier on in the show, like, I, I was a huge fan of stuff like Dragon Ball Z and One Piece and Naruto. I totally forgot to mention Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't know how I forgot to mention that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I also loved watching Yu-Gi-Oh! as a kid. And um, as far as just, like, my favorite jump anime goes, like, as much as I love all of those properties and as much as as much of an emotional connection as I have to those properties, if I were to watch them again now, like... Uh, like certain aspects and parts of like as far as like the production and uh you know the pacing of because a lot of them are like longer running stuff and sometimes those those don't always hold up like i think um even when i was rewatching naruto per se with uh with my friend a couple months back you know i loved revisiting naruto but it's like there's there's also that problem that naruto has along with other long-running jump series where it's like you know, they're obviously padding out certain scenes for time because they don't want to catch up to the manga because they never take a break or whatever. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff that plagues, you know, the anime adaptations of, say, like Dragon Ball and One Piece, unfortunately, that kind of keep me from saying, oh, yeah, these are my favorite anime of Jump Properties. Um, So, you know, if anyone knows me, I think they would know that I have to say it's Gintama. Like, just as far as Jump anime goes... Uh, Gintama is probably my favorite anime. Um, not not necessarily because I think it's like representative of Jump per se, but because um, I think um, there are like a handful of Jump anime that like I think are better than their source material, and not just Gintama, but like I also think Yu Yu Hakusho I would put in that category as well. 
um, stuff that is faithful to the source material, but I think adds on to the source material as well. Uh, Gintaba, for example, you know, when that first started out, like, you know, uh, the fir- I think the first director of Gintama, uh, Shinji Takamatsu, he added a lot of his own flair and gags to the first, like, 50 episodes of the, of the show or so, um, you know, really kind of experimenting with the material that I think made it very interesting to compare both the anime and the manga, which, you know, is which is why I you know, did a Gintama podcast for so long because I was interested in those differences. Um, but, but more than that, like Gintama is one of the few anime where like, you know, just everything about the production clicks. Like I love all the voice actors for the anime. I think they really bring life to the characters and as well as I love the music for the show, I think always adds to the moment, whether it be a very funny, lighthearted moment or a very serious uh, sort of uh, emotional somber moment like like the like the people behind the Gintama anime love Gintama and I think you could tell and uh, I'm not really sure what else to say about the anime other than that that like I think just a combination of factors all kind of come together so amazingly to you know to the point where most people aren't even aware of the Gintama manga as 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 much as like you know the Gintama manga is good but you know, there are so many things about the Gintama anime that, like, that I think just make it more accessible to a wider audience, uh, in my opinion, at least. Mm-hmm. Gintama is indeed a great anime adaptation of a great manga that I would agree truly elevates its source material into something even greater. But you also mentioned before Yu Yu Hakusho as an example of an anime adaptation that surpasses its manga. And I completely agree with that. And that is why Yu Yu Hakusho is my favorite Shonen Jump anime. Why I consider it the zenith of Shonen Jump anime. Because all the criticisms that you can commonly lobby at many Shonen Jump anime adaptations that they run into the problem of filler, that they have poor pacing, stretching out the source material, that they lapse in production values, and because of rushed production schedules, the animation quality suffers. You can't apply that to Yu Yu Hakusho. Yu Yu Hakusho has a phenomenally consistent run that where every episode looks just incredible thanks to an amazing team of talented staff. But in addition to that, Yu Hakusho is bereft of any filler. There's not a single episode of the Yu Hakusho anime you can skip that is not integral to the story. Every episode of the Yu Hakusho anime is integral to that story and understanding that story, which is something you cannot even say about the original manga, which has many one-off chapters that do not tie back into the main plot. In this case, the anime has no filler and the manga does have filler, which is quite bizarre when you think about it, but it's true. And not only that, the anime fixes some glaring problems with the manga, most notably a very rushed and haphazardly paced final arc in the manga, which the anime takes and makes it into something truly special and truly befitting of a conclusion to that story, to the character arcs that our protagonists have been going through throughout the entire series and tying that all together in a really satisfying and emotional way. And that is why I think Yu Yu Hakusho 
is the best Shonen Jump anime adaptation there has ever been because it takes everything that's great about the manga and it excises some of its flaws and polishes it into something truly phenomenal a masterclass of a show and it's so rare that there is a shonen jump anime adaptation that lasts over 100 episodes that can maintain that consistent level of quality from beginning to end but yu yu hawk show does it flawlessly and that is why it is my favorite but not every Shonen Jump anime adaptation is as high quality as Yu Yu Hakusho's. Many Shonen Jump anime adaptations have been criticized for problems we've discussed. Filler, poor pacing, lapsing production values over the years. And even so, the anime of Shonen Jump manga is still the primary way a lot of fans are introduced to those stories internationally and then go on into experiencing the manga from getting that first taste and first introduction through the anime versions. So anime adaptations of Shonen Jump are integral to their popularity internationally and have been since the beginning, really, of Shonen Jump adaptations. Way back, two series from the 70s and 80s. Truly, I think, Dr. Slump's first anime and that phenomenal success was a huge part of it. And that time slack that Dr. Slump kept for its run that eventually transitioned into Dragon Ball and then Dragon Ball Z, then GT. <laughs> Basically, one time slot in Japan was always occupied by an Akira Toriyama-related anime adaptation for over a decade. And it goes to show the power and popularity of these anime adaptations in spite of its flaws and why so many people love them and are fascinated by them even though they are imperfect and oftentimes more so than their manga counterparts. And someone who I know is extremely passionate about anime adaptations of shonen manga and fascinated of them as adaptations is Sam Leach, who is the daily streaming reviewer for ANN for several Shonen Jump anime adaptations. He is the Shonen Jump guy at ANN, basically. Every new Shonen Jump anime, they try to sign to Sam first. And he's covered series like One Piece, Dragon Ball Super, Black Clover, My Hero Academia, and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, and the currently running Golden Wind. And he has a lot of thoughts on what makes a good Shonen Jump adaptation and where the f- if they can falter and where they can succeed in more than their manga counterparts. And so now let's listen to Sam's thoughts on Shonen Jump anime. You can rock the boat, but you sure can't turn the tide. There's a rhythm to the way I move and it's something I can't hide. All right, next up on our interview list, we have Sam Leach from the One Piece podcast, also a writer and reviewer on ANN. How is it going, Sam? It's going pretty good. Thanks for having me back. 
No problem. We really enjoy having you on the show. That's why we thought maybe you'd, uh, you know, we, we, we thought you'd be the one of the perfect candidates for our uh, Shonen Jump interviews here. Nice. Um, so I guess we might as well just get started. How did you discover Shonen Jump? Where, where, where did it all begin for Sam? Uh, the first time I ever saw the words Shonen Jump, it probably would have been like finding the first volume of like Dragon Ball Z of the, of the manga in like Barnes and Noble and being like, there's a book of it. <laughs> yeah. Same, same here. That was very exciting uh, as a kid. And uh, yeah, the, the Shonen Jump branding was all over that. And so uh, I, at the time I didn't really understand what it was. I just, you know, they, they put that blurb on like all their books, like, Oh, the world's best selling manga or whatever. Uh, I can't remember what their exact slogan was at the time. They had a slogan that was like on all their their volumes, and then obviously, uh, obviously, uh, you know, that that was the era of like Dragon Ball Z, Yu Gi Oh, etc. Um, and uh, if you followed that stuff, you saw the words Shonen Jump here and there. And then I think it was fairly early in the print magazines run that uh, I came across that, and it's like, oh, you can actually just like collect these magazines. Naruto was starting up at the time, so. Uh, that was a big thing around my friends and all that. So the Shonen Jump magazine, we figured out what that was pretty quick. Uh, Shonen Jump manga have been adapted by several different studios, each with their own creative teams and directorial styles. Uh, right now, you are simultaneously reviewing three different anime adaptations of Shonen Jump manga from three different studios. Uh, those being One Piece from Toei Animation, My Hero Academia from Studio Bones, and Black Clover from Studio uh, Pierrot. Uh, what elements between them are all recognizably shown in Jump, and what flourishes do their individual studios add that make them feel like shows only that studio would make? Um, let's see here. I mean, to just to add into the mix of all, I also uh, reviewed the the Diamond is Unbreakable anime, so that's like a whole other studio on top of that. Um, I think that, I mean, obviously, especially with My Hero Academia and Black Clover, just like as as stories you can see you can see the ways in which they're pulling from the the narutos and the one pieces of the world uh so they've obviously there's some similar through lines you can see their influence Mm -hmm. obviously my hero academia and studio bones is just like there has not been and i don't think there will be a better chemistry between like property and studio um than than you're going to get with that show just it's like bones i feel like they've always been really good at that sort of that really colorful bold outline sort of look and it it really helps that um i I think a distinct thing that separates my hero academia from those other two shows that i'm reviewing is that my hero academia mostly takes place in like a city it's mostly like everything's kind of sleek or everything's you're mostly looking at buildings or rooms and stuff as opposed to like one piece or black clover where you're you're out in the world you're you're going through nature more often than not or something fantastical but yeah i think i think bones really it it really brings life to what is i think essentially an inorganic art style and i don't i don't mean that in in a negative way i just that's just kind of what characterizes it it's very modern it's very very much in that vein and like i i definitely think that like piro they've got Perot and Toei, they obviously have their their short, shortcomings. I think Perot is. I like that Perot is so willing to kind of lean into the more the more naturalistic 
feel of their worlds in like Naruto and and Black Clover, where it's you know you you feel like you're in places that are dirty, which is true to those worlds. And then and then One Piece and Dragon Ball, they just so often look like just look like plastic toys, and that's kind of what bugs me a lot of the time about their their style. Mm-hmm. And like I I think that it looks good when it looks good, but that's that's like a percentage of the time. Yeah, it's a little too polished. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like it's too colorful. It's too shiny. It's too the world doesn't feel lived in enough, you know. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, that's those those are the things that I think are are kind of distinct about those studios. I mean, obviously, in terms of just like quality, Bones is just like every every week. It it's just like what that show needs to be versus uh, Toei and and uh, Perot, which are more all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the quality is a little inconsistent. Yeah, when it hits, it hits. Like that newest, uh, not the newest Black Clover, but episode forty nine. Like that was that was awesome. Like I was so surprised by how good it was. Uh, Long running Shonen Jump anime adaptations have earned a negative reputation for their inconsistent quality, as uh, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, what do you feel are the advantages and disadvantages of long form adaptations? And do you think this best complements Shonen Jump manga, which run weekly year round, or do you prefer the recent seasonal approach adopted by series like My Hero Academia and Haikyuu? This is a really good question because I think there's so many. I feel like the different ways that they approach it do make me feel pretty differently. I mean, as much as as much as like it's easy to harp on like Toei's animation quality a lot of the time, like I th- like sometimes the 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 just like the very kind of um, off the cuff like workmanship of it is sort of it's more about getting you into the the pace of it. Like once once you're in it, once you're in like a marathon mode with something like One Piece, like it goes very very fast compared to what it actually is. Um, and I think that's a I think that's a unique experience. There's there's a grind. Like uh, this is sort of the the metaphor I like to draw is that I think like like JRPGs, I think they need grinding. I I think you need to choose to put that kind of effort in instead of just like having the game just lead you along the whole way through or make it or the game letting it be that easy the whole way through. I think I think part I think the grind, I think the sort of the meditative quality of that is part of the experience. Um, and so I get that I get that with like the super long running stuff like uh, like One Piece. Um, I not to say that I want it to be as slow as it is. I still want it to be tightened up quite a bit. But like I always thought, like Dragon Ball Kai was like such a perfect compromise in in the pacing. But then on the flip side, My Hero Academia and Black Clover, which are both like very like in the, their mangas are very snappy in nature. I think. And so I think I think it is better to lean into that quality as opposed to to trying to adapt it and make it feel uh, longer. I think when I started reviewing My Hero Academia, I remember having moments of like, oh, I wish that I wish that this part of the story was broken up a little more. I wish it was more like a, a, a regular long running show here. Uh, but then as as I got more accustomed to the show's kind of pace and the the its its structural style, I was like, oh no 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 no, you want it to. You want it to snap. You want it to be like this thing and then this thing and then this thing. So the the seasonal approach is both good for the quality of the show, of co- the consistent quality of the animation, but also I think it complements the the story that it's going for a lot more. Which is just like it, it's sad because like I think now that My Hero Academia is doing that so well, it's kind of hard to imagine asking for something to do it the One Piece way ever again. Um, as much as I love it, yeah, I. 
I, I personally definitely prefer the seasonal approach. Like, I really can't imagine, unless it was something I was, like, really, really into, e- even with One Piece, like, I personally already have the manga, which I feel like I, even weekly, I feel like I get so much more out of compared to the anime. I don't know, like, well, like when I was younger, I found it pretty easy to, like, just blow through a bunch of the One Piece anime because I had so much of it at the time. And like you said, like, it is a pretty unique experience to have just uh, just so much one piece there at your disposal to just to just basically binge through and honestly like i i feel like if you're going to go with the one piece anime that's probably that's probably the best way to experience it uh as opposed to getting just a small portion of the story weekly yeah um like my my general recommendation is like i i think everyone should at least at least once in their life try binging just like a couple hundred episodes of one piece um yeah but uh, I mean, like, and I, I guess part of me, I've always been like afraid, like, oh, like a, a show like My Hero Academia can never like really recreate that. But like, I don't know if that's even really true because like my younger brother, like I, I've continuously failed to get him into One Piece, but like he, he ate up My Hero Academia immediately. He marathoned like the whole first like 50 some episodes in like two days. Wow. And and he came back to me. He's like, "That's what anime is like, and that's what you're talking about." I'm like, "Yeah, dude." <sighs> oh, that's 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 really cute. Um, I I mean, I think it helps that like, I mean, I hate this. Like, I don't know. This might not even be true, but it it seems like it just has a more wider appeal than One Piece does. At least over here in the West, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, like it. I mean, it's a combination of I think in the West it has more appeal in general, and the longer One Piece gets, the more of a I think the more of a of a niche audience it's going to speak to. Hmm. Yeah. So something I something I see with a lot of people who struggle to get into you know anything longer than like say fifty episodes or so is that you know they're they're always afraid of like the commitment quote unquote that comes with it, which right. Like anytime people talk about getting into longer stuff, they always make it sound like, you know, that's just what their life is going to be all about, that they cannot take a break, <laughs> that they're never going to be allowed to watch anything else ever again. They're not going to be allowed to like, like they act like they have to take off, uh, take time off of work, you know, just to, just to get through this thing. But like, I mean, to be fair, like I got into it when I didn't, when, when I didn't have a lot, when I had a lot of free time, you know, like, no, yeah, same here. Um, like I could never get into, I, like, I could never get into One Piece, like, if I was starting it now, just because I live in, like, a post smartphone and social media world, like, my attention mm-hmm. span is, is like a strip screw at this point. You know, I, that's totally fair. Uh, my, my, my thing is that, like, you know, people don't realize that, like, you know, you won't have those problems if you like it. If you like it, right, exactly. You know, you won't have a problem getting through, like, I don't know. Uh, 10 20 episodes in one day i don't know um <laughs> like I, I went through the same thing with like gintama years ago where it was like you know i just kind of started it and i liked it and you know i got through like maybe one or two episodes a day or whatever when i had the time and then there was a point where you know the show really hooked me and i think i there were days where i would end up watching like 10 15 episodes a day and just do nothing else because i just wanted to watch it that badly <laughs> So, like, it's one of those things where it's like, again, you won't have problems getting into a thing if you like it. And if that's the case, like, you'll be at the point where it's like, okay, well, now I'm afraid of running out of this thing, you know? <laughs> like, that's that's how I felt, you know, again, with Gintama when I finally caught up to it. I was like, well, what what else is there now? What else do I do with my time? 
And I, I can see a lot of people going through the same thing with, you know, shows like One Piece and My Hero Academia and even Black Clover. So, so the, it's, it's a whole, it's, it's a whole big thing, I guess. It's, it's, it's a really, it's really interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. But I guess just to move on to the next question here. So, uh, how do you feel about this recent trend of Shonen Jump movies complementing and, con- uh, continuing in their manga, such as the recent One Piece, Naruto, and Dragon Ball films? Do you find it preferable to the divorced standalone installments of years past, which have been often criticized for certain derivative commonalities, such as recycling storylines from their series, uh, introducing a heroine uh, in need of a rescue, cookie cutter plots, etc.? In general, for the most part, I'm loving it. Um, Like, I I don't know about Naruto so much, uh, but like. And I, I have not, I've yet to see the the new My Hero Academia. That that'll be the interesting one because you know, you know how good Bones is doing the the TV show. So it's the the movie is certain to be be good. Oh yeah. Uh, but like how much how much it reflects on the actual main series itself is uh, to be determined. But like what One Piece and and uh, Dragon Ball Z Battle of Gods have been doing, I think that's a phenomenal uh, balance, or at least. With Dragon Ball Z, it got kind of weird when they had to start remaking the movies for arcs. And I think that's kind of what, what Boruto is doing, too. Like, didn't they have to, like, remake a Boruto movie? I think so, yeah. They basically took the Boruto movie and just retold it in the series, I think. That's what I've heard, anyway. Yeah, that's that's not as fun. Like, when they have to retrofit it in, into a TV show that they're making, that I think is a little annoying. But, yeah. um, like, I think One Piece Film Z... I think it makes the series better. Like, I think it really has a great grasp on what the manga's kind of themes are, and it it finds a a new perspective to look at them from, uh, and it makes the world feel bigger and more rich. And that's kind of what I love what what they're doing there, where it's like uh, these adventures they don't re- necessarily like fit in the canon story, but they they introduce like characters and backstories that totally that you totally absorb into the the original story. Like, as far as I'm concerned. Like Shiki and Zed, like they are people who existed in that world at one point. Yeah, they're 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 pieces of the lore that are like actually worth seeking out. Yes, uh, I didn't think Film Gold went anywhere especially interesting in that direction, uh, and so we'll have to see. We'll have to see where the new the new movie goes. The film Film Gold at the same time though was still, I, at least I thought it was still a very fun film. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good movie. I think Film Gold was really good at like. It, it did what I wanted the the last two to do, which is actually structure itself like a one piece arc uh, instead of like a like a ninety minute movie. But film Z, I think, is just like so thematically rich and like so interesting. It's a thing you could only do if you've got like a good writer who isn't Oda himself, but but appreciates the same themes and has something new to say to them. So yeah, I I think that's good. And then as far as the the latter part of your question, recycling storylines, that can that that can get kind of weird. Like uh, like the way that Guild Tesoro is just like Doflamingo again uh, <laughs> was a little lame. Pretty uh, much. And like the the heroin stuff. Uh, I don't know. I that, I'm not the person who who takes a ton of issue with that. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that other people do, but um, I think personally, I take issue with it. If it's like if it feels lazy or if it feels token, yeah, it feels derivative, like I've seen this before, or if it just feels annoying, right, like I don't know what I don't know what that new girl in my hero academia is about, but um, I'm hoping she has a role to play um yeah. i I guess with one piece films in particular, especially in like some of their some of the filler arcs in the anime, like 
Toei always feels the need to, like, add in a small, like, girl character so that the kids can relate to them or something. And uh, I'm I'm never a fan of I'm never a fan of those additions because I I, I am not a small six year old girl I can't re- I can't relate to this character <laughs> so it, it's so to me so it just comes off to me as like it just comes off cynical to me like oh they clearly added this character because this um I guess uh, on to the next question here so anime adaptations often have the benefit of fleshing out the stories of the manga by expanding on details the original mangaka couldn't. And so, what are the best examples of this in your mind in particular? Like, how do you think an anime can best complement a Shonen Jump manga? And in general, what do you think is the best way to experience a Shonen Jump series? Through its anime or through its manga? The timeless question. Because <sighs> there's so many... There's so many... Factors. Especially... Well, yeah. Especially with, with Toei and uh, Piro in particular... Like, I will see the arguments made from the, the hardcore fans of those anime adaptations where they're like, oh, no, like, it's fleshing the story out or it's giving you this or it's giving you... And it's like, is it, though? Like, it's that, it's that Thor gif. Is it? Is it really? <laughs> like, people will say that. Like, oh, Whole Cake Island is greatly improved by, by fleshing this out. They're, you're not, they're not fleshing anything out. They're just like botching the the dramatic flow <laughs> that's all they're doing they're just making a scene longer yeah <laughs> um and like i i understand the point of view like i think that i think that there are many instances in which you could do that and i th- and i think oda has even said like oh i i've gotten in the habit of like kind of cramping the stories in tighter so i can get through the story faster and just sort of relying on on the anime staff to sort of flesh my ideas out and i wish that they fleshed his ideas out you know because I, th- yeah. I think I think it is a little cramped sometimes. I think it does need a, a little more breathing room, or or certain through lines need a little elbow grease. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't know. I don't think that really shows in the final product that much. Sadly, unfortunately, um, I yeah. think I think My Hero Academia had a very interesting positive example where, like the uh, what was it the the professional license exams. How they added a few scenes of like Yaoya Rozu and and them. They got a little filler scene, and uh, you spend a little more time in the front half of that arc than I think you do in the manga. Mm-hmm. Or even with episodes like uh, the episode they dedicate to Suyu in um, in season two. Right. The 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 license exams example I thought was interesting because when it was sort of happening, I I, I was I was just kind of whatever about it it's like okay yeah filler like i don't really care if if every character gets focused i think it's more interesting to focus on like the flow of the story than to balance the cast out but then you get to the end of that arc where you get to the the actual meat of the story and it's basically about how like the hothead characters just sort of jump the gun and and screw everything up for everyone else and so you you kind of appreciate the time that was spent on the on the good kids doing they're just trying to do their job yeah I think I think that actually kind of balanced out the final like punchline of the of the arc in a really nice way. Mm, no, I I totally agree. And then as for which one I prefer, I mean I've I'm I'm more of a of an anime guy than a manga guy at heart. I enjoy the experience of just like sitting in front of a screen and watching and marathoning something. So that's kind of where my heart is. Um, I think that there's especially with the longer shows, there's a point of diminishing returns for that. And ideally, that point of diminishing returns is hundreds of episodes in. 
Uh, but that's not always the case. And uh, I think My Hero Academia's anime is just too good not to recommend to literally everybody who could possibly be interested in it. Um, but I guess we'll just move on to our last two questions here. Uh, the first of which being, what does Shonen Jump mean to you? I think the thing that amazes me the most about Shonen Jump is like it's it's a focus on long form storytelling. But it's long form storytelling that you're you're kind of working with as you go. Like if you if you are working on like a if you're working in Hollywood, if you're making a movie, if you're if you're making a TV show even, like a lot of everything has to get planned out ahead of time. Every everything you go through multiple passes of the the script, you go through you shoot things, you edit things, you get multiple cuts, you polish it up until you think it's something that the public is is good seeing and you even with the TV show you basically finish that season before anything airs. Uh, but with manga, it's like you are constructing basically like sometimes movie or novel sized epic stories that you are finalizing one week at a time. Yeah, you're uh, in, in most cases, uh, you're making up the story as you go along. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, and obviously they have they have like plans. They have story meetings with their editors. They know they know the general direction that they want to go. But I mean, any, anybody who who makes anything will tell you that like nothing nothing's real until it's real, you know. Exactly. You have not figured out, you know, if you've got any like square pegs you're trying to force into round holes until you're you're drawing it. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just like I don't know, like I, I assume that 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 requires kind of a heightened attention to detail or a height, or you have to be in tune with your story in a way that I think very few storytellers are often required to be. And I think that gets some pretty interesting results. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think that it's that combined with the sort of it's uh, Shonen Jump is such a, it's such a, like a, a, for a lot of people, it's such a portal from being, it's, it's something that, that will lead you from being like a kid to being like a teenager, you know? Yeah. Um, I I think part of the, I've been thinking a lot about like, yeah, how people respond to uh, some of the trashier elements of of Shonen Jump, where like the whole, you know, the whole thing is based on like just violence and brief nudity and all, you know, just like stuff that's meant to entice teenagers. And it is it is trashy on that level, but there's also uh, a reverence for that kind of phase of life of being like a, a 12 year old and, and reading something that's a little just a tiny bit too old for you. Yeah. I don't know. I just I think it's cool when you can make something like that, like almost like your mission statement of a story, you know? No, yeah. It's to create that experience for some teenage boy out there. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. But uh, I guess our final question, and uh, I, I may know the answer to this one, uh, <laughs> but uh, what is your favorite Shonen Jump manga and why? Yeah, um, I, I know that like on ANN, like I get I get a lot of the Shonen Jump stuff. The editors over there are like, "Oh, he's Sam's the, our Shonen Jump guy. If we need anything, that's long running. We just we just give it to Sam." Um, but I think at the end of the day, I am a One Piece guy before I'm an anything else guy. Yeah, it's just like it's just what's got me. You know, it's it's the thing I'm I'm gonna stick with until it's over. It's it's the most important relationship I will ever have with a, a piece of entertainment, and I'm pretty comfortable with that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I admire that almost. Um, all right. Well, um, I think that about does it for our time here, Sam. Um, thank you so much for coming on and, and uh, doing this interview with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a this was a fun conversation. And uh, I guess just real quick before we go, uh, where can the good people find you? 
Well, as usual, they can find me on Twitter at Lucky Chainsaw. They can find me on the One Piece podcast every week doing the anime recaps. And they can find me on AnimeNewsNetwork.com currently doing the daily streaming reviews for One Piece. Uh, actually, My Hero Academia will probably have ended by the time this airs. Probably, right? yeah. So uh, One Piece, Black Clover, and maybe a third show if if the the planets align. Probably JoJo Part 5. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm at uh, over there. Well, I guess we'll have to see. Again, I'm so I'm so great at ending this stuff off. I might as well just stop recording. <laughs> But while it's true that Shonen Jump anime are how many people are introduced to those stories, Shonen Jump is, at its core, a manga magazine. And Shonen Jump series are, in their most primal form, manga. And we, of course, are the Manga Mavericks, and we're here to discuss manga. And we should discuss what are our favorite Shonen Jump manga in its 50-year history. What is the one series that we love the most out of the hundreds the magazine has published? What is the one series we hold closest to our hearts and feel truly embodies the spirit of Shonen Jump? Colton, what is your thoughts? What is your favorite Shonen Jump manga and why? Well, you know, as you and a lot of our listeners probably know, because I never shut up about them, um, you know, even as far as like all my five all time favorite manga go, like they're all they're all shown in jump titles. And, you know, I think that kind of speaks to the power of jump and its quality to where like basically almost all of my favorite manga all come from jump, except maybe like maybe like two. And, you know, like I always kind of go back and forth between like you know, what my favorite manga is, because, like, my top five in particular are just so, like, I really did kind of rack my brain about, like, what my favorite jump manga is, because, you know, like, obviously, when I first got into jump manga, my favorite for the longest time was One Piece, and while, you know, One Piece in particular, I've kind of, my opinions of the series have kind of gone up and down all throughout the 10 years I've been into One Piece, I don't want to think about how I've been in the One Piece for 10 years now. Um, you know, One Piece still holds a special place in my heart. You know, I, I could go through all, all of my favorites. You know, I Shield 21, Nero. Um, hell, I think, like, My Hero Academia is even kind of becoming one of my all-time favorites at this point. But I think the series that I really, that I think is the most representative of me as an individual, and I think is the most representative of Jump and their motto of, friendship effort victory would have to be Kenta Shinohara's Sket Dance. Sket Dance is essentially about these three high school kids who form a club called the Sket Don, who, you know, basically their mission is to basically make their school a better place by helping students and faculty alike with all their, you know, individual small problems, such as like, I don't know, like getting kittens stuck out of trees or uh, participating in giant uh, mobile game events so that people can get extra emoticons or whatever for their mobile game. Um, you know, everyday wacky situations like that. 
Um, but Skep Dance, I, you know, like we spent two whole hours talking about, it, so I don't want to go on too long. But I mean, like, Skep Dance to me, I think, is like if I had to pick something that I think really represents Shun and Jump, like I would feel more than confident in choosing Skep Dance because, you know, Skep Dance isn't really like, like, I guess it's sort of atypical for Jump in that, like, it's not a, it's not like a battle series or anything. Like, Skep Dance is a pretty, you know, like, it's still a comedy that, you know, as Shinahara has mentioned, you know, takes a lot of influence from, you know, Dr. Slump and whatnot, where, like, you know, you have this series, or I guess this setting full of just wacky, bigger-than-life characters that, you know, all feel like their own individual people with their own, like, like, like they feel, they feel like fleshed out characters, I guess, sort of differing from Dr. Slump in a way. Um, it, Skatance just has a little more depth, I guess. It's basically if you take Dr. Slump and you combine it with, like, the character writing and depth that you got out of Gintama, and that's basically what Skat Dance is. Like, Skat Dance is a very, very funny series where, Almost anything can happen, you know, stuff like time traveling air conditioning fans uh, just kind of happen to appear out of nowhere. Um, You know, it's a world where stuff like that happens, but it's also a very grounded world as well, where like, you know, the characters still deal with very real problems that anybody can go through, you know, such as like, um, you know, just having trouble making friends or having trouble communicating with people, you know, very real relatable problems like that. That even in a world where, like, these weird, wacky, bizarre things happen, that the characters still go through things that other real people do. And, um, you know, I think the fact that uh, the main character, Basun, you know, his whole mission is to basically help people and whatnot. And, you know, I think that in and of itself represents that Shonen Jump motto of friendship, effort, victory. Like, again, I could go on about sket dance and whatnot but uh in summation like i think sket dance you know without having to be a typical battle series basically represents that model and jump in um i think in the best way possible mm-hmm. i would definitely agree with you having read sket dance earlier this year or rather late last year but recording about it earlier this year sket dance really does embody those three values that Shonen Jump prides itself on extremely well. And it is a very relatable and emotional series. Even not having read it in my formative years, having just read it last year, it did really move me. Several of the stories, and especially those of the main three characters and their friendship and how they get each other's true struggles and how they strive to help everybody with their problems. It's really, really powerful and extremely great stuff. And it is a very uniquely personal pick for you to choose. And that's the same with my choice, even if I'm sure many other people would also say this. Because my favorite manga, my favorite Shonen Jump manga, is Dragon Ball. And that is, of course, a very con, very popular choice, I'm sure, for a lot of people, because for a lot of people, Dragon Ball was a very formative series for them. It was one of their first anime they got into, one of their first manga they've read. And that's the same for me, too. And that's still held true after all these years. 
after 13 years since I first discovered it, Dragon Ball has been such a hugely integral and influential part of my life. And that, of course, extends to the entire multimedia franchise. But just in terms of the manga specifically, Dragon Ball is the first manga that I've ever read. At the very least, it's the first manga that I ever read the right way, from right to left. Of course, I had read Pokemon manga even earlier than Dragon Ball, but never with the awareness that I was reading a manga. They were always flipped manga that you know to me i didn't make a distinction in my head that oh this is japanese comics this is a manga i never made that distinction in my head but with dragon ball that was my first exposure to that i distinctly remember the very first volume of manga i purchased way back in the march of 2005 was dragon ball z volume 18 which was a very very important volume because that is the volume where Gohan becomes Super Saiyan 2 in his fight with Cell. The culmination of Gohan's character arc and his growth as a character. And to me, that really hit me hard in terms of here is this pacifistic character who doesn't like the fight, but here he's put into a station where he has no choice. He has to fight and he has to kill. And Gohan transforms, inspired by the words of Android 16 and seeing him die before his eyes and thinking about what he says and what is at stake and what he needs to fight for. It fuels the rage inside him and he lets it all out and he transforms into the most powerful character even stronger than his father, even stronger than Cell. But it's not triumphant. It's bittersweet. There are tears in his eye because it's a loss of innocence for Gohan. And there's no going back after this point. With that moment, Gohan has transformed from a child to an adult. And to me, as a young kid, that really hit me hard as someone who is thinking about what it means to become an adult, you know, as you grow up, and what it means to grow up. This moment with Gohan really resonated with me, and it hit me at my core and in my heart. And that, you know, has stuck with me throughout all these years. And there are many moments in the Dragon Ball manga that have stuck with me in a similar way in terms of the characters' development and growth throughout the story and the triumphs they have and the losses they have you know, personally, and even beyond that, even beyond the story content, that volume of Dragon Ball Z was my first introduction to reading manga right to left, and I remember my confusion of how to read it at first, but then getting the hang of it, but then it not even mattering that it was this new weird way to read a comic because I was getting enthralled in Akira Toriyama's amazing compositions and really excellent artwork that was so simple, but had so much expression and emotion and life in his lines that just completely enthralled and captivated me. And the more I dug into the Dragon Ball manga and was amazed by 
the excellency of Toriyama's artwork, the more it encouraged me to draw and encouraged me to make comics as a kid. And I would make several comics very inspired by Dragon Ball with character designs directly aping characters from Dragon Ball and Dr. Slump. More so Dr. Slump, even. I had XBs of Dr. Mashirito and King Nico-chan from Dr. Slump as characters I made. But Toriyama... And his manga, they truly inspired me as an artist and inspired me to want to draw and also were hugely informative in me coming to realize what I love in comics and what to me makes a good comic and the qualities of what makes a great composition, what makes great character design, great artwork, a great fight scene, all of that to me, is best embodied in Dragon Ball. And that is why, I, I mean, I truly believe Dragon Ball is perhaps still the best action comic there's ever been, even if there are other series with more creative fights and crazy fights or all of that stuff. I don't think that tr anyone else has truly matched Toriyama's uh, mastery of compositions of paneling and guiding your eyes throughout a page with very simple and clear and easy to follow uh, drawings as well as a page layout that really easily helps you guide your eyes and keep you enthralled in the action and what's going on on the page. Even now when I revisit Dragon Ball, when I pick up an old volume, I think to myself, well, I'll just read a few pages of this and I end up reading the entire volume, an entire omnibus I have just spent there in an hour just completely being lost in Dragon Ball again. And so... To me, Dragon Ball as a series is just so important to me. And also, it's just so intrinsically tied to what Shonen Jump means to me. And it's one of the first things I think of when I think of Shonen Jump, the world's most popular manga. I think about Dragon Ball, which is still easily one of the most popular and recognizable anime manga franchises in the world. And a huge part in spreading the popularity of other series like it, like One Piece and Naruto, to international audiences. But going back to what I was saying about Toriyama and how he really cultivates a really engrossing reading experience through his compositions and layouts, that is a huge part of what makes Shonen Jump the magazine so fun to read too, is the sequence of series within the magazine and how they all come together as a unified experience where you start the issue and go all the way through the end, just reading series after series, feeling the flow of each series, and just getting lost in the manga, and in these different stories. And someone who has been going through Shonen Jump cover to cover, issue by issue, recently is our friend Doctor, host of the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast and Justin Gintama Podcast. On his Patreon, he's been doing this show called Jumping Through, where he's going through his backlog of issues from 2017 and recapping his thoughts on each series as he reads through them. And so we interview Doctor about what he's learned doing this project and what he believes is the ideal Shonen Jump reading experience.
All right, and uh, with me for this interview, I have a doctor from the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast, amongst a bunch of other podcasts. Um, hey, bud, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty well. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm just interviewing a bunch of people for this thing because we love giving ourselves work. Oh, I, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> I mean, it, it's the 50th anniversary of Jump. Like, we figured we might as well do something. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> I, 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 it's a good reason to celebrate, I guess. Yeah, might as well get uh, to overwork yourself and lose sleep. <laughs> just yeah, just just like everyone else who works for Shueisha, right? right. Um, <laughs> oh, I I hate the joke because like I actually do feel really sorry for like the people in the industry, e- even even if it's something they choose to do. It's like I could never lead that. I could never lead that life. Um, no, no. But but anyway, um, let, let's talk. Let's talk about fun stuff. So mm-hmm. um, so I, I guess we can just get started uh, with the questions here. So um, well, f- first things first. How did you discover Shonen Jump? Uh, well, uh, I, I want to say that like many things, when it comes to manga, I, I discovered it through anime. Uh, I think it was a person who ended up. Uh, watching anime in my younger years and never really knowing that well where did this stuff come from yeah so uh so around the time that i think one piece bleach naruto you know the big big ones uh i was watching them and then eventually i think i like went to a bookstore or something and noticed like oh hey cool like they have they they have the books for they have comics of this series uh, manga whatever uh and uh (laughs) And I noticed that they all have like a little logo on. It's like, oh, jump, Shonen Jump. I was like, what's this about? And then eventually, I see like in a magazine rack, like, oh, cool, they have like actual like showed like a, they, this. They all came from this magazine. All right, word. Like, and after a while, I like by then, internet started becoming a, like an easier thing to use because <laughs> this is like in the early like mind you, I discovered this like in these early days of internet, not really knowing everything right off the bat and where to find stuff. So once I got to a point where I actually can find information, I was like, oh, okay, cool. So this is where all this came from. Uh, the like, there's an English version, there's a Japanese version, and the English version have certain series and yada yada. And so that's kind of more or less how I discovered Jump as like as a concept and as an idea. As uh, is through that, it's like just like through anime, and like it just it just happens. Like a lot of these series came from there. Mm. Yeah, I, I I can't I can't say that I don't have the same experience. Honestly, I feel like I feel like most people probably do. Honestly, uh, but I guess just moving on. So uh, you've recently undertaken the task of catching up on your backlog of uh, Shonen Jump issues, specifically through the uh, the digital subscription provided by Viz Media. And, uh, you know, going through every issue from 2017 and whatnot, which, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to actually, if you want to talk about that a little bit, that's, uh, that's part of the reason that's part, that's kind of part of the reason why, um, I wanted to interview you in particular was because you were doing this thing, uh, specifically through your, uh, SSA, uh, Patreon. Yeah. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash SSAA network, or you can go to SSAA network.com, uh, I have a Patreon page, uh, with all kinds of stuff, including the my main show, the Aspergers Enemy Podcast, all the different shows that I cover, just against on the podcast, one podcast reveals, you know, the co-host here, Colton is on, among other things. Uh, and as sort of when the beginnings of it, it, my incentive to to have this Patreon was was to like have exclusive content that you couldn't get in any of the other shows. And at one point, I was like, oh, I have like a giant backlog of stuff that I've been meaning to read and catch up on. So I think at a certain point I was like, oh, um, 
I should really catch up on One Piece, and um, because like in My Hero Academia, because like, oh yeah, I'd love to talk about this, you know, the current stuff. I just never got a chance to. But I was like, like back in 2016 is probably where I remember leaving off. You can probably listen to the Manga Mavericks episode about uh, uh, My Hero Academia, as you know, context wise, where I was at the time, uh, and. I was like, oh, let me just, you know, uh, cover the shows, the series that I've been reading. And then at a certain point, I was like, oh, why don't I just cover everything? Screw it, because I hate myself. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Jumping Through 2017 is the name of the actual project. And on our $3 tier, uh, it is exclusive to there. You can, and if you want to pay more, go ahead. But yeah, it is. Uh, you can actually listen to me going through uh, every series uh, as best as I possibly can uh through what is uh, in month chunks so essentially every since it was a weekly it's a weekly magazine so uh, i figured like oh let me i don't want to do this i don't want to do a weekly show i'd rather kind of like do like somewhat monthly or like kind of like every couple of weeks maybe i would release an episode uh and so i figured like oh let me just cover a like a literal month's worth of magazine so that's three or so chapters for each series that's like looking at possibly 30 to 40 chapters uh, of uh, an episode so I'm doing my best to condense that and kind of get my point across and try to give my opinion a lot of these series and some of it's fun some of it like is uh, I guess not exactly the most interesting but yeah it, it it varies on the series Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll definitely leave links to that in, in the show notes for people who want to check that out. But I guess that leads into like my actual question. So uh, how does reading these issues in monthly chunks affect your experience and perspective on the series that you're reading in particular? Uh, I think it's it's very akin to how you would read uh, in I guess volume collected issues uh, where I it, it I mean this is like probably maybe a third of how much you would probably get in a regular like Tonkamon. I think so, yeah, more or less. But I think it's it's been easier to digest. There are some series more than others that I can say it helps vastly. Uh, things like One Piece, uh, I think, because there's enough stuff going on at a certain point that uh, I kind of like having a good amount of material to read and as the story kind of progresses. But then there's some series where the week to week would probably benefit more than others. But uh, but other other than that, it's it's been it's been helpful mainly just so I can <laughs> I can read through it a lot quicker. If it, if I were to if I had a show where if it was every week I would read in a chapter, one it probably I would probably be less incentivized to kind of read it because um uh, I feel like I do a lot of stuff at a at a certain point. I think I mentioned like you can check out the network. There's like a ton of podcasts that I that I cover and do. Having a weekly show on top of that as well to do chapter by chapter, it it would kind of exhaust me. So I've been I've been strategically pushing uh reading in the back for for several weeks and then once the month is up or more or less a month clears that way i can at least do an episode because that's kind of the point of having the patron is to make sure i have content out there for people to to listen to i feel i feel a lot more confident but like oh yeah let me actually get like a good amount of reading and luckily once i you know once i'm invested in to reading i just want to keep going like if a series is really really interesting i'll just keep going through uh, through the rest of the month or even close to the next month, depending on how it, but I've been trying my best to try to keep it within a certain window. That way I don't overread and like get to know what's, what's happening next. Because what's the kind of like the beauty of the podcast is that I don't know 
exactly what happens later on in the, in the year. I might know like certain characters appear at one point or another or like oh they got to the end of this arc maybe sometime later but i've been doing my best to try to just uh focus in on just what's happening now in 2017 and just not not trying to find spoilers or anything just to like have to uh, to get an honest and pure reaction to what's actually happening and what's nice is if anything it's like it, it allows people to can to listen to someone who is uh, reading multiple series one, but also like getting to hear uh, what uh, people might have missed out on, or maybe what's what they're experiencing now, and like maybe in an anime, because I know like several series that I'm covering have anime recently have uh, like uh, like a season recently covering that material. So it's sort of like oh cool, like now I can like peek into my girlfriend who's watching like maybe the anime of said series, and be like oh I just I literally just read that like a week ago. <laughs> Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, but it, it, I've been enjoying it a lot more now, like in, in the sort of like chunks sometimes. You've jumped to the miniseries currently running in jump that you weren't already caught up on previously, including stuff like Black Clover and Food Wars. And in spite of not having read them from the beginning, you were able to get a sense of them and enjoy them pretty quickly. I know you've talked about that with Black Clover in particular. Um, yeah. And so do you think it's a strength of Shonen Jump manga that they're so easily accessible that you can, like, start reading them from any given chapter, understand what's going on, and get quickly invested? Um, it's, it depends. I mean, for clarity's sake, if you guys want to know, uh, at the time when I started the project, I was only, inv- like, interested and invested in maybe three series. That was One Piece, My Hair Academia, and at the time, promised Everland because I think it basically. Like, I was reading up to the 2016 run, and it it it, uh, it ended up like it come it came out around that time. So that was like one of the series I was actually I was actually current on. Uh, so everything else has been series that I have not had a chance to check out that much. Uh, there are a few series that I know maybe some working knowledge on, and then there's like series like Food Wars and Black Clover where I had nothing. Like I, I looked at nothing about that. Maybe I caught an episode of the anime at most. Uh, I think the, the thing is like, again, it goes back to the, like, it really depends on the series. And I think most importantly, it was the timing of how I got into some of these series it really helped. Black Clover at the time was just about to fight a big boss. So I kind of understood, like, okay, where where they are and where they're at at the moment. Uh, I think Food Wars was at the very beginning of them doing that whole team Shogeki. So it was like, oh, they're establishing this and, like, they're telling you, oh, we're going to be doing this contest. It's going to be, like, five on five and whatever the hell. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, at least I – there's enough for me to jump in (laughs) uh, into uh, this series without being completely confused. But then there are series that I probably would – Say, I, I think I, I joke about it on on the on the on the episodes on the recordings that they're I consider them my big three because they're the three series that I don't have any knowledge in and have struggled so much to kind of get invested in. Uh, that be Yu Gi Oh Five Ds, Blue Exorcist, and Sarah for the end. So for those of people who are probably fans of those, I'm sorry uh, if you're listening if you're going to listen to my podcast about it. But it was it's very difficult because they don't really give you enough to kind of get a uh, find a way to get people into the series and it's sort of like a mentality that uh that I know in western comics that sometimes they do this where it's like every com- every every comic is everyone's first comic uh and I like that mentality in the sense where like they give you enough up front to kind of get you to know who these people are and then allows you to be able to continue on with the stories and manga has this unfortunate habit of like uh where you need to kind of 
read from the beginning to really appreciate what actually is happening or and sometimes understand what actually is happening. So, uh, you know, it's like saying, Oh, can I read berserk? Like after like the eclipse? I mean, you can, maybe you, you want to understand why this means so much more to the, uh, to this character. But, uh, you know, it's, it's things like that, that, that kind of like irk me when it comes to manga, but uh, at least what I have been able to do, with this project and allowed me to appreciate some series. It's like, okay, I, I can see what the, what, what the appeal is. And most of the time they do a good job at really uh, hammering home who these characters are and how their personalities are and allows me to get invested enough to be able to enjoy what's actually happening around them and whatever the story is actually about. So it was, it was kind of cool to be like, Oh, I knew next to nothing about food, uh, about um, black clover jumping in, Asta suddenly he gets this like dark aura ability thing and there's like that looks dope. <laughs> there's like a giant like fire dragon happening. That looks cool. The art also probably a big factor uh in kind of like allowing me to like oh like this is something nice to look at and I it's it manages to click. Not every series clicks that like I mentioned a second ago. But I think what's nice is that I'm able to enjoy what I have there and be able to at least appreciate what I have. And then eventually, if I would, if I could, I would like to go back and kind of read through everything prior to where I was. Mind you, there are some series like a Food Wars. I think when I started the project, it was like at 99 or 100 chapters at that point. Uh, so I was just like, this seems like a lost cause. But I, I do my best to still know what's ha know what goes on and do my best to kind of like talk about like oh yeah i kind of like this i kind of like this that looks silly uh let oh she has no clothes now um i got <laughs> i understood that reference uh and you know it, 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 that's that's all i can do at the time but for everything else it's just uh if i luck out i will be in reading in the middle of an arc that just started so otherwise it's you know it's it, it's hit or miss unfortunately um, so I guess on to the next thing. Um, so what is your opinion of Viz's Jumpstart Initiative? And are, are three chapters of a series enough to enjoy and get invested in it? Or do you find it unsatisfying, especially when like, there's no guarantee that the series will last or actually even be picked up by Viz proper? Uh, I I am 100% down for them doing this Jumpstart Initiative. One, because I can use my music cue for the episode. Two, it allows people to actually get to see more series because hey surprise there, there's a lot of stuff that happens in that magazine in japan and not everything so, gets so, brought so over. wait 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 are, are you telling me that jump has more than one piece yes more than there's more than one piece in my year academia oh wow huh a, a whole a whole new world a whole new world uh so it's a fantastic point of view uh, so <laughs> so having that there is really cool however there is the way they implement it is a little bit. I don't know. I don't know enough about the the process in which they select series. Like yeah. what? What? I think that's the thing that confuses me. Because if if you would have told me, oh, hey, we never learn is going to be the next big hit, um, from from the jump starts, I would have been like, you're you're crazy. Like, but you know, and like, okay, I guess I understand the need to have maybe a series like this to be on the magazine, given that they lost Nisekoi or whatever at the, uh, before I actually started recording the show. Um, then okay, but then there's other stuff with like, okay, what what merits this? What allows this to continue and not this one? Like uh, things like, I don't know, Robot Laser Beam. I think that one was a series that I've been trying to read, and I'm. Oh, a little mixed on that one. Uh, meanwhile, there's like something like Shudan, where it's a soccer series. That I like soccer. 
um, and uh, probably a little bit more than I like golf. Uh, but it was like, oh, another sports series. I wonder if they keep it. No. <laughs> like, honestly, I feel like if it weren't for, like, the, su- the success of Kuroko's basketball, they they probably wouldn't have picked up Robot Laser Beam. I'm surprised they still even after that. Like, <laughs> because this, it is, it's dry as freaking chalk, man. Like, it's, <laughs> I, like, there's, like, maybe a couple of moments that I've, like, okay, I can... I can feel like oh, there's some animeness that's happening here. Like here's a here's a snake shot. Okay, that's ridiculous. Okay, I can keep going, but it's it. Unfortunately, without a strong main character, you're not going to get me like to really invest in in someone. But uh, but, but I guess to get back to the point with uh, with the jumpstart in general, uh, is it enough? I think three three chapters is usually a good amount to get like a taste of what you can get from the series. Uh, what was what was the one that I really hated? Uh, U19. Um, <laughs> I, nothing about that series was like appealing at all. It just felt just like grimy. I think that's the best word I can describe it. Like I can see what they were trying to do when it comes to, like here's some crazy like string needle ability or whatever the hell, and like the the world is is uh, run by adults who are just a little bit too. I don't know. It looks a little bit strange, given like there's a statue of a naked man holding a naked boy in his arms. Um, it it sends off. It's bad optics, is all I'm saying. <laughs> but if if you would have told me like, oh yeah, we're gonna add this new series and it's gonna continue on running, I'm like, I'm I'm just like that is a hard skip right there. Like three is enough. It's enough to to tell me like I'm good. Nah, I'm fine. Uh, and but then the series like uh, I think it was. Uh, Oh jeez, I forgot the name of it already. The, the Red Lightning, I think, maybe something like that. Uh, Red Sprite. Red Sprite, yeah. I think that one was. I know that was a Jumpstart series, and then eventually came over, and then it got canceled. <sighs> but I think, that the, but the, but uh, but at least I liked it in the sense of like, okay, there's something that I could really enjoy from the series, and there's something it could turn into something, and then it didn't. I really think that series could have been good if it had more time. Oh yeah, if they had more time, hell yeah. They they literally set it up like we have a set timeline here that we can introduce people slowly and then we can have a payoff maybe at the end or maybe we have a twist at the end that we didn't expect it, you know, something. But it was cut off so early that you didn't get a chance to really get it. But had it not been for like Jumpstart or something like that, you probably no one would have gotten a chance to maybe check it out in the first time. But it's it's good. It's good for just to have variety in this magazine, but it it's more I, like it's unsatisfa- unsatisfactory in the sense, like unless we know what exactly it is, the because I'm assuming it, it is a lot of the surveys. Like uh, if you, people really read those surveys and really do those surveys to really tell people, like, hey, I really like this series, please keep it on. I hope they do that. But what like, I, what I, what I assume it is, it's a combination of surveys, what like fan reaction is like in Japan, because I'm sure that's probably important. Um, that helps, yeah. And also, I'm sure name recognition probably helps because it's like, you know, like I remember when Dr. Stone first premiered in Jump as a jump start that like uh, they already had like a splash page for like the introduction of the series and whatnot. And and it's like, like you could kind of there were signs that you could tell that like, I think they were going to pick that up no matter what, because it's 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 written and drawn by two very well-known uh, creative people. Like, you have the Ice Shield guy, uh, Inagaki, writing the series, and you have somebody like Boichi, who um, has, a, has a few successful series, and also is a big deal because I'm, I think he's Korean or Chinese, I, I forget, I, I know he's not Japanese. Right, right. 
Like I, I know, I know that's, I know that was kind of a big deal at the time because he's, like, because because he's basically a foreigner, you know, drawing for jump, and mm-hmm. you know that that's that's not something you see every day. But so, so I think there are certain like aspects to a series that I think, as far as something getting picked up, I think you know, like I said, I like I think name recognition really plays a big role here in in certain things. Like, like I said, if it if Robot Laser Beam weren't done by the Kuroko's Basketball guy, I don't think Viz really would have like picked it up. Because, I mean, Kuroko's Basketball, is it has its fan base, you know? Yeah, yeah. It kind of just goes out to that, like, where, like, without really knowing what is the, the decision-making process and, like, selecting what continues on to the magazine, I'm kind of, we're kind of left with, like, I, you know, hey, at least there's three chapters of something. Will they release, like, proper, full, collected issues of it? I hope. If there's enough outcry for it, but <laughs> other than, like... Like it's tough to say. Like if you know, if, I don't know. They never collected Red Sprite, I believe, right? No, uh, not in English anyway. Not no. in English, at least. So they've done that with a few series. They did that with uh, Takama Gahara like years and years ago. They did that with Cross Manage, and um, I guess technically they did that with Barrage. But I mean, like nowadays, Kohei Horikoshi is uh, is big money. Yeah. So it's it's just like oh, cool surprise. Hey, like you got one. Yeah. So I mean, I think those are the only like three canceled series that like i could think of that viz actually is released in english yeah it's it's sort of it's sort of strange because like i, I believe they probably do release them in japan like in a collected format to some degree oh, yeah they but, do yeah but like yeah it's just like there is no sort of equivalent over here so it is a bit unfortunately of like, yeah so it's just like okay so we have a series that we we put in three chapters worth nobody bit to whatever way they wanted to manage it and now just like they're just there so and they're basically lost in time unless you actually had those uh, jump issues yeah there are some series where like they'll pick it up and then they'll run it until it eventually ends prematurely and they don't collect it but if you have those jump issues you can read all of it like yeah i i have the complete runs of stuff like hi-fi cluster and love rush like and you can only read the, like if you want to read those in english like you can't do it unless you have those jump jump issues Oh, Love Rush. That was the angel one, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was cute. I thought it was that was I thought that was a cute series. It's like I probably, I, I mean, I would probably might take. We never learn over that, but it, I thought it wasn't bad. Mm, yeah, I thought it was all right. Um, but I, but I guess point being, um, I, I like you're. I, I think you're pretty positive on the jump starts in general, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always happy to see new series. Like that's just plain and simple. Like it, there are times like just to break up the monotony of having the same stuff every week is always nice to have. Um, unfortunately, that puts more work on me because that's more I have to review. Uh, <laughs> but I think it, it's it's fun to do just to, to have a different experience. Like some hit more than miss, I think. Uh, so, but yeah, the, there are some clunkers in there, which I'm like, oh, if it didn't continue, then I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, yeah, it, it is an unfortunate thing. Like, they, I think there has to be like a count of like how many actually do continue onto the magazine that don't have name recognition, because it's going th- reading through like four, five, six, maybe jump starts, and like maybe only two continue. Three, it seems like a, it feels like a weird ratio that they of like what keeps on the magazine what doesn't it just it i i don't know if it's just quote space in the magazine despite it being digital or it's just time investment or money probably both um uh probably the latter latter more than the former uh manpower to like actually do the lettering and translate these series week to week i don't know yeah i mean but then there's series like um 
I think was Astro was in uh, is its own like separate thing, right? Yeah, there's there's stuff in like the free section of the Viz website that's like its own thing. Yeah, like Astro was its own thing, and I think they're running something called a uh, they're running a Jigoku Raku, which um, I think is actually pretty good. I need to catch up on that. Yeah, it, and it's like okay, what ends up, what stays in the magazine, what doesn't? It's very weird. I, I don't I don't know if it's just like a a thing that they they had agreed upon with maybe you know Shueisha to be like oh yeah cool yeah please we like you're only allowed this many series in this magazine once or or something and someone in Viz just said oh these are amount the amount we should have this is it 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 makes no sense when the when the thing is digital at this point just put everything <laughs> you can in there screw it like it it just seems ridiculous at at a certain point but like they have I guess they have like a set amount that they have to put in there but I whatever like. If there if there is like anything, yeah, I could probably it might lead to another question, but whatever. Uh so several new series began running in the Viz jump back in twenty seventeen, including stuff like We Never Learned, Doctor Stone, and Robot Laser Beam. Um how do you feel about the experience of reading a series from its first chapter onwards in a weekly format? And how do you feel about the experience of reading a series from its first chapter uh to its last uh in weekly installments? It's been fun. I think that's uh, I think that's it. Like uh, the benefit of having a lot of series that I've never read before and kind of starting for chapter 1 has been really cool. Yeah, I think that I know I harp on we've never learned mainly just because it's like the genre is not exactly the most appealing to me. I understand that, yeah. But it's kind of it's kind of nice to be able to like everyone's like having a little fun like goofy romp with like some characters like yeah, okay it, it balances it out it's good for like just to diversify your bonds every uh, having something like that in the magazine uh, Doctor Stone jeez man like I think uh, the, it it took me a minute to kind of like oh I see what they're trying to do I see what's happening and then as you keep going it's like this is great this is really fun and then it's like oh wait we're going back to the past and then I know more stuff more stuff is happening I haven't read that yet though but it has been cool I think it, it it's been nice to start something in the middle of here are like four or five seven different series that I'm continuing reading so it's uh it's nice to experience something that's new and fresh you know actually start something from the beginning yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I want to say Promised Neverland is also technically a part of it for me, mainly because since I did start the like the, the original initial project was a at one point it was going to be just like a Twitter thread of like me reading through through different series, and I think of, um, uh, Promised Neverland was among one of them that I actually started and really enjoyed at the beginning, and then afterwards, and I was like, oh, let me make a show out of it. Um, of course, because I have to uh, make a shot of everything. Uh, it it leads into like oh, being able to enjoy the series from the initial first chapter, and then continue on from there has been a, a blessing. But yeah, no, it, it it it's nice to read. It's it's always nice to read new series, just in general. It's always nice to have new stories, and uh, as long as they can do their like do their best, and as long as they have interesting characters, as long as it has an interesting structure, as long as the art's good, you know, there's a lot of factors there. But I, like if one of the other, some if there's enough of each, then I I can enjoy it. That's all I can say on that. But yeah, no, I've been having I've been having a fun time just reading through new stuff. In your opinion, um, and I feel like we, we probably might have covered this earlier, actually, but uh, and I feel like I probably know the answer, but what is the ideal weekly Shonen Jump reading experience? Is it reading the issues weekly as they come out or consuming them in large chunks? 
It really depends on the series. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't gush enough about Promise Neverland right now, but I almost am glad I'm reading this. Even though I'm reading it in chucks, I wish I could be reading this in weekly in a weekly format because I think like they do such a great job at leaving cliffhangers to the next chapter. Yeah, it, it feels like they always do like a good setup, and then. It's like, oh, something happens, and then something happens, and you're like, then you're left with what happens next. Like, every chapter ends with, oh, crap, what happens next? I, I don't think I've ever said, man, I, I, can, I, I can wait for the next chapter of Promised Neverland. I, I can wait. I can wait a yeah. week. It's fine. Like, <laughs> like I've, I've, never, I've never felt like, I've never felt like, you know, unsatisfied reading a chapter of the Promised Neverland in particular. Like, I, I've, that, that series in particular really does a great job of hooking me in, uh, personally. Yeah, and on the week to week schedule, I think that's what's probably the best strength that it has. Uh, and, and but then there's other series that I think work better in larger chunks and, lo- and like either like a collected format through the volume releases or how I'm doing it now and through the monthly really, uh, monthly sort of way. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that you know it's like the, the, well, that's kind of what's nice about comics and reading and uh, this stuff in general is is like there's no real pure way to actually enjoy the stuff that you read um and I, I think that it always depends on you personally when it comes to that because i feel like the um the experience and how you enjoy a series is purely dependent on what your tastes are and i don't I don't think there is a like. If you were asked the question, "What? How do I feel?" Is you know, how do I feel like I? How do I enjoy my way of reading it? Yeah, it is. It's very case by case. Um, but yeah. Uh, um, but if the, if it was like the ideal format, I um, I mean, if pushed if, like guns to my head, I probably might say in large chunks, maybe. Because um, I think I mean you can like what's good about like even if the even if you have stories that have like good weekly hooks. At the end of the month, at the end of the volume, you're still like, "Oh crap, what happens next?" Like, I think that's what's good. Like, if if some that manages to at least get you invested in the series, then okay, you've done your job. It doesn't matter if you're weekly or monthly or biweekly or yearly, uh, <laughs> um, or however long Tagashi does his stuff. Um, <laughs> you will be inve- You will be there for the next chapter. So it, it's all up to you, really. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, I, I have two more questions I want to ask you. And the first one being, what does Shonen Jump mean to you? Uh, it's the birthplace of ideas. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I'm sure I'm stealing that from some, some, <laughs> I, I think that's, I feel like I'm stealing that from Marvel. The house of ideas. That's, that was their thing. Um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, it's, uh, it's a collective of eclectic, different fun series that uh a 10 year old me could really enjoy uh while still being a 30 year old me <laughs> i think that's the best way i can really describe jump i there are a lot of emotions in that magazine that have come through the years with me uh and i don't know if there's like a solid way to put it uh, but i think that's that's the best way i can really describe it like it's just it's a very it's a hey if if you enjoy stuff like they have a lot of stuff. <laughs> I think that's fair, honestly. Um, now, I guess my last question is, uh, what is your favorite Shonen Jump manga and why? Oh, kill me. Um, <laughs> now, now, this this I'm interested in because I, I actually, I I really can't, like with some people I could be like, oh yeah, this person likes this. But like, I think it's pretty hard to like 
pin any like one series with you in particular. So I'd, I'd be interested in what you come up with. Uh, I don't think there has been because I don't. I, I'm a kind of a guy that never picks favorites when it comes to these sort of topics. When it comes to uh, even when people do like those, like hey, rate your top five, whatever, <laughs> like vanilla uh, ice cream flavor. Uh, I would have been like, oh, I mean, like sometimes I'm moon vanilla, sometimes I like you know chocolate chip, sometimes I feel like oh, let me go strawberry today. It's like oh, I would like cookies and cream. Uh, <laughs> No, what what is your what is your favorite unchanging favorite that you love forever for all of time? For all of time. Wow, shoot. Uh that's Yeah, even if I were to like sit down and kind of pick at what would be the series that kind of changed a lot of I think like the one series that probably changed a lot of my, my perspective on how I view some of the stuff that comes out of this magazine, I'd probably say Kintama. I feel like that might be like a big one because it's like I think it like, and now I kind of see it in the sort of like, I, I see jump through it now with penis shaped prism, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, I think like Gintama has been like one of that series, one of the series that I, I mean, it started from the anime because a lot of things do for me, but I think having continued on through covering the manga on Jessica Gintama podcast over GintamaPodcast dot com, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've been able to appreciate the manga a lot more. Uh, and it has been uh, an experience, to say the least. Um, so it, al- it allows me to kind of a better appreciate better character writing, uh, even if it's simple, like <laughs> if it's simple stories that end up being like, OK, this is not that not that it, not that overly complicated or just like, oh, we're, we have to go to a thing to beat this one guy. That's it. I, I think they they do it in a way where it's uh it's unique to them and it it manages to come across uh, impactful and big despite it its scope not being that huge or maybe maybe despite you maybe uh, seeing something done before in another series oh yeah and there's sometimes where I see people <laughs> there are a lot of characters that I see people talk about like oh man this guy is perfect like he's like i'm not perfect i should say that he's like he's a very uh he's a very different written character like he's a um he's a he's a character that's never been written like this before except except maybe 30 years ago yeah at one point or another or like yeah it's like oh man he's a guy who tells it as it is like he's like an adult he's like a he's the adult in inside of this like uh what's this kid's magazine or this kid's story is like yes yeah, Gintama's been there for a while. Um, here's a character that has been like written in a different, um, I, I guess, uh, uh, the very, uh, very fluid characters that never been portrayed positively in other magazines or other, I should say, other stories in that magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's things like that. There's like there's enough to appreciate in Gintama that I've I've grown to really love and really care about and has unfortunately influenced the way I look at a lot of other series now. Uh for the yeah, po- same. for the for, for the positive for the I probably to the negative too. But uh I think that's but it's it, like I I always have that in my back pocket as well, like oh here's something that I remember that they did once that I think some other one has either done it like maybe worse or or maybe better. They might have like outshined it somehow. Yeah, but it's 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 on there for for me at least. I think that that like cause that was the one I had to like think about for a minute. It was like it was like I could. I mean, I'm sure the easy probably the answer would be like One Piece or something. But it's like ah, <laughs> I've dropped off the series so far um, for 
different reasons and referring back to Katama for reasons where they, they've excelled at, um, in character writing, I should say. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, Katama might be it right now. I think that's, it's a shame that it's not available, um, anywhere here, uh, in the West. Uh, so, you know, Hey, whatever, but I, I still, I still enjoy it. I still, when I can, talk about it uh you can listen to me talk about it a lot if you want to listen to that but um yeah, but yeah no it, it's there it's it's a shame it's almost an easy it's 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 too much to do i say it's a like a it's a hard question but it's an easy answer for me despite it you know like oh yeah i have a podcast about it. of course it's that's my go-to answer but I, like i always I, I almost didn't want to use that one i was like maybe it was bleach uh uh maybe it was naruto i mean like they, they they're important those two were also important to me for a reason to allow me to experience more stuff in the magazine as like a, here's a gateway, the gateway drug into these other ones. Like, yeah, that, that would probably be right. Like that, those were my gateway drug into stuff like one piece. But I think like uh, Gintama holds a different, uh, holds a different like uh, feeling that I, I can't really put into words correctly. Mm. <laughs> uh, despite I me having you. a, despite me having a podcast about it, uh, it's something I hold dear. And it's, it's, it's something that I really, it, it it is a group of friends of a group of eclectic people that I've grown to enjoy hanging out with, and every week feels like a a, a time to just hang out with some friends. That's just what Gintama was to me, and still is to me. So it's 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 there for me for multiple reasons. But yeah, that that'd be it. I guess it. Sure, why not? <laughs> well, uh, you know, totally not speaking for my own bias. I think that's a great choice. Uh, <laughs> But um, yeah, no, I think that's about all the time we have. Um, thank you, Doc, for uh, coming on and doing this with me. For sure. Uh, I I know you mentioned it earlier, but if you just want to mention one more time, you know where where people can find you before we head out of here. Okay, uh, you can find me on Twitter at ssaa podcast. Uh, and you can follow me there. And I, I know I mentioned the Patreon, patreon.com slash ssaa network. I mean, that's kind of my go to for. The majority of stuff that I do, including the, my main show, the Aspect Resident Podcast, Best Kept Secret on the Internet. And you can go to SSAAPodcast.com for that exclusively. But uh, yeah, the network is probably where you're going to find that and everything else that I also do. Jessica and Tom Podcast, one podcast for reals. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, Two Grown Up, a, a Rugrats retrospe- retrospective podcast as well. Like, I, I, have a, I have a Rugrats podcast. Like, it's, I do a lot of stuff. Uh, you can find other things like uh, exclusive reviews on things like uh, uh, the Mazagrazi movie, uh, other stuff like uh, wrestling related stuff is on there as well. Yeah, I, I have a weird, a very eclectic taste when it comes to the media I consume. So anything that we create or what I do now has been part of that network. And it's it's there. So for everyone to see, you can see live streams of like when we record these episodes or whenever we do like uh, gaming sessions or other kind of, other all kinds of stuff is, is going to be on there. So, yeah, you can look it up for that. Look at go look at that. Yeah, that's what I want to say. <laughs> I hope you edit this where I don't sound terrible. Ah, yes, it's always nice to hear from our good friend Doc over from the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. And it's also nice to see him catch up on his uh, Shonen Jump. But I think if we could take away anything from that conversation, it's that there's no one way to experience Shonen Jump. 
and that as individuals we all have our own ways of consuming Jump. And uh, Lum, what is that for you? What is what is your ideal experience of reading Shonen Jump? For me, it's reading every new issue, cover to cover, every page from beginning to end, in order, in sequence, in the way that it's all laid out. And this has extended as far back as the print Shonen Jump, and now even to the digital magazine. I'd always read every series in order, flipping through from beginning to end, and reading everything in between the series. What I loved about the print Shonen Jump back in the day was that they would have so many articles and editorials splattered in between stories series, fun trivia, fun interviews, all sorts of really great things in between series that just added to the experience of reading Shonen Jump. For me, it wasn't just the series themselves that I enjoyed. I enjoyed all of that stuff in between that was just a joy to kind of read and also oftentimes learn more and be able to appreciate more the series that I was reading. And even today with the digital show and jump, even though in the move from print to digital, they scaled back heavily on the amount of editorials and all the extra in between stuff they did. I still loved reading all the extra content they would put in between pages, like the Nihongo lessons, like the occasional interviews. To me, that truly added to the experience. Author comments too. It was always really nice to hear what the mangaka were thinking at a given time as they were writing a chapter or what's going on in their lives. And it, all these things to me just draws you closer to the series and the people behind them and also helps unify the experience as uniquely Shonen Jump and gives you a sense of identity that is consistent and what connects them in a way that you can't get if you just read the series individually or piecemeal, at least to me. And so to me, the best way to read Shonen Jump, the ideal way, is to read it as it's meant to be read as a magazine from beginning to end. But what about you, Colton? What is your ideal Shonen Jump experience? Mm, see, I... Um... Man, I feel like I'm a little all over the place because my, I mean, I guess my preferred way would be to read through the magazine. But um, I mean, the thing is, like, I I'm conflicted because, like, I do like reading through the magazine. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more a little later in the show. But, uh, you know, with this new Shonen Jump coming from Viz, I kind of like the idea of having just a selection of series to read. And I'm not just kind of I'm not just confined to what's available in the Shonen Jump magazine as far as the Viz one goes, because um, you know with this new Shonen Jump they'll have more freedom to be able to add more new things and not just add to what there's room for in the magazine, which I really like. Because you know for me, like I try my hardest to keep up with Jump week to week, but as you and the listeners may know, I am terrible at, at being anything less anything more than like. Or I guess anything less than a week behind on Jump. Um, at the time of this recording, I still have three issues of Jump that I have not read. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm always so behind. And so I don't know. Um, besides reading in the magazine, I don't know if I really have an ideal experience uh, for reading Shonen Jump. Um, I guess even as far as like 
like like like honestly if i in a perfect world and you know i'm not exactly one of those you know print over digital always i hate digital digital is evil kind of people you know um but you know i do kind of miss the days when you know e- even if it wasn't simultaneous with japan and even when there was no way they would ever be able to be in a print format i still kind of miss reading jump in print i don't read a lot of stuff in print anymore because i've i mostly buy a lot of stuff in digital and i really only buy like the the stuff that i buy in print are the stuff that like i know that i already like that i know i want to own so i have very few opportunities in this day and age where i actually get to read something in print so every time i basically revisit something in print like it just like print and digital are just such a different experience from each other and i don't know like we 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 could sit here and talk all day about what those differences are but i think for me like no matter what uh while i do enjoy the convenience of digital like i i enjoy the convenience as far as like you know less less uh, shelf space to take up and you know you know infinite space for more titles to read and you know crisper images and whatnot the the ability to screen cap and talk about you know my thoughts on certain pages on like social media and whatnot i love having all those capabilities but you know i do just kind of miss opening a book and just you know being that weirdo that likes to spell their book because they like to spell the pr- uh they like to spell the print and whatnot so while i did enjoy having the convenience of a digital magazine i can't say that i don't miss the print shonen jump and I'm very thankful to have the very few issues that I've been able to save of Jump, whether they be English or Japanese. So, mm-hmm. There are many different ways I think people can experience Shonen Jump and create their own very personal way to experience Shonen Jump. But yes, sadly, print as a medium seems to be fading away. And there's no longer a way in North America to experience a print shonen jump, at least a print English language shonen jump, because we've made a huge digital transition. And now even the digital magazine is no more. It seems that the future of manga and serialization, publishing, licensing all lies in digital platforms. And that is where the future of shonen jump lies as well. And so to talk about Shonen Jump in the digital age and what lies in store in its future, we have an interview with Jeff Ruberg, where he explains his thoughts on manga becoming increasingly more digital, comparing the digital Shonen Jump to the previous print version, and what the future of Shonen Jump is on digital platforms. Next up, we have Jeff Ruberg, uh, developer for the Viz Manga app over at Viz Media. Jeff, how is it going? Good. Good. It's a it's a good morning to talk about Shonen Jump. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely I'm definitely excited. We we haven't had you on the show in a while, so it's 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 nice to hear from you again. Yeah, yeah. I guess it it, it doesn't feel like it's been a while, but I guess it has been a while. <laughs> um. Pretty sure that was over a year ago at this point. We had you on. Yeah, yeah. 
we, we had you on our uh, My Hero Academia manga fight with uh, Doctor from the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Yeah. I mean, I've been listening to the show. So, like, to me, I'm like, oh, I feel like I hear you guys regularly. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's good to hear. Um, so, I guess we might as well just get started here. So, uh, first off, uh, how did you discover Shonen Jump? Hmm. So, this was a tough question for me to think about because I, I definitely remember the time when I the first heard or saw the concept of Shonen Jump and it was in like seventh grade in uh, 2002 and I was in, I was really into Yu-Gi-Oh at the time and there was just a kid in my homeroom who you know like I didn't consider that much of a nerd and I was kind of surprised that he was into Yu-Gi-Oh too and then he like brought in some magazine that had Yu-Gi-Oh on the cover and I was like what's this uh looking back though I feel kind of ashamed because I think that was the extent of it I was like what's this and then didn't didn't learn or hear any more from that. Like, um, I, like I'm sure he was like, "Oh, it's a magazine. There's Yu-Gi-Oh in it." And I was like, "Oh, reading seems lame." I'm kind of not surprised at the uh, at the concept of uh, people just uh, people over here just assuming Shonen Jump is where the Yu-Gi-Oh cards come from. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's weird how that's kind of come full circle now. <laughs> that is, yeah. But yeah, so I don't really remember. Like I. It's weird because looking back, I'm like, why was I not intrigued to actually read that or pick that up or get the cards or anything? Like, I <laughs> didn't like I was like, OK, that's a thing, whatever. And I, I was going to say, what middle schooler doesn't like you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I was I was still really into Yu-Gi-Oh for a whole like like year and a half to that point and still just never even enter my mind to get the magazine to get the cards or anything. Like, I I don't know. Like I, you know, I guess my family weren't really into magazines or something. So, like, it never really. You know, like my dad would really encourage me to get stuff from the library, but like not not pop culture stuff, you know, like historical fiction or like not even fiction actually, just nonfiction and that kind of stuff. So so just stuff that was just fun. Stuff that was fun and books wasn't totally encouraged, I guess. So I never really that uh didn't really enter my mind as a possibility. And then I started eventually like hearing about and reading shon- stuff that was Shonen Jump, not the magazine itself, but stuff that had run in Shonen Jump. Uh, in like ninth grade or so and that was because like that around that time was a uh, naruto and bleach were really really starting to, to get big but yeah it's weird because like lots of people in my high school at that point reading stuff like naruto and bleach but no one really like seemed to have the magazine so it wasn't on my radar and then i think i just over the years background radiation like understood that it was a magazine that's where a lot of stuff came from yeah uh but it was really when i started working at biz in 2015 in a, like mid 2015 that I really got into it. Like it was just, I was primarily an anime fan up until that point and was like, manga seems whatever. I was kind of like, I don't know what this manga thing, let's see how it works. And, <laughs> and then just like, when I was there, I was like, Oh, let me, let me try reading stuff. Let me, let me actually read Shonen Jump. And I, yeah. And at that point I was pretty sure I, I knew somewhat about what Shonen Jump was before I started working there, but then really... But you didn't actually, like, really get into Shonen Jump until you started working at Viz, I'm assuming? Yeah, yeah, basically. That's really interesting. I, I guess I, I had been a fan of stuff like Bleach and Shaman King. I think those were really the, the two main things that I was... But I, I hadn't really read much Bleach either. Um, I basically... Once I started Viz and then I, like, like got the magazine and back issues of the magazine, I read starting from where the anime stopped, but... Yeah, so so it's kind of like been trying to like read as much of it as I could since I started there, and I basically started by reading whatever was uh, 
like this, like everything, the lineup of the magazine, what can I read to catch up to that series the fastest? I was like, okay, well, this series has, I think I basically started with the monthlies. Like the monthlies are easiest because they have fewer chapters and everything, but yeah. And so now at this point, I've caught up on everything except for like two or three series. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming working at Viz, you, you have access to uh, a ton of series. Yeah. Well, it's actually weird because when I started there, yeah, so I, I can, you know, like, like an account for for testing and stuff and, and it's, it's handy to to be able to, to have access to everything just to like make sure everything renders correctly and displays correctly and everything um but when i started there i think the only manga that i read in recent memory when i started in 2015 was a silent voice which i read in the Crunchyroll manga app. and i kind of came in being like okay there are like a handful of manga i'm interested in and then i'd be like oh yeah let me try me oh no that's not a viz title let me try and read th- oh, that's not a viz title and it's weird to look back on that now because, like, I remember being kind of, like, dejected, like, oh, I guess Viz doesn't get all the great titles. Oh, oh. <laughs> but but now I'm like, oh, there's so much. Like, I have, like, the, the basically the stuff that I'm interested in reading that, that is licensed by Viz is, like, nearly endless. It feels endless. You know, like, <laughs> even, with, even within the Shonen Jump line, it's still, like, still way too much. I mean, there's so much, like, backlog of Shonen Jump stuff that I just hear so much great stuff about, like getting around to reading Ice Shield, Ice 21, Slam Dunk, yes. Carmen Go. Uh, I guess that's all sports manga, but um, there's, there's so like the, the, you know, putting my head back into that space where I was like, oh, there's not enough manga to read. That's absurd to think of now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I, I was, I was going through the app like the other day, um, going through the selection and just thinking, wow, um, Viz has way more to read than like I give them credit for. Actually, like <laughs> it's it's just mm. it's it's just like because because there's because you know I'm I'm kind of picky about like what I read and stuff because I I obviously I only I only read what I'm interested in, but like like wow, uh, th- there's a huge selection just on the Viz manga app alone. <laughs> it's kind of amazing, but uh, I guess just to just to kind of move on. So you know, manga is becoming increasingly digital, you know, both drawn and read on computers and apps. And so how do you feel this has shifted the way we experience manga? And do you feel reading manga digitally creates a different experience and interaction uh, with the work than reading it in print? Hmm. I mean, so, so I really like physical. Um, The irony of working digital is that I like, that's what most like 90% of my experience day to day. 99 like I, I i basically for my job have no reason to experience physical stuff at all um <laughs> the other the other day one of her i don't, I don't know what her title official title is like maybe like production assistant or something like that she works with a lot of um i don't even know like details about physical stuff like i guess gets like proofs or something and then like checks to make sure they're okay i don't even know um but she like dropped off at one of the shonen jump editors uh like his like physical inbox a like basically like a prototype of the book or something it wasn't bound it didn't have a cover and everything i was like what is this thing it's like it's this weird like proto book like anyway so my point is like i, I don't really interact with physical stuff at all so most of my manga that i buy that's like not viz that i buy personally is is physical um but but i feel like for the most part i feel like the medium fades away um and like i don't remember if i read it physically or digitally the like analogy that i thought of thinking about this was that uh when I was really into playing Breath of the Wild, Zelda Breath of the Wild last year, I was playing it on Wii U, and it's probably the same experience for Switch, but I would play long stretches of the game just, like, on my couch on the Wii U tablet, even though I could just plug into the TV and play on the TV there. When I And I still played some of it on the TV. But then I'd look back in my memory and be like, I couldn't remember which parts were on the tiny little tablet screen 
or on the TV. And the tablet was nice because I didn't need glasses for that. But it's like, looking back at my memory, it was all this sweeping grand vista that was all beautiful HD. And it's like that the tablet certainly wasn't, but it felt like it. So I feel like that's how like manga digital versus physical feels where it's like, in the end, like, I feel like a brain, like, as you're reading it, there, there are d- different things you experience and different things uh, get in the way or whatever. Like, I think digital is great for page spreads, for f- saving physical space and everything. But I feel like looking back at it, it doesn't feel like, oh, I read this as physical, therefore I experienced something totally different. Mm, I, I can I can I can kind of understand that. Uh, it, it's interesting that you say like it kind of kind of fades because um, I, I can kind of understand that because, you know, when, when you're. When you're when, 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 like when I'm reading a physical book, you know, like obviously I own that book. So like so after I'm done reading it, like, you know, I could just put it down and like it's still there. Whereas like, you know, I still have like my digital volumes of whatever I'm reading. But like, I I guess like I, I it, like it's like obviously it's not there physically. So like it doesn't feel like it's <laughs> even though you own it, like it's kind of weird. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that that experience of like you finish reading it and then you set it down and they kind of put it to the side is a really great because then like re- reminds you that you finished it and you're kind of like, like as you see it around, you might like think about it some more, process it some more. Whereas digital, it's kind of like you finish it and then you close it and then it's just forgotten about kind of is how it can sometimes feel. Yeah, because because sometimes I'll go on the Viz app uh, to read something and I'll see like, uh, I don't know, like I'll see... Uh, my volumes like of assassination classroom and I'll be like, Oh yeah, I read that. Like, like, like I just suddenly <laughs> forgot. I, I read it like a couple months ago. Like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really weird feeling. Yeah. And I think digital, I mean, I, I think the biggest downside to digital at this point is like that it requires platform lock-in that like you're making investment and you're choosing this platform and then you're kind of out of luck if you want to move to a different platform or whatever. Like you, it, I just feel like I see so many people paralyzed with choice of like, okay, I want to buy some more digital manga instead of physical manga. Physical manga is taking up too much space. But should I buy them on the Kindle store? Should I buy them on the Kobo store? Should I buy them on the iTunes, Google Play, Viz? And that's, I don't know, it's a really tough decision. And yeah, it's it's tough. And like, I don't know, I mean, from from my standpoint, working at Viz, like I would prefer people buy through the Viz platform, but also like, you know, buying anywhere is, is good. And yeah, I, I also like, I understand some people just have a resistance to, to buying digital in any of the, on any of those platforms because they're, they're not DRM free. And because you, you're basically like, I mean, quote unquote, renting it from that service. Um, mm-hmm, I feel like that, yeah. that fear is a little bit overblown because I just, I mean, it's kind of up in the air. We don't really know what's going to happen if a big digital storefront like iTunes or Google Play digital media like shuts down. You know, like I, I tried looking into like when things of that scale happened before, and it's like Samsung had a similar kind of like media purchase service, and when they shut down, it was kind of like, okay, you can unlock all your purchases in this other service, and I feel like that's that's probably what what will happen if something happens to those services. Um, that like, okay, well will respect it, but you can, you can read your purchases in some other service, which probably won't be as good. And that sucks. But like, I don't think people will find themselves in a situation where they've spent a lot of money and now they just have nothing, but it's certainly not great. You don't have the flexibility that you have with physical manga where you can, you can even like lend it to people. You can like that whole experience I was talking about before of lending manga and finding out about manga that way. And you can't do that with, with digital quite as easily. I mean, you can, 
you can share accounts, I guess, which I was going to yeah. say, like, you know, sometimes I share my account with my friends or whatever, because it's like, you know, I, I used to feel kind of bad about it because it's like, it, like, like I, I wondered for a while, like, should I be doing this? Is this right? But it's like, you know, I, I, I kind of think of it to me, I kind of think of it like, well, I'm just letting a book except it's just, it's just not there. Yeah. yeah I think personally, I think that only really crosses the line once you've, you know, like posted it publicly and like, okay, here, everyone just use this account or something like that. At that point when it's like, you know, hundreds of people per one account, like that's absurd. But if it's, if it's the, uh, the equivalent of like sharing your Netflix login with friends and family, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, I guess just to move on. So, I guess, how would you compare the digital Shonen Jump to its previous print version? And uh, what are its advantages and disadvantages? And do you feel the experience is overall superior? Or is there a certain something lost reading Jump digitally as opposed to print? Which I guess we uh, we were sort of talking about with the, with the previous question. Hmm. I mean, I think there's no question that it's worth, it's worth it. The current iteration, it's worth it to be digital or physical because of the the weekly publication and being released the same day as Japan. And I think it's also easier to collect digitally because, I mean, especially a magazine, like you can have, you know, like years and years in your archive in the app and the equivalent of having that, like those physical magazines, like, I mean, I have like six, maybe six copies of the Japanese version of Shonen Jump that I, I think like four of them, I think I've been to Japan four times and each time I've gotten an issue of Shonen Jump. And then I think I have two that are like that, like historical reprint, like the first volume of a, the first, the issue that had the first chapter of One Piece and the first chapter of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Wow. But just having those, like those six issues is like, takes up a ton of space on the shelf, you know, like, um, <laughs> so I feel like collecting them, collecting it actually like week to week over a long period of time becomes more of a burden that you have to regularly get rid of them and stuff. Uh, yeah. Like just me in particular, like I've been subscribed to the service since 2013. That's, hmm. that's fine. Here's where the jump. I do not even want to begin to entertain the thought of how much space like five years worth of Shonen Jump, <laughs> physical Shonen Jump would take up in my in like in my little dinky rinky little apartment here. Yeah. yeah so like. I, That's scary to think about. I, I think the like, one advantage like a physical magazine has over digital magazine. I mean, it, it is nice. It is nice to feel the physical pages and stuff and. And I have the privilege of like working at the, the Viz office that like there are issues of the magazine like circulating around. Um, we get like two or three for the office, whatever. And so like, I can see the Japanese magazine. I can feel it and hold it. And I use it to like practice Japanese. And I try to like keep up with some of the series, the jump starts that don't get picked up in English and stuff. Um, so and it is a nice thing to hold. It is a nice physical object. But it's also like, I don't know if, if everyone's familiar with like what the, the like Japanese manga magazines feel like but they're they're big which is nice it's a different experience than reading like a normal uh volume size but also like the paper quality is terrible it's like it's a recycled paper that like looks like it's i don't know what i think it's yellowed or it's like it's not it's not white it's it's pretty ugly like the the printing itself is usually pretty bad um like they'll just be like the ink will just be uneven and stuff and uh yeah yeah i i have um i have an issue of the japanese jump myself and it's like you know some pages are green some are pink <laughs> like yeah um like you, you could tell that um it's not really supposed to be the best quality paper yeah it's not it's not supposed to be the permanent thing that you collect it's supposed to be the like the cheapest thing to get it out so you can read it as fast as possible or whatever 
we had somebody on to talk about uh, Bakuman recently, and uh, I think it was uh, Nick from All Comic who mentioned how uh, one of the last times he was in Japan, like he would literally see just huge garbage dumps just full of Shonen Jump, like. <laughs> <laughs> like uh yeah like th- th- those are a jump is not really something you're expected to keep like like you said yeah i've heard stories that people that it's like you regularly encounter it on like subway trains in tokyo just like where the luggage goes people just leave their issue there to for other people to deal with and i don't know share around i was disappointed every time i've been in japan i haven't seen that um i would think it's kind of disrespectful because i mean like people are so you know, like don't leave trash lying around. So I feel like that would be a like an irresponsible way to get rid of your copy. <laughs> but uh, and and it might be that people are more moving to to reading digitally in Japan too. But I, I think digital, I mean, thing, I mean, not like jump specifically, but things being published digitally does open the door to more possibilities. Like yeah, you know, like you can have more flexibility in page lengths. You can have more flexibility in like maybe like types of series that wouldn't be greenlit otherwise, or. I mean, I was gonna say, I I would just think overall it's just cheaper. Yeah, yeah, that that too. There's just a ton of printing costs. Like, um, I know, I know for example, like um, I think it's Kodansha who um, uh, I think last year, you know, they licensed stuff like uh, you know Hozuki and uh, um, um, Ace of the Diamond, you know, stuff that would be a lot riskier to print, but digitally, um, you know, I would assume, you know, obviously has um, has more of a chance to. I guess make more of a profit. Yeah, or at, yeah. The very, at the very least, just isn't as risky. Yeah, I guess I, I was considering like things that are, you know, like the, the door it opens on the Japanese side of like just creation, like what could be what can be published with even without considering localization angle. But the localization angle is there too. That like, um, if if it's cheaper to localize something, then more experiment more. Um, I guess you know I'm a little bit hesitant to sell the virtues of that though, just because like. I don't know the breakdown of how, like, what percentage of, you know, like, localization costs are printing versus, you know, actually, like, translating the typesetting, the editing, all that stuff. Because I, I feel like you you probably, like, it's it's still a ton of risk to bring something over digitally only. I feel like people sometimes under underestimate how much those those production costs, those those digital only production costs add up to. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's, there's still a lot of work involved, I'm sure. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, I feel like people... Sometimes, I don't know, err on the side of like, oh, well, it's all digital and like scan layers do it for free. So like, why is, why is this cost money? Like, why, why, why don't you just, why don't you just do everything digital only? Uh, and it's like, oh, geez, like it, and the thing, the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that like, it's not really in any company's best interest to grow a ton, you know, like it's, it's a very limited market. And I think we're, we're spoiled from the anime side. A lot of people uh, it, it makes sense because as a consumer, there's no reason to start thinking down this angle. But like people think of anime and manga as the identical markets. You know, it feels like as a fan, well, I like anime, I like manga, therefore it should be the same. But like manga is such a smaller market in, in the U.S. And, and in the West in general, not just the U.S. Um, outside of probably like France. Um, and so like the kind of like economic factors, the economies of scale that that work with anime just don't work directly don't work exactly for manga but people people's expectation does translate one-to-one you know like they expect we have all we have like 99 percent of anime localized simulcast in english and it's like if it isn't simulcast in english it's because it's like very specific rights hell that it's in you know like this was one series like has particular issues it means no one's gonna pick it up but in manga it's like 
you know, I don't know, I don't know what percentage you get, but it's a tiny percentage of what gets published in Japanese. And so, like, yeah, if a company starts to invest a ton, like grow and publish tons of series, like it doesn't mean that their sales are going to uh, increase linearly with that. And it means that like the more manga that's out there on the market, the possibility of flooding it, and that could be bad for everyone. And so, yeah, there's all these factors at play. And yeah, the, the fan assumption is like, well, we want more series. Why don't they just hire more people to make more series? And it's like, uh, it's complicated. <laughs> no, yeah, I totally get that. Um, so Shonen Jump's digital sales are on the rise in Japan as its print sales are declining. You know, we've uh, we've talked about on the show uh, once or twice before. And uh, I want to get your opinion on why you think that is. And also, do you believe that the Japanese Shonen Jump will eventually make a complete transition to digital like its North American counterpart has? So I think, I mean, there are obviously like, like lots of factors going into you know, like print first digital shift uh but but I, I to me i think the, the biggest factor and this is just like from what i've heard and what seems to make the most sense to me is like the the increasing age in japan that fewer and fewer kids well, one about fewer and fewer but like that at least recently the birth rate has been low which means that there are fewer kids which means that there are a lot more adults a lot more people who have smartphones and tablets and smart devices and who aren't kids who can only get this stuff through physical. Um, so that's what I think is going on there. Um, yeah, and I guess it's like, to me, that doesn't spell like the doom of, of print. It doesn't spell like people just hate reading print anymore. Like it, it, no one likes reading print, but like, but it does mean that like the fewer and fewer people read print, the less reason there is to to have. Like, I feel like it's it's not going to quite, there, there might be a significant drop off at some point because it's it's economies of scale it's if there are fewer people reading print then there are fewer incentives there's fewer, fewer reason for there to be more factories printing stuff which means that it, it could be like a self-fulfilling prophecy at some point but i don't think we're i don't think we're there yet and um or i don't think they're there yet um and i think like jump moving to digital only in japan like i i don't think i don't know i mean on an, on an infinite time scale probably someday um but i hope it's not anytime soon um I think the like the network effect of kids in school, like that that story I explained before, like finding out about Naruto and Bleach because people were sharing it around the school. But like that network effect in Japan of kids, like having Shonen Jump and you know like being excited to read One Piece or whatever because they see their friends reading it or finding out about series because their friends are reading it, and that being about like the the newest issue and like making sure you go to the convenience store on Monday to get the issue and stuff like that. Like I feel like that that those social phenomena that like revolve around the physical issue. I think that's, I, I wish we had that here and it's like physically impossible just because of like the, the idea of printing <laughs> something like that same day to a much larger country than Japan and it, logistically a nightmare would never work, but it's, it's, it's a great thing that Japan has. And I feel I would never, like, I, I don't like the idea of like hoping that they, that goes away for them. Cause I think it's, it's great for them. And I don't know, there's, if jump went, went digital only, it would be better for the global community. I mean, the global jump fandom is divided between people who read it through early stolen leaks and people who read it when it comes out in English and in Japanese. Yuck. And it really sucks. I don't know if people follow me on Twitter, they know that I like complain about this a ton because it like it really sucks for everyone. I mean, I come at it from the perspective of someone who works on the, the official English release of it through like second degree through working on the app or whatever. So I have that, like, I guess, biased perspective. But I mean, I think it's, you know, it's fans that are hurt by it, too. Like, 
people who want to read things unspoiled the day they come out but they want to support it like they want they're doing everything right they're doing everything like above board they're trying to support the artist as much as they can and they get spoiled about things before it comes out that sucks and uh just like seeing people divided like that it really sucks so yeah i get if it went digital only in japan that that's all that problem would be will be solved and i i know a lot of people like say like oh i mean i guess there's the um there's an argument that you see a lot about piracy that like piracy is just a service problem that like just improve the service to the point where it competes with piracy and then there that's all you need and it's things like this that i'm like you know it's it's not that simple because like see when people say that i just assume that means um is this free <laughs> if not i'm sorry I, I i can't support your service yeah, yeah. like that, that that's that's what that means to me personally yeah and the unfortunate thing is something like this it has, it has to be free as soon as possible and everywhere but yeah so it's like if if the service was made to compete with that was made so that it came out everywhere like you know came well it's the thing it does come out in japan digitally at the same time as physically it's just physical means that there are ways that can be stolen and if you remove that so that eat quote unquote that so that if you remove that so the digital version has a quote unquote similar service as piracy then it means that like that that social phenomena of like Japanese people sharing around and stuff goes away. I mean, there are possibilities of having like, I, I guess theoretically you could have the digital version come up before the print version in Japan or something. But I think that would, I don't know, I, I don't know the logistics, but I assume that would be um, like the doom of the physical magazine. I think at that point, like convenience stores and every and bookstores and everything wouldn't care about giving jump prominent placement if the digital version was already out for several days before that. And that's like I don't know, essentially caving into. You know, it doesn't make a better experience for, for everyone because they, they'll, they'll want to read it physically and then be like, oh, well, like it's, it's out. People are talking about it, but I can't read it physically and stuff. So I don't know. That, that it all sucks. <laughs> and <laughs> I, w- I wish there were a better solution. But uh, I don't know. On an infinite time scale, like I said, someday it probably will be. Like, I don't know. I don't know if. But that's what people say about physical manga in general, like having physical copies. And I don't think that's going away. Uh, ma- magazines, I guess, are a different matter. But I, yeah, I don't think people like collecting stuff. Yeah, I think I think if it were to stop, whenever it does, if it does, which, I mean everything is gonna, the universe is gonna end <laughs> yeah, at some point. Yeah, exactly. But like everything in the universe is gonna die. Like w- when it ends, it'll probably be in a landscape that's completely different and unrecognizable to our current landscape. You know what I mean? Like if even if it is ten years from now, like it'll probably be in a landscape where we wouldn't even recognize. And so like, it, I don't know. It might even like die for factors we can't even mm, predict now. No, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Like. It, 10, 20 years from now, we won't even need like tablets. The, all the data will just be injected into us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it probably will uh, be like one of the last manga magazines to go or, or to move away from physical. But I, I would be curious to see like, like we, we hear all like the, the stories about manga magazines shutting down and it always seems so worrisome and everything. But like, I, I cause there's so much ch- more churn than I would expect in manga magazines in Japan. Like, I feel like so many times I look up a series and it's like, oh, yeah, this series ran in this magazine that ran for only two years from 2004, 2006, and then changed to a different magazine and then went online. And then like, so I feel like there's, there's lots of churn or there has been lots of churn in the past like couple decades of manga magazines. That'd be a cool thing to, for someone to make like a data visual of like, you know, like what, what is the rate of you know, like new magazines versus old magazines? Like has the number of manga magazines actually been declining and like, has it been at a scary rate or has it been like, okay, slowly dropping off? 
Um, cause I, I feel like there's still like new manga magazines, maybe, maybe not so much. And if like 18 or, or like, you know, it's several of them are closing with just one half a year and yeah, that is, it's pretty scary. I mean, I think there have been like one or two magazines that have like, uh, recently started up, but I mean, it's, it's, it's not really something you see very often, I guess anymore. Um, but so as a mobile developer, what is the ideal way you'd like users to interact with the Shonen Jump app? And beyond simply being able to read manga, uh, how do you try to reflect the spirit of Shonen Jump through the app? So, I mean, I, I think it really just comes down to reading. I don't have <laughs> some like magical way of interacting that's totally different. Um, but I don't know. I, I tried to, uh, I mean, I, I guess that there are some things that like, you know, it's cool if people share reactions. I mean, this maybe it's my own personal feelings that like, seeing people share their kind of viral reactions to manga is great it spreads the words about yeah, it spreads the word about it you know like it gets people intrigued to check out a series people have to be mindful of spoilers because the kind of culture of like people posting screen caps the day this thing comes out i mean on the one hand it, as as a developer i should probably love it because it means that people have this like compulsion to read as soon as possible but it does kind of suck as a fan to be like if you don't read it right away it's gonna be spoiled for you <laughs> yep. um and and even I don't know if people are mindful that like not spoiling big reveals that I think it matters less than people. Some people are like, I don't want to see it at all until I read it. And it's like, okay, I mean, it's probably not going to, you know, if you like, if you see one panel out of context, that is like a meaningless panel, it's not going to ruin the experience for you. Like I, I try through my social media feed to like try and push back against the culture that leads people to have this compulsion to read before it comes out officially. Um, and that, that's one of the primary things that like, okay, well, people are talking about it, people are discussing it, people are going to post screen caps, people are going to make fan art about scenes and stuff. And so if I don't read it before it comes out officially, then like, I'm screwed. And it's like, ah, but, but but you're not really I understand that that fear of missing out. But like, I wish people were respectful and didn't post things until it came out officially. Like, I, I personally wouldn't mind if they read it and just didn't post about it. Like, just don't spread to followers that it's something they should go do. And, but it's it's hard to get people to care. <laughs> Like, you know, like it's it's one thing if you want to like pirate something like that's that's your choice at the end of the day. But like you can read something and not post about it. But unfortunately, you know, there's that need to kind of be a part of the conversation, which, you know, I like I'm not saying that's invalid or anything, but it's like, I don't know if people just kind of take it to certain extents that I just don't agree with. <laughs> yeah, I think consuming things through pirated means is one thing spreading the word and encouraging other people to consume things through pirated means is much mm -hmm. worse. Um, and, and yeah, I try not to judge the former too much, but the latter, like I consider, I don't know, pretty irreprehensible. Um, but, but in the spirit of just talking about like sharing screen caps and stuff, like I got, that's one, one thing I've wanted to, to add to the apps for a while is like just better social media sharing functionality to like make it easier to do that kind of thing. And, you know, like in my ideal world, like, the best way to make screen caps for for the manga would be through using the official Shonen Jump app or something like some kind of like screenshot editing tool that kind of thing. Um, and then it's like, oh, well, in order to make like, how'd you make this cool screenshot? Oh, well, actually, you need to use the Shonen Jump app. And it's like, oh, cool, I'll do that. That that, that would be my ideal fantasy world. Um, but I mean, in terms of like reflecting the spirit of Shonen Jump in the app, like it's it's something I think about a lot, but. In practice, I don't think there's much that I can or, or even is possible to do through something like an app. Um, probably think about it too much, to be honest. But um, like, I, I've tried recently to incorporate things like screen tones. Like when we uh, when we basically moved the the Viz Manga app, when we got a new Viz logo, 
and we um you know, like the basically like what i was told to do for the app was okay just replace the the old Viz logo with the new Viz logo in like these couple instances like here's a list of basically like we went through and like, here are a list of places where it has the old Viz logo and one of those places that wasn't really brought up but i thought was worth putting more time into was like the the little um, like cover placeholder image that shows that's just like a gray with the, the Viz logo and i was like okay well i can leave that i think maybe initially i left that in and i was like okay it's not really much of a concern it should i should replace it with a new logo but you know i've been looking for ways to add screen tones in so now it's like the cover placeholders there's a couple of different ones that rotate based on random selection and it's like yeah i made them with different screen tones and stuff and so it's, it's little things like that where it'd be nice to to make it clear that it's like it feels like manga um there's a gotcha game the shonen jump Ore collection app in japan that um it's basically like a if people are familiar with mobile gotcha games uh, it's basically a shonen jump version of that where you collect characters and basically just you know jpegs of characters and you fight with them and it, it's a pretty good game i stopped playing it recently but i was pretty into it for a while and i think for a while that app was kind of like my ideal design inspiration because it's like it feels very manga it's you know it's like tons of screen tones and things and stuff and it's like okay if i had like tons of design resources and everything like this is the like the kind of spirit if you're going in the far extreme of it feels super shonen jump but anyway um yeah i i don't know like things like that would be cool if i could incorporate things like for a while oh wouldn't it be cool if instead of loading bars there was luffy's arm stretching out like that that would be <laughs> awesome or like uh like in the the japanese jump plus app um which is like they're shonen jump you can buy issues of shonen jump but also things are serialized there like astra and jikoku raku and stuff but um they like when you pull to refresh on the ios app it's not like a little on ios it's like a little uh I don't know, like a progress bar kind of that like fills up and then it spins. And in their app, it's a, uh, I think it's a Koro Sensei head and things like that, like little bits of whimsy like that would be cool to add. But I mean, it's it's a lot harder coming from our perspective of like all that has to go through like approval through Japan and everything. It's like, uh, yeah. fr- from my perspective, it's like even a couple layers removed from that. Cause it's like, you know, like I, I don't talk to Japan directly. I don't even talk to the people who talk to Japan directly. I talk to the people who talk to the people who talk to people who talk to Japan. <laughs> like, so it's like, <laughs> Like, I'm like, oh, this would be a cool thing to add as a user. And they're like, uh. <laughs> you have to like, you have to like go through like 20 people. To yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, so it's, and it's like each one of those people on the chain has to be convinced that it's a thing worth doing. And I'm like, I mean, as a fan, as a user, I'd love this. This would be really cool. This would really make the, the app feel like Shonen Jump. I'm like, like, uh, I don't, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I mean, I mean, I'll, I'm always pushing for something like that, so. I was going to say, like, it's it's nice to see that, like, you know, just just as somebody who runs the, both like the Viz and the Shonen Jump apps, like, it, it's nice to see that, uh, you know, you at least kind of like think about this kind of stuff every once in a while. Yeah. And yeah, it's nice to think about in case there are t- opportunities where it does like something is possible. You can slip in something in little cracks. So what do you envision as the future of Shonen Jump on digital platforms? And what innovations do you predict either in app development uh, that will improve or enhance the digital manga reading experience? So, I mean, something that I've heard a lot anecdotally is that like J- Japan took a while to like awake to the importance of digital. And so I think that's something that like will continue to be a big deal. And in some senses, it feels like, well, don't they already release stuff digitally? Like, what do you mean? And, but I feel like there's... And especially as the Japanese print market 
it, as digital becomes maybe more important than print, I think it means there are a lot of cool things that you can do with digital that aren't even possible with print, that it's hard to really invest time and a lot of them take time and effort and, and are big commitments. And it's hard to really convince anyone that it's worth doing that, especially if they're things that aren't you know, industry standard. Um, if print is the, is the primary method and like everything there is standard, you know. Uh, but I don't know, because a lot of those things, it's like even if in Japan, print sales are shrinking and digital sales are rising, and it means that on the Japanese side, Japanese apps can be more creative. I mean, the marketplace of Japanese manga apps, official manga apps, you might not notice if you compare like the Japanese app store to Western app stores, but like the number of manga apps is in Japan is huge. There's so many manga apps and they're like actually official. In, in the West, there are so many manga apps and like 99% of them are not official. <laughs> and they're, that's my, that's my own little pet peeve because it's like, okay, places where you can read manga illegally are one thing. I, I hate that. But at least it's like, if you know your sketchy places to go, it's one thing. But like app stores are like, according to Apple and Google's policies are supposed to be more like curated places where they, the, these apps are in direct violation of the rules and Apple just doesn't understand the rules enough to enforce them. And I, I hate that. But anyway, um, <laughs> so like, in Japan, there is already this big marketplace of digital apps, and hopefully over time, that means that some of them are going to be experimenting with things and you know, coming up with new features that become industry standard and everything. But it's kind of like, in the West, I mean, at least in America, like, print sales, I mean, it, it is still important. Like, digital sales are not anywhere near as important as physical sales. So it's kind of like, even if in Japan they come up with these new features and stuff, like, it won't necessarily mean that it's worth it for English companies to do similar stuff like that. And that, that kind of worries me. Or, I mean, I hope that someday it becomes worth it, but also I think it will only become worth it if physical sales shrink, which would also suck. But there are lots of cool things that you could do with digital that I, I, I hope someday it becomes economically viable to invest more in from all sorts of companies. Um, things like, I don't know, like if you're reading in like the jump app, you could like hit a button and like toggle to see the Japanese version to get like see the original sound effects without clutter or something or just to like see what the Japanese look like. Or imagine um, if people follow Caleb, the translator of My Hero Academia and Dr. Stone on Twitter, he does these like really in-depth manga or uh, trivia threads. And he does all sorts of trivia that is cool information that like is way too much information to include actually in the product itself as like, here's necessary information you need to read it. But like, imagine if you could like hit a button and have that like overlaid onto the relevant panels as like his like official commentary, like things like that would be amazing and are only possible in digital. And I wish you could do stuff like that. Or like if, if users could leave page by page comments instead of the comments on the issue, or even like panel by panel comments, or, you know, like seeing which pages are bookmarked more popular which, which pages are more popularly bookmarked among people or like... Which pages have been screen capped the most? I don't know. <laughs> oh, that, oh yeah, that would be amazing. But it's, it's, uh, it's hard yeah, to... Yeah, uh, it's, I'm sure it's, 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 it's hard to, uh, it's hard to predict where things will go because you really, you really never know what will happen. Yeah, it's hard to predict. And it's also just like most of those things require a lot of, uh, a lot of buy-in of them being worth it. And it's hard to convince people of like well, this publishing model has worked for so long based on this one thing. Like, is this really, is this thing that's going to take like effort to adapt all of our titles for, is that really worth it? And yeah, I don't know with, with digital becoming more and more important, maybe someday. Um, so I guess we'll just move on to our last two questions here. So, uh, the first of which being what does Shonen Jump mean to you? Okay. So in thinking about this question, I think I have a good answer, but I feel bad because it's the thing I can most directly compare it to. And I think 
spells it out well, is not a Shonen Jump property at all. <laughs> but um, so Gundam Build Fighters. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I, I haven't seen it, but I, I think I know enough about it. Or at least I, I remember seeing you uh, tweet about it a, a little while ago. Yeah, I only found it recently. I guess it aired in like, oh, I think 2013 and then a second season in 2015, I think. I think so, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm relatively newcomer to it. But it's a Gundam series about building Gunpla G- Gundam models and then fighting with these, these Gundam models. And so it's inherently a series about this childish hobby. And I think one of the things that makes it really special compared to the sequel season, which the sequel season is like all about kids, like a special, more practical, because like a school club with a under 19 age limit kind of thing, like what you'd expect from a sports tournament of a school. The first season instead is kind of just like a national tournament for everyone. And so you have this, you have kids and adults, and the adults are participating in this childish hobby, but like no one really judges them for it. And also like the, so, so the second ending song for the first season um, I forget actually what it's called, but there, but there's like one line that is iconic because it's like mostly in English and it, it's, I think it might be the title of the song, but I'm not hundred percent sure, but it's the never ending Hanpan spirit. Hanpan just means shorts in Japanese. Hmm. And I feel like that, that never ending. And I mean, it comes from the fact that like, I think more so in Japan than in, in us at least shorts are associated with kids in childhood. So it's kind of like, I think Gundam Bill Fighters represents this idea that even if you're an adult, even if you're, you know, have your day job and doing whatever, but you have this like this never ending spirit of being a child. And there's a character in God and Bill Fighters, Nils, who goes from this like cold scientist who's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm participating in this tournament just because I need to like do scientific research into this mysterious particle. I don't care about Gumpla. And in being defeated in the, you know, typical shonen way, in being defeated, he learns to care about Gunpla and like becomes a passionate fan. I understand everything. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, that's like I think the arc of the show of like going from being like oh I can approach this with this cold hard science but like oh actually no it's really amazing you can embrace the things you love and you can you know you don't need to keep everything like of a you know a layer like a layer of sarcasm removed and you can actually just like embrace the things you love like yeah you can just be genuine about the things you like yeah and I think that's to me I think that's what Shonen Jump is you know like embracing like never losing the joy of youth and like embracing fun for just being fun. Um, and it's nice when things are more than fun. It's nice when things have a deeper message, but it's also just, it's just fun to read things that are fun and to not really, I mean, it, it's weird in some sense to be adults talking about this thing that is a kid's magazine. <laughs> and sometimes I think about that. And I'm like, Hmm, I'm really not a target demo for this at all. But yeah, like Gintama makes fun of that kind of thing all the time. Like you're, <laughs> um, and I actually, you know, the, the way I see it is, you know, I, I totally understand that where it's like, you know, um, it kind of reminds me of like when I first got into Black Clover, like I, I totally hated it the first time because it's like because it, to me, it just seems so derivative and unoriginal. And, you know, a lot of the stuff it was doing as far as the story and characters go, like I just I felt like I had seen it before. And so, you know, I was only reading it just to talk about on the podcast and I wasn't really like enjoying it that much, you know, but then I realized like, you know, to me, Black Clover isn't anything deep, but you know, the more I read it, the more I realized, Oh, you know what? This is just kind of fun. Like I just like, you know, uh, you know, like I I'm into stuff with, with a little more nuance, like, you know, Gintama Jojo or Hunter Hunter, but like, it's, it's fun to, it's nice to just have something to read. That's fun. Like Black Clover where it's just, you know, it's not super deep or anything, but like, 
it has enough charm that like you can enjoy it on its own merits. Like 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 some, sometimes you just want to see a guy swing a giant sword. Like there doesn't you don't have to have some kind of tragic backstory about why he swings a sword. He just just watch a guy swing a sword. I guess I don't know that analogy. Yeah. But I think you, I think you probably get it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, my personal personal issue with Black Clover is I feel like it's never never been that fun. <laughs> but, uh, and I I, I yeah. totally understand that too. So and yeah, I think Black Clover is a weird case because it. Yeah, I I think, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to hate on Black Clover too much, but I think it it is kind of emblematic of, I think, what is great about Shonen Jump, and it's, like, unabashed leaning into tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I also think about, about this a bit with um, Grand Blue Fantasy, which isn't connected to Shonen Jump at all, except in that I guess there is a big crossover of audience because on the back of almost every issue of the Japanese Shonen Jump, there's an ad for Grand Blue Fantasy. So I guess there's a big crossover audience but like the story in Grimble fantasy i'm still really early in the story but there are all these event stories that are coming out that come out like every couple of weeks and i i really love those stories and i just feel like the series is really well well written but it's it's well written in a way that's like it, none of it feels are actually original it's all like oh they're just doing this trope like there was a recent event that closed up that was like great teacher onizuka like it was about like a bunch of delinquents being led by a delinquent teacher and and also like biker gangs and stuff and it's like all these tropes that everyone's familiar with but just done well, like, you know, like yeah. making like it can be endearing and fun with those tropes done well. And I don't know, I don't think there's as clear a like epitome example of that in Shonen Jump that I can think of. But because it's like Grand Blue Fantasy is just a hodgepodge of all the tropes. It's kind of like Gintama and it's like, you know, it's just a playground. It's just a sandcastle. It's just a sandbox for whatever kind of world you want to set up. Like it's this fantasy world where you're going between different islands and there are airships and stuff. Oh, but they're also bike biker gangs and whatever and school idols and all this random the stuff aliens and um, samurai or whatever you want <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i guess there, there aren't aliens in grand blue fantasy so it's not gintama level yet not not yet no <laughs> um and i think another another aspect of shonen jump that I, I really appreciate is the importance of hard work and practice yeah especially when it's done like realistically mm-hmm. yeah i mean even when it's not realistic even when it's just like i don't know like asta yelling enough until he has ripped abs or whatever like <laughs> At least it's, it at least shows that, well, I don't know. I mean, Asa's a weird example because he, I feel like, doesn't really have to work for it anymore, but he definitely, like, put in the time early on. He was, like, yeah. strength training for, for years or whatever. Um, but, yeah, just, like, seeing that, I don't know, this constantly surprised me, the, the more Shonen Jump and just, like, Shonen stuff I read in general, and that it's, like, I think in the wider anime world, there's more things, like, <laughs> the example that comes to mind is Sword Art Online, where it's, like... He's the best at everything. He doesn't really have to do anything. It just kind of is. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's just a fantasy in particular. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain appeal to, like, I think there are types of shows that can be good about, like, people who are good at their job, being good at their job can be fun to watch. Um, This isn't anime or manga, but I'm thinking of, like, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Um, Like, Better Call Saul, last last couple episodes have, have had moments with Mike. Am I blanking on his name? His name is Mike, right? Yeah. Yeah, of like just like seeing him do things and you don't have any idea what he's doing, but just watching him be methodical at some job and then you find out at the end what he was doing. It's like, oh, okay. And that that's its own kind of power fantasy though. Like what like Mike is like totally unrealistic. He just knows how to do everything in the world and it's like, this is absurdly unrealistic, but whatever. Um but it's fun to watch. And yeah. I feel like uh when done well, that's a that's a it's a entertaining thing. But yeah, see Kiri- but yeah, yeah, see, I think, like, the- Kirito's not fun to watch because like his his abilities just kind of come out of nowhere. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's it's kind of like a like in some sense the like they both it's hard to explain why it feels so different cuz like in taking it like from an abstract level in both like shonen jump manga and in sort of online like the protagonist always wins or whatever and you're like if you look at it from like okay they come into a situation and they come up against this really big boss and they they beat them like what's the difference the difference is it feels like there's a struggle right there's, there's a struggle and it's also like the importance of hard work the importance of effort even if you know that they're going to win in the end there's like you still want to see them struggle but i think like that even that even translates to the real world well because you know like showing the importance of practicing like these unrealistic power fantasies of like i remember when i was a kid in like sixth grade or something like just picked up the violin and i was kind of like oh someday maybe i'm like the chosen one for the violin <laughs> like i'll just be like amazingly talented the violin i didn't bother to practice i didn't put in any work into doing that but i thought like i might be like the chosen one because i watched too much anime or whatever you know like and so um but like the the real answer is in things like Haikyuu, where it's like, I mean, Hinata is not the chosen one. He just practices a ton and like tries to perfect his techniques because like does it every day to get better at it. Yeah, I mean that that's not it's not unique to Shonen Jump or Shonen even, but like I think it's it's an important element to to Shonen Jump. In my in my notes, I wrote down uh, like friendship plus victory minus effort equals Sao. So. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty accurate. I can't disagree. <laughs> but no, I I I, to- I totally agree with all of your points. Um, I think I think that's really the best way to put it. Um, so I guess our last question, and I, I'm kind of curious to know myself. Um, what is your favorite Shonen Jump manga and why? So I I, w- I wished I wish Sid were here because because it really it has to be cross account. <laughs> just just the best the best series. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i mean I, I i can't i can't disagree it's just a, it's a good it was it was cut too short unfortunately <laughs> oh. <laughs> i could just imagine sid just like just furiously <laughs> ripping out his headphones <laughs> get him to quit the podcast yeah forever he just he just he just sends me a message the next day hey colton i i don't think i could do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> you could thank Jeff. Oh, the thing is, like, I I really did struggle for a serious answer for this question because I don't know, like, in in terms of like, I mean, talking about things that like I cut too short. I feel like the things that I, the Shonen Jump series that do really resonate with me, like, to like, oh, this this speaks to me in particular, do feel like the ones that got cut short. Like the uh, the jump starts to come through, and I'm like, oh man, this is amazing. This is like might be my favorite thing in Jump right now. Those are always the ones that get canceled, like after like a couple of volumes, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. Um, like I mean, the ones that come to mind are like shoot on the soccer one, the the, the uh, elementary school soccer, I guess, middle school. I think it was elementary school. I think it was, yeah. Um, and the Demon Prince Poro. Really love the comedy in that, and neither of those went for very long. And I, I just feel like there are there are great classics in Shonen Jump, but some of them feel like a bit too basic you know it's a bit like oh yeah everyone likes this or like this doesn't like speak to me in particular um like the first thing i wrote, wrote down here is death note which like if i don't feel like i love death note enough to like ever call oh it's my favorite series my favorite Shonen jump series mm-hmm. and i haven't even read the manga so i feel bad because like i'm just basing it off of the anime series and i, I have the the all-in-one 
volume of it to read <sighs> the manga someday. Oh man, it's it's worth it's worth at least one read, I would say. Come on, Jeff, you got You got to give me an answer. <laughs> oh yeah, um, oh, I think it has to be has to be One Piece, which I also feel like is too basic of an answer. I think that's an understandable answer. Like, I mean, One Piece is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like, but yeah, it, it isn't the one that like oh, speaks to me the most. It's kind of like, well, this is the most exciting thing overall. It's like exciting over several decades. You know, I think it's the I think the most remarkable thing that I can point to for like if someone's not experienced with manga, if someone's not experienced with anime or manga, I feel like definitely there's a thing to point them to as like, hey, here's why you might appreciate this, even if you have no other understanding or appreciation for the me- the mediums. Yeah, but One Piece, I think, is worth pointing to as like here's what a like decades-long saga can look like when it has like one creative vision and it's in that sense like that's the element of one piece i appreciate the most though like you know decades-long planning and world building and setup and the basically like the arcs within arcs within arcs that is i don't know i don't even know how he manages to do it no yeah i mean otis definitely he's he's something i i don't know i i, I can't even imagine like building my own world like <laughs> like that that's something i feel like only like a handful of people can do i feel like it's not it's i think i think he like it's a bit of a sleight of hand of focus that like the, i feel like the world as a whole if you were to like set out like what is the world of one piece like i feel like it's actually not super coherent or logical or anything but it's that like he spends so much time focusing on like these like totally cohesive and standalone narratives within each island that like you don't th- you're, not, you're not thinking about the bigger picture and then he does show that he's been thinking about the bigger picture just at, at all and you're like whoa whoa that's a bigger picture and it's like yeah because he's thinking about both things at the same time yeah i guess that's not that standard um but but thinking about things that are more in line with like oh this actually like speaks to me i feel like my personal affection towards i i guess like i, I kind of want to say shaman king but i also haven't revisited it enough recently I think I only reread the first 10 volumes in recent memory. Um, and I really need to to finish it. I have the um like the Japanese Kanzenban editions for the the other ending, the true ending, whatever it is, and I really want to to read all of it. I, I feel terrible because I know like, you know, you and Maxi and Sid all love Shaman King, and I'm just sitting here like, I really want to hold out for the Kanzenban to get an English release. <laughs> Especially now that Kodansha, uh, at least over in Japan, has the license to that now. So, yeah, I guess I also hedged a little bit. Cause I'm like, oh, is it Shonen Jump? I mean, it was. I mean, it, 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 it was like you know, it, it ran in like any. I think anything that ran in Jump counts. Yeah, it's like historically, historically, yes, it is definitely Shonen Jump. It yeah. is not in the Shonen Jump gacha games these days, and that is sad. But uh, I, I think I think that's about all the time we have uh, for now. So uh, thank you, Jeff, so much for for coming on and uh, talking about Jump with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Mm. If you want to, you know, plug anything before we uh, head out of here. Oh yeah. Um. So I do a Digimon podcast called Podigis. You can find that on anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, but aside from that, I'm I'm definitely Jeff on Twitter, and that's where you can find me. I don't know, tweeting about manga. And about gotcha games. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, definitely go follow Jeff on Twitter. And uh, if you're not using the Viz Manga app or the Shonen Jump app to read your Shonen Jump stuff, you're really missing out. Yeah, I guess that's that's what I should have plugged. I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, but uh, yeah, pl please definitely go uh, check out those apps if you haven't already. Jeff does a really great job handling those app apps, and I really want to thank you personally, Jeff, for all, for all your hard work. Yeah, no problem. And I do want to mention that like, it's not just me. I'm the only one who's like dedicated to the apps you know, like most of my time. But I mean, I, I do get help from my other coworkers and stuff. So of course, and of I, course. I came in at a point where they were they were mostly built and I've been maintaining them. And, you know, honestly, I, w I wish I had more time to do more. Like we're pretty strapped for time. And like I've you know been juggling the iOS and Android versions. And I feel bad that I haven't been able to give as much love to the Android versions recently as I have to the iOS versions. And um, yeah, I, I wish I wish wish we had more time. I wish I wish digital was more important in the in the West so that we could dedicate more developers to it that'd be awesome um but uh uh but yeah i mean i'm also really receptive to feedback so if you have you know and also honestly hearing feedback makes it easier because a lot of things that i try to like say okay this is worth working on we should i should spend my time doing it and it's like people will be like well is it really worth it i'm like well, as a user it is and like i don't know so hearing from hearing from users like we really value this actually helps me sell that and sell that it's worth working on stuff like that so i always really appreciate any kind of feedback or suggestions well, hold on, hold on. We we still we still have way more Jeff uh, in our in our lives to cover. That was a weird way of wording that. Uh, what I'm saying is we we still have more to talk about with Jeff uh, because uh, uh, Lum, you had another interview with him specifically talking about this huge change. Uh, that by the time people are listening has already come to Viz's weekly Shonen Jump. Yes, on. December 6, 2018, Shonen Jump announced that they would be ceasing the digital magazine in favor of a new subscription Shonen Jump service in which users will be able to pay $2 a month for access to the entire Shonen Jump digital vault. But not only that, now chapters will be simul-published for free. New chapters of 25 different series will be simul-published same time and date as Japan for free with the last two chapters of every series always being available. This is a huge, phenomenal change for Shonen Jump and is a huge moment for the manga industry in North America in general in terms of the scale of simultaneous publishing and the ease of access to such a broad and expansive digital library. And so to talk about this more in depth with Jeff, because we previously discussed with him what was the future on Shonen Jump digital platforms and well, this is the future, it seems. Something we couldn't even imagine when we first recorded that previous interview with Jeff a few months ago. So we had to reconvene with Jeff to follow up on the specifics of this new Shonen Jump service. How long it's been in the works. How users will be able to interact with it. What the differences are. Reading Shonen Jump mangas through this model than the, in the magazine format. And... With this mighty evolution, where does Shonen Jump go he from here? Where does it go even further beyond in the future? And so now, let's hear from Jeff about the future of Shonen Jump, which is here, but it isn't done yet, and there's even more to look forward to. Yes, let's hear about the future again. <laughs> And now we're joined 
once again by Jeff Ruberg to talk about the new Shonen Jump site and app that has launched on December 17th. Huge, big changes to Shonen Jump. And Jeff, we're really excited to have you on to talk about it. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm a little anxious since we're recording this before it's come out, and I hope the reaction is positive. I hope people are enjoying it. <laughs> I think people are extremely excited, and they will enjoy it. Wee Lord was telling me before the show started that he's been talking to a lot of his friends who haven't been reading manga in a long time, and they're getting Shonen Jump subscriptions just because of how great a deal it is and how excited they are Yeah, for it. I think just the amount of manga that's going to be available on the service at such a convenient price is just so amazing, and so many people, I think, are going to be able to flock to this and enjoy it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I've seen so many messages just from, like, scrolling through twitter like tweet deck searches for shonen jump and manga apps and stuff and so many people who read manga as a kid or years ago or haven't even considered reading manga in the past decade or something who are like oh great i'm gonna get back into manga with this like that's amazing it's great i'm so excited for uh people to get reinvigorated onto shonen jump but to manga itself you know it's it's in some ways so much bigger than shonen jump yeah, I mean, Shonen Jump has such an incredible catalog. How many series are going to be available at launch on this service? There must be dozens. Oh, no. I, I, knew, I knew the number at one point, and I can't remember the number. <laughs> <laughs> I, d I did look up the exact number of series, and I can't remember. Um, yeah, sorry, I can't remember the number. But uh, some, some of them are kind of feel like padding because they're like the jump starts only have three chapters right now. But uh, yeah. <laughs> But we have new jump starts on the way as well. Yeah, I guess we're not using the term jump start anymore. They're just series. That's right. Every new Shonen Jump series that debuts in Japan will now be serialized by Viz. It's no longer a three chapter preview. Which, every new series, which is just so insane to think about. Like we we've went from like these just three chapter sets to just getting everything as a full series. That's just so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There there are so many things like that where it's like. So many aspects of this relaunch and huge project are things that like any one ask would have been like, oh, that that's too big of a thing to do. And it's like, oh, no, that <laughs> and that and that and that and that and all for, for $1.99 a month. And it's like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just incredible the amount of content that's going to be offered. And just simulpubs alone, there will be 25 simulpublished series on this service. Like, that is insane. Over two dozen. That is double what the magazine is currently offering, which is just incredible to me. Yeah, it kind of, at this point, I'm just like, it's just a number. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the saying of, like, you know, like one death is tragic, but, like... You know, a million deaths is just a statistic. Oh, they're just, they're too many series. You can't read everything. <laughs> too much manga. Yeah, but what's great about this is that you have so many options. You can explore so many different series. And that's what's really exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's such a phenomenally big shakeup that I think it's going to like change the way a lot of people are going to be reading manga now. Yeah, yeah. Like basically when I joined Viz three and a half years ago, I was kind of like, okay, this is cool, but like something like this is what I really want to do. And I was like, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe we can do something like this someday. So to, to kind of like finally realize that dream, in some ways, it's it's what I joined Viz to do almost, you know, like, um, so, so that's that's been really exciting. That's amazing. So this is like a dream come true. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And now you mentioned how readers will uh, react to the new service, the new app, and I 
kind of want to dig into some of the questions that a lot of people have had about like how the new browser and app will work on the Shonen Jump relaunch. And one of the first questions that I wanted to talk about is that you've mentioned that readers are going to be now able to stream free manga chapters on the app without having to download them first. Can you explain further what this will entail? Like how this streaming manga feature is going to work? My hope is that it's pretty intuitive when people actually get their hands on it. If anyone's familiar with like the Crunchyroll manga app, it's not too dissimilar from that. So the idea is kind of that in both the iOS and Android apps, the, the primary action is reading without downloading, but the option to download will still be there. And so like, you know, hopefully just streaming just works. You know, like if you want to sample something quickly, you can just do it right then. So, I mean, I hope in practice it's pretty straightforward and isn't too complicated. Mm -hmm. Like, basically, you'll be able to click on a chapter, it'll pop up, you'll be able to scroll, scroll the pages, but it won't be downloading, you won't have to download. If you have a solid internet connection, you'll be able to read the chapter on the app without downloading. Yeah. And speaking of downloading, I also have a few questions about how some of the free chapters are going to work. So, is there still going to be an option to download those free chapters for offline reading? Just thinking, yeah, everything that is readable and that you could read with an internet connection, you can read offline. There are some restrictions. So, I mean, I think we've announced there's like the 100 chapter limit. You'll only be able to download 100 chapters at a time. So that's like in conjunction with the 100 chapters per day. You couldn't, over the course of a week, bank up 700 chapters. You can only have 100 chapters at any one point. Right. Um, essentially why there was two different limits. But... The other limit that I hope people find pretty intuitive and don't find too frustrating is that uh, chapters will only be available for a week downloaded. So you'll download it and then the download will expire after a week. And then you can still re-download it after a week, but it's just to make sure people don't download everything all at once and just keep it. Right. And so that's what I was wondering about because... Before, if you downloaded a free one of the free chapters, uh, it would just stay downloaded until you delete it. And so that's what I was wondering. Because these new simulpublished chapters will only be available for three weeks, or with monthly series, they'll be the last two chapters, so three months, up to three months in their case. But that, so it sounds like, you know, they'll be downloaded for the week, and you can re-download them so long as they're available. But once they're unavailable, they're gone. You won't have access to them, which is a change from how it's been before, because I still have downloaded chapters of stuff that has been expired and shouldn't be available anymore on the app that I can still flip through. Like, I have Boys Over Flowers from as far back as the beginning from on free chapters still on the app. <laughs> so I hope I don't lose those with this uh, relaunch. <laughs> well, it won't matter because uh, I'll still have access to them on right. the service. They'll always be there if you want them again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so sounds good to me. But now to talk about the 100 chapter limit. So how will the Shonen Jump browser and app keep track of that 100 chapter per day limit? How will readers be able to keep track of how many chapters they've been reading and how many they will have left? And follow that up. Are purchased volumes exempt from the limit, or will they count towards this uh, download limit? Yeah. Okay. So first off, volumes will not count. It's just a chapter limit. And the read chapters is totally just about the archive or the vault chapters. So the free chapters that are available won't count to the limit. However, so all these details are like are a bit in flux, and I don't want to 
you know, I might get some details wrong, but they're also, I don't think super permanent. So, you know, like if, you know, we get feedback certain ways, these things I think are a bit more up in the air than the bigger things, but that limit for how many you can read per day should just be for the archive chapters, not the, not the free ones. Okay. But ones you can download onto your device on iOS and Android will just be, for simplicity's sake, is just downloads. It will be kind of confusing because in the app, it's easier once you're managing your downloads and things to just see like a, a volume versus chapter distinction. Having a like volume versus free chapter versus paid chapter versus vault chapter, whatever. You know, like, so to keep things simple, it's just a hundred chapters downloaded at any point. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think if you if you download just a bunch of free chapters that will take up the limit, but hopefully these different moving parts, it sounds complicated when you lay out the rules like this, but I hope in practice it's pretty intuitive. But the other uh, big question of how will people be able to track how much they have left, that, that that's one area that is not great right now. Um, you know, like this is very much a like a version one, we're getting everything that we can and we're really hoping to improve in the future. And that's that's one area I really wish we had been able to, to get in better messaging about, like, you know, warning you before you run out. But I think right now all that will happen is once you hit the actual limit, you'll get an error message saying that you can't download anymore, which I don't love, and I'm really hoping to improve sometime soon. But, yeah, I think it'll be a lot better if you, like, I don't know, can slow down once you see you're getting near the limit or something. But I hope people aren't too upset if they, like, hit the limit and then are suddenly blocked from reading for, you know, 10 hours or something. But it's very interesting. So on the browser, you can read all the free chapters, but you can also read the 100 volt chapters. And But on the app, it is just 100 chapters downloaded total, including free and volt chapters. Well, yeah. So if, you download, <laughs> it, it, if you download the free chapters, that is. This is where it gets, it gets a bit complicated, but I really hope when people are actually using it, you just don't need to think about these details. But you can only have 100 downloaded at once. So it's not 100 downloads per day. It's 100 reads of Vault chapters. So you could download the three latest My Hero chapters, download the three latest One Piece chapters, etc., read them all, then delete them, and then download other free chapters, if that makes sense. It's just 100 capped at any one point. So as long as you still have quota in your read, then you can keep downloading. That makes sense? That makes sense to me. In the app, is there going to be like a distinction between downloaded free chapters and downloaded vault chapters? Like in when you're going to look at all the downloads you have, will you be able to notice, okay, so I've downloaded this chapter from the free section and this is a vault chapter? Um, I th Yeah, there is a slight distinction, but at the point where you've downloaded, it shouldn't matter because to the app's perspective, it's just a quota on the number of downloaded chapters of any kind but there is there are s slight signifiers in the apps hopefully it doesn't matter too much to people but essentially at least right now it's it's a little bit different for the apps versus the website but for the for this version that we're launching the free chapters will say instead of a read button it'll say free and vault chapters will say read so it's just a, a slight difference in messaging to let you know that they're different yeah, but I think that's a very clear distinction that you can easily pick up on to kind of notice what the difference is. Mm -hmm. But to speak more about the app, I have a few other questions about it. It's been mentioned that the various vestiges of the Shonen Jump magazine will be implemented into the Sidon app, like covers will become part of the design, and author's comments will now be available as blog posts. And I was wondering, 
bold and elaboration of like covers kind of being implemented into like the design of you know both the web page and in the, the app but also whether like features like author's comments will be made accessible on the app as well like you can access them on the app and don't have to visit the site on the browser mm, yeah currently author's comments won't be really visible in the app at all you will have to like go to a separate browser to see them um which yeah i'm not happy about i hope we can add something that includes them integrated into the app eventually i think that that would be cool but yeah the, the the cover the vestiges of the covers will definitely be in the apps as well as website so i hope it still feels you know like i guess like my internal goal with that which i wasn't the only person involved in these decisions obviously but my my goal with making sure those were that cover imagery was still there is so it feels like there's a new issue every week even if there isn't you know an actual bundled thing you're getting right which is a bunch of new chapters but hopefully it still feels like oh the new thing has arrived yeah so it'll be like updated kind of like every week coinciding with like the release of a new issue of jump and like you'll see like the cover image like on the web page or on the app basically that's cool. I think that's a great compromise to keep those around because I know a lot of people love the Shonen Jump covers and they're always such great designs. So I'm glad they'll still be kept around even uh, after the end of the digital magazine. And I would love to see uh, authors comments and other features from the magazine in the app at some point, like the Nihongo lessons as well, just all the blog features really. And I think especially the surveys would be really nice to access in the app itself, I think. Yeah, yeah, surveys within the app, that would be cool. Yeah, blog posts were something that we've been wanting to add to the apps for a while, just being able to access the, the Viz and Shonen Jump blog. Mm -hmm. But then something huge like this came along. And <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sad that we don't have that functionality baked in, but I personally am much happier that the new Shonen Jump model exists rather than blog posts in the apps. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think you guys prioritize the right thing. And hopefully in the future, we can have the blog posts accessible at some point. That'd be really cool. Back to some questions about the chapters. So how will you remind readers when new chapters come out? What methods are you developing to alert and notify readers that, hey, a new chapter has come out. Here's a new batch of chapters that are out. Well, so, so right now, the main mechanism, which unfortunately isn't really visible or accessible in the apps is um, on the website being able to favorite or star a series and then or follow a series and then get notified via email when the new chapters come out. But and I forget the technical details, but I'm pretty sure those are delayed by several hours. Um, they're batched up into like one email a day. So that's not if, if you want the, the most current, you know, like you want to find out as soon as chapter comes out. I think the best way to do that is to follow on Twitter, uh, follow Shonen Jump and Viz on Twitter. So, yeah, I, I can't talk about, like, what we have planned, but what I would definitely like to have is much better, like, native push notifications on iOS and Android. And yeah, it's it's a little bit tough because, I mean, I, I want to get I want to get that right. And with so especially with Shonen Jump chapters, you know, like, I don't know what the, the exact number of the ones that are going to be in the weekly Shonen Jump batch of chapters like, like 15 yeah, yeah 15. you don't want to bombard yeah. people with 15 consecutive <laughs> right notifications. like 15 notifications <laughs> <laughs> well, one of one of the uh gotcha games that i play now dragalia lost has a thing where like you have a farm of little rupee mines and like 
you get notified when the rupee mine is filled up with rupees to harvest and you can have up to four. And so like every, I don't know, like 12 hours I get, in, I get four different notifications. Like your rupee mine's done. Your rupee oh, mine's oh. done. Your rupee <laughs> mine's done. Your rupee mine's done. I'm like, I got, okay. My phone just vibrated for like five minutes. Um, so like, uh, yeah, I definitely want to avoid that. And, and so figure out a good way to like, uh, you know, like batch everything and make sure users get the right information don't get too notified, but get enough, get get the notifications they want is a little bit tricky. And so we want to make sure to get it right. And um, yeah, for now, like this is definitely a version one and we're hoping to improve and add all these nice things. It's like, I'm, I'm envisioning it as all the stuff's there, all, especially all the content. Well, not, not all the content. There's going to be stuff added, of course, but like there's so much content there now. And, and then like the coming months, hopefully years are about polishing it, making it the best thing it can be, making it super easy and straightforward for everyone. And so I hope people will bear with us for, uh, if it's, you know, maybe some things are a little bit rough during launch. Mm -hmm. I think ideally you'd like to allow uh, users of the app to like probably set individual notifications for series. So when a new chapter specific series comes out, they'll get notified on that series, but not the whole batch of 15 when uh, every new Shonen Jump series debuts on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like, yeah, I mean, it gets tricky because like, what if someone chooses the option to be notified for five of those like that? You know, like, yeah, because then do they get bombarded with those five? Even like, technically they ask for it, but do they really want that? Do, should they be batched into one message that includes all five of them? So those those kind of considerations make it a little bit complicated but hopefully we'll work out something not too far from now mm -hmm. and speaking of maybe some complications mature rated series are currently unavailable on the shonen jump app but will it be possible to read them going forward or are there any restrictions in place that might complicate their inclusion mm. so so for people who aren't aware the the complication with mature series is generally that the app stores that display the app i mean both google and ios apple but it's, it's mainly apple like google i don't think really cares that much um but uh apple apple can be very strict about making sure that that apps have age appropriate content and so we definitely don't want to make some five-year-old using an app comes across the visit shonen jump app installs it and then can just read i don't know people's arm getting chopped off in the first chapter of some some crazy brutal manga or something, but or, um, a certain explicit <laughs> scene in the second chapter of uh, Platinum End. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be good. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. So, so the uh, kind of like compromise that we have in place uh, now for volumes is basically that if you've purchased a mature volume and you have your birth date entered and you're over eighteen, and you have a setting enabled on viz.com setting page in the site that says, do you want to see mature purchases in the app? Then anything that you've purchased in mature will show up in the app, but they definitely can't be available for sale in the right. app. So yeah, chapters are in a weird territory with that, especially with Jigoku Raku Hell's Paradise, mm -hmm. where like I've, I've really wanted to make it available in the apps, but there's no purchase associated with it. It's just free chapters. And on the site, you have to log in to verify that you're over 18, but in the apps where just, it's, it's a weird corner case or what was a weird, the only weird corner case of its type. So uh, we didn't have a, like a solid permanent strategy in mind. And for this launch, we haven't revisited the mature series consideration, but it's definitely something that is like top of mind and we're hoping to figure out soon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
I hope that what we can do is, is similar to the website, where as long as you're signed in and entered your birthday as being over 18, then we can show it to you. But it, it is tricky because we don't want to toe that line. Yeah, the thing is, like, it's all about, like, making sure that Apple's okay with things. Yeah, yeah. We're very much at the whim of their, they're very fickle about random things. And so, like, some companies, like, big apps that, like, Apple needs to have on their platform, like Netflix, they can get away with certain things, like, having tons of mature stuff. And the app is rated, like, I don't know, like, 4 plus, like, for ages 4 and plus. Just, but because they have really comprehensive parental controls, and because they have sway over Apple, Apple's basically okay with it. But some other apps that don't have as much sway or don't have really robust parental controls then have to make the age rating. So there's, there's all these um, complications, I guess. And yeah, it'd be really cool to uh, to get that sorted out. So it's definitely on our list of things that we're thinking about. Mm -hmm. How many series will this affect in terms of mature rated series that you will not be able to read on the app? Hell's Paradise, Platinum End, and is that just the only two or are there a few others readers should keep in mind i am not sure the full list yeah i'd because hmm. uh for me like when i was looking those are the only two i saw under mature unless we're mm -hmm. counting like golden kamui and stuff but that's under the viz signature line yeah right there's more stuff that i know that i shouldn't say that's all i can say <laughs> <laughs> stay, stay tuned i guess uh mum's the word on that yeah <laughs> but speaking of changes you want to implement uh going forward like or like some complications are having uh at launch like what are some growing pains you expect in the first couple of weeks of this new shonen jumps launch what are some short-term issues you're hoping to refine and revise mm. i mean like i said the the um not knowing the, the chapter limit is something that I would like to be better. But the thing is, in developing it, we really aren't sure how many people are really going to hit that. You know, is it going to be an edge case of like a couple people who hit the limit regularly? Or is it like, so that's the kind of thing that we wanted to get out there, see how people are using it, then react and everything. So, um, and we're going to be listening to feedback like that. But other things, it'll be different getting used to the model. Like, I think it was really handy to keep track of a backlog of, you know, like I, I read, I guess like 90% of the chapter of the series in Jump, I guess, aside from like, I don't know, uh, Boruto, Food Wars, and maybe one other. Um, and having the issues was actually a pretty good way of keeping track of a backlog. You know, like I could just have what, whatever issues I had downloaded were ones that I hadn't finished reading yet. And it was, it was very clear. Like I had to finish reading this one. Then I read the next one. Yeah. Every series was in one place. And so for readers who, who read most, most things in jump, I think the magazine format was really good and it's better in so many other ways for other types of readers. I mean, like people who just read one series are going to have, I think a much better time with this new model, but I think people who are used to reading the magazine, it might be a little uncomfortable at first and might take some adjustment. And I think it will, you know, especially initially kind of be a worse experience if you used the issues as a way to like, you have a very linear progress. And now it's like, now there are 15 different things in parallel to keep track of. Um, it might be a bit more hectic. So those kind of things, like I hope to someday improve and maybe, I don't know, it makes some kind of like, if that's a thing that people still want, because who knows right now, everyone's used to reading the magazine. Right. So like, I don't want to rush. Oh, we didn't want to rush into anything. It's like, we need to make something accommodating them because we're also hoping for like 
all sorts of new users and people who weren't interested in the magazine who are now interested in being able to read one series or able to read because the chapters are free or able or interested because of the vault, all these different things. So like maybe like two weeks from now, people who expect things to be formatted like a magazine, maybe they're like a tiny, tiny, tiny minority. <laughs> who knows? Um, right. It's very much wait and see kind of thing, like wait and see what the responses are from people trying this out and seeing like what issues people might be having and, and then go from there to figure out ways to accommodate them. But I, but I do want to have, because I'm, I'm also going to be someone reading the new chapters every week and like, mm -hmm. I'll be keeping in mind things to make that experience better. So I, I guess it's like, things to help you like keep track of where you are and and being able to pick up from where you were last reading things like that are things that i guess like kind of i think have to be improved might be a bit rough at first because now there's just so many chapters you know like right it's it's kind <laughs> of intimidating it's gonna be something to experiment with and speaking of some of those new features you'd want make one experiment with like what new features do you most want to implement on the app going forward? Like, what are some things that you think are definitely going to be possible now that the issue format has been dissolved that you couldn't do before? Hmm. I mean, it's hard to think of things that are possible now that weren't before because of the issue. But I mean, I think it just in general opens the door to so much that like I'm at a headspace of like little polish details. But in the like, overall, it's like it's such a just a big game changer but the kind of stuff that i'm thinking about you know, like we talked about author comments and new chapter notifications and like better state tracking of like letting the app or remind you that you the last chapter you read of one piece was this chapter so that's probably where you want to pick off or right. pick up from before stuff like that i think that kind of stuff i definitely want to to get to soon i've also really wanted to redesign the android ui for a while because the the android apps ui is pretty pretty outdated but like better recommendations, better curation series, getting you to try out new series, that kind of stuff, better download management, comment sections. There's there's all sorts of ideas. Oh, yeah. And, uh, like implementing comment sections on the app. Like that would be a lot of Oh, fun. that would be so cool. Yeah. But there's also, I mean, you know, it's possible to just add the comment section from the website. And but, you know, like what about crazy things like being able to comment on specific pages in chapters or you know, like being able to like, I don't know, see people's reactions as you're reading or I, who knows, you know, like I do think in some ways, like there's uh, so much more attention on this now from the general public that like, that I think a lot more crazy ideas like that are on the table, theoretically, than if it is just a place where you can read digital volumes that you purchase, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm optimistic about the future. Lots of exciting things. With this expansion also comes with a huge growth of opportunities to try out and experiment. Yeah, yeah. On the note of 50th anniversary, I'm really excited and happy that this relaunch was able to happen like at the end of the 50th anniversary yeah, year. Yeah, it's perfect um, timing. It was amazing timing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I remember going into this 50th anniversary year thinking, like, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was kind of like, oh, man, there has to be something, like, huge that, like... I feel like as a Shonen Jump fan, it's been like over the course of the year, like some cool things, like a couple like, you know, cool bringing back authors, having them do one shots, interviews. And it's all been pretty cool, but it's, it's all been like backwards looking. And I guess I was hoping for some like huge thing that would be forwards looking. And it's like this finally feels like it. And so like I'm at least happy that this relaunch of the English version happened. You know, like I guess it's not I guess in Japan, the 50th anniversary year has already ended. I think they're on to the 2019 issues now. 
Yeah. Yeah. They start the new calendar year every December. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess it's not technically, but it still feels like it's at the end of that I year. Mean, it's still the same year, like 2018 <laughs> calendar year. Close enough. <laughs> but yeah, it's really amazing that this relaunch is happening, like after a very retrospective year for Shonen Jump's 50th anniversary. This is something that is looking into the future, like you said. This is the next step for Shonen Jump. It's its mightiest evolution. And so I gotta ask, where do you think would be the step after this? What would take Shonen Jump even further beyond in the future? Oh man, yeah. See, I don't. Part of me feels like I think it might be it. I think it's. I think it's like hit the perfect point. Like, <laughs> I mean, like the, the things that feel like natural evolutions to me aren't quite about Shonen Jump. It's like I hope that it eventually it can evolve to encompass the entire manga publishing industry being available in this kind of form. You know, getting other non Shonen Jump Viz titles, things that other publishers that aren't even Viz, you know, like, and also just the potential for the manga that we get in translated officially into English is such a tiny percentage of the Japanese output and looking especially at the animation industry and how much, what a percentage that we get localized in English is almost like, everything. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> like probably like 10, more than 10 times the percentage compared to manga. And so, like, like I don't know. I really hope that this kind of model and like, that percentage being officially translated has only been possible because of streaming. And so like, I mean, I mean, subscription streaming services. And if something like that could catch on for manga and mean that so much more manga is available to English readers, I think that'd be amazing. And there's lots of places that this can grow within Shonen Jump itself. You know, there are lots of older Shonen Jump titles that would be great to, to revitalize by like introducing to the archive, introducing to the vault with like, Oh man, we introduced, uh, I don't know. I guess like the, you know, like there are tons of classic series that could be added. Yeah, like Series Viz hasn't even licensed yet. Like maybe one day, Pipe Dream, all of Kochi Kame in the Viz vault. <laughs> Kochi Kame, Ringni Kakuro, Playful. <laughs> I was considering mentioning Ko- Kochi Kame, and then I was like, oh no, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up. <laughs> it's only 200 volumes, no big deal. <laughs> I just get an intern to translate and edit and typeset every, all of it. Yeah, it's just like, they'll be working on it for the rest of their life. <laughs> The internship lasts as long as you finish translating, <laughs> editing, and lettering Kochikame. <laughs> a 40-year internship. <laughs> now, that would be amazing, like, to have to have this open up to allow, you know, this to look into some classic titles that they haven't licensed yet and add it to the vault. Like, you know, Kochikame might be on the extreme end of that, but, <laughs> you know, definitely there are some, like, shorter series that I'm sure that a lot of people would love if this could you know, uses us an opportunity to add to the vault. Yeah. And I mean, I hear just like hearing uh, like industry analysts talk about Netflix. And I mean, I guess Netflix has kind of shifted their priorities over the years, but like hearing about them just trying to get, just fill up the service with as much stuff as they can provide. And that's also been Crunchyroll's model. It seemed like that they just want to license as much anime as they can. Just like even not, not just the high quality stuff, but just all of it. Just like, provide like as wide a range as possible and you know if if those are the models that seem to work for streaming subscription services then i'm like oh man if we got that if that happened for manga and like it wasn't about just choosing the stuff that was the most profitable or that would most appeal to an english to an american readership or whatever like that would be amazing like if if anything like a sliver of that that exists in the the anime and tv model you know like that would be great 
So like, yeah, and like all, all the Shonen Jump properties that aren't, you know, like super big hits or have cult followings, but that cult following could be enough to get someone, get people to stay subscribed. You know, like, I think there's so much more potential for that kind of stuff. And I'm really excited about it. Definitely. And I think especially for the next step for Viz, like one day might be to have everything Viz has like available to stream in a similar format to all these Shonen Jump series. Like personally, I'd love to be able to read everything under the Shoujo B imprint, uh, everything under the Viz signature re- imprint. And heck, maybe even have some simul pubs under those imprints as well in the future. Yeah, no, that that would be fantastic. I mean, I guess I should caveat everything that I'm saying with like none of this is official plans yeah it's all personal this opinion is, right like, this is all speculation <laughs> all dreams but hey i mean this is a dream that has happened this new shonen jump so never give up on your dreams like a good shonen hero would yeah <laughs> but i think that runs us through all the questions we're going to ask you about this new shonen jump that we're extremely excited for it's already launched at the time you're listening to this podcast but I hope the reception has been incredibly positive. I'm really excited to be able to read a whole bunch of new series on there and dig into some classics on there. And uh, before we wrap up, though, there are a few other straight questions from audiences that we got on Twitter. Uh, we've got a question from Kobisoft Joe, who asked, Will Slam Dunk make an appearance? If not, why? Uh, so let's start with that one. Uh, slow slam dunk. I know this is a big ask that a lot of people have been clamoring for on my timeline. So mm. <laughs> anything you can say about that? Uh, I, yeah, I shouldn't say anything about the inclusion or non-inclusion? Exclusion, that's the word. The inclusion or exclusion of any specific series, partly because I don't know. I don't know the... F- there's been a lot of stuff in flux, and so like even if I knew anything, it may may even be outdated. But yeah, so I, I can't say anything about specific series. But you know, like a lot of that stuff, like I said, is in flux, and things that aren't in the vault right now, you know, like at launch, could be added over time. And there's a bunch of stuff that like people should reasonably expect that isn't there. Basically, everything that's not already digitally available uh, right now under the Shonen Jump imprint, you probably shouldn't expect at launch. So stuff like. Slam Dunk, I Feel 21. Any others you know, Wheeler? Uh, Nora. I, I made a list of this a while back, but like Ultimate Muscle <laughs> and then like one other one that I'm forgetting. Yeah, so a very few selected on a series will probably not be available at launch, but everything else should be. Mm-hmm. And anything that feels like it should be, but isn't there based on like it is otherwise in digital and including the Shonen Jump app and stuff like that, that stuff's being worked out and yeah. I think Andy even mentioned on the Shonen Jump podcast this past week that's that stuff's will be there eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm I'd be really excited for stuff that was never collected into volumes that ran it during the mm. Shonen Jump magazine, like Robot Laser Beam, uh, the comic. To have that be available. Uh, Self Symphony, Hi Fi Cluster, yeah, Self Symphony and Hi Fi Cluster too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of that stuff that like yeah, like to anyone like you have to be like an archivist or you know like a Shonen Jump historian to remember. You know, like, so so having that stuff just be available for anyone to, to just find and read would be really exciting. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's one more question that I have uh, that I know that people have asked you. Is there going to be an HTML5 update for uh, the browser? Uh, yes, that will be included. I'm hesitating because I'm like, when people are listening to this, 
either they already have experienced HTML5 reader or something went extremely wrong and they haven't, in which case I probably shouldn't say that they will. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully while you're listening to this, you're enjoying the new reader and we're definitely looking forward and listening to feedback. If there are any issues with it, we, we've tried in that redesign to take into account lots of, lots of feedback that we've gotten over the years. So hopefully it meets what people want, but yeah. It's hard to know without seeing people's react. I'm I'm so ner. I guess I'm so anxious. I hadn't thought about how anxious I was about the reaction to this, but <laughs> there, there there are lots of moving parts. It's a it's a stressful weekend. <laughs> I have to imagine, but I also have to imagine it to be incredibly exciting. And I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I speak uh, for a lot of fans that I'm incredibly excited for this. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are, and it's just going to be incredible Like to finally read so many new series that I know so many people have been wanting to be able to keep up with officially for ages, like Haikyuu, like Act Age, and also be able to explore the vast backlog of Shonen Jump at such a really affordable price as well. Yeah, I know like Lum and I grew up reading Jump and Jump yeah. series, so for us, I think this is just a dream come true. Yeah, I mean, we have all the print shows and jump issues yeah mm. we didn't subscribe to the digital shonen jump from the beginning but close to it and you know to just see the evolution of jump from the beginning to this point now and just remembering how i was being so excited to read jump as a kid and now to just think that we're getting stuff like almost everything from the magazine simultaneous with japan now is just crazy to me like yeah 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 it's just something that you'd never think would be possible but yeah it's, it just is happening it's like it's hard to believe that's happening I and mean, i think it's 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 fascinating it, there are different angles that things that people are excited about you know like like you guys are excited about the simultaneous free stuff right mm-hmm. and like the, the new series but like to me i'm like okay so that's like existing shonen jump hardcore fans but the people who like are lapsed people like people who only recognize Naruto because they read some books as a kid. And they're like, oh man, I wonder what Naruto's up to. Let me like pay $2 and read all of Naruto. Like getting those people back into manga. Like yeah, that to me, like, I'm like, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be so great. It's going to be so many, so many doors open. Yeah. This really makes Shonen Jump manga accessible to a whole broader scope of people. Like now people interested in Dragon Ball can subscribe to the service and read the entirety of Dragon Ball. And from there they can discover like a whole bunch of other Shonen Jump manga. They can continue reading. Yeah, like you said, last fans can get into Shonen Jump manga and return to their favorites and discover new ones in a big way now. Yeah. As a software developer, there's kind of like an, I guess like an unspoken rule that you really shouldn't so, so i mean this is like the last week before the holidays before people go away for a week or two for the holidays and you should never ship new software right before that like it's a terrible idea but to me i'm like i haven't even thought because i'm like like I, I sometimes tell people that i have this like big launch coming up and they're like what why are you doing that like right before the holidays and i'm like i don't care it's so exciting like of course we're doing it like it's you know like yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we're able to to get out this year. I'm glad that people are so excited for it. I mean, like it hasn't even entered my mind that like, oh no, this is inconvenient timing because like, yeah, even if it is, this is like the most exciting thing in my career. This is the most exciting thing as a manga fan that I've experienced over the past decade. Like, it's like a huge early Christmas present. It yeah. really is. <laughs> I mean, hearing your excitement for it is just making me all the more excited. Yeah, it's just so infectious. <laughs> <laughs> But I truly, I think this is just an amazing way to cap up the 50th anniversary of Shonen Jump. 
with like such a big leap forward like for the international audience and yeah, i want to thank you and everyone at viz for making this possible jeff yeah yeah i mean i shouldn't i shouldn't take all the credit like i'm just one tiny part of this bigger picture i'm like honored to have been a part of that but you know like there are so many other people so many other people that were involved in this i mean i'm sure listeners of the shonen jump podcast recognize andy and Saksan. like they were huge in this there was so much work that they did that's like behind the scenes that you probably won't hear about but like they they were doing so much uh Saksan has been like back and forth to japan several times over like you mm-hmm. know like there's and like andy's been like managing all this content that i can't even like keep track like like administering all the chapters, like metadata for all the chapters, and it's like mind-boggling. All the Shonen Jump editors, they've been handling new series, like much bigger workloads. Um, and like there's there's so much more that they have to do now. There's all all this extra workload. There's um the rest of the the software development team for this launch. I've I've really been focusing on the iOS app. So you know, like I haven't even had time to work on the Android app or the website. The website has been like this huge undertaking. Uh, my manager and the rest of the people on the team like have done tons of other work that I haven't even seen. So you know, like there's there's so many moving parts, and I'm I'm glad it's come together. You know, like and I'm glad that it's almost in people's hands, and that it is by the time people listen to this. It took a lot of awesome people to make this possible, and it's just incredible what the entire team at Viz, the entire team Jump has accomplished. Yeah. And yeah, I think we should just wrap up on that note. Jeff, where can the good people find you if they want to follow you for more updates and a lot of gotcha talk? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I am on Twitter at definitely Jeff ranting about gotcha games and Grand Blue Fantasy mostly. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Which which is mostly Grand Blue Fantasy is just on the back cover of every Japanese issue of Shonen Jump. So it's basically (laughs) Shonen Jump adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one day they might make a Shonen Jump manga of Grand Blue Fantasy. Like they might publish that in Shonen Jump. The Dragon Quest got a series in Shonen Jump. A huge series in Shonen Jump. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, That'll be a dream. Lord, where can people find you? Um, people can find me on Twitter at VLORGTZ. Um, I'm usually talking on there about video games and all the manga I collect and don't read. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that, I'm also on All Comic uh, with my own podcast, Drowning in Manga, which is coming out irregularly, but we have a lot of big plans coming up. When's that Kimetsu no Yaiba episode coming? Probably next <laughs> month. It's, it's going to help that it's now available. Or at least the sound pubs are available legally because I, I have some plans for that as well on the site. <laughs> okay, so, I'm looking forward uh, to that. Look forward to some more content uh, coming for me. Excellent. And now I'm going to reconvene back in Colton and we're going to close the show off. See you soon. That was a very informative and very, very exciting interview with Jeff about where not only Shonen Jump, but manga in general will go from here and how this new Shonen Jump service is going to be paving the way for the future. And it'll be extremely exciting to see where the future lies now for not only Shonen Jump, but manga as an industry in general. But to cap up our retrospective on Shonen Jump, we've interviewed a lot of people about what their interests in Shonen Jump are and what it means to them. But let's turn that back around to us and ask ourselves, what does Shonen Jump mean to us? Colton, would you like to dig into that question and explain how 
you feel about Shonen Jump. What does it mean to you? And also, to expand further on that, what are stream moments that to you embody the virtues of Shonen Jump? Stream moments that embody friendship, effort, and victory. Oh man, that's a very loaded question. One that I've really been uh, been kind of racking my brain about over the past uh, couple of days in preparation for the podcast here. And, um, you know, I I could give a lot of answers to, you know, what Shonen Jump is to me and what it means to me. Obviously, Shonen Jump means a lot to me as basically all of my favorite comics come from Jump and... I think they're just going to continue to make a lot of my favorite comics, uh, probably until the day I die, I'll be honest. I know that sounds kind of morbid, but, you know, it's probably true. But, um, you know, like I said, Shonen Jump is a lot of things to me. But I think most of all, Shonen Jump to me is, it's, um, I'm not really sure how how to say this, I guess, because um, Shonen Jump to me is just, is is a world. It's it's not not just a world, a universe. A universe full of these these different like worlds filled with interesting settings, bigger than life characters, and uh, awesome, amazing battles or exciting drama, romance. Sometimes even as much as I'm not a huge fan of romance, really, but the side of the hero there, um, like like it's basically the equivalent of say like. Uh, let's say Marvel, where like you know, Marvel's a big thing now. What with the you know their cinematic universe, and people are all over that. And at this point, whether superhero fatigue is setting in for most people or not, people are still going to the theater to see these Marvel movies because they're invested in the Marvel universe. They want to see these characters, whether they're you know just kind of playing off of each other. Uh, you know, uh, are fighting together against the big bad guy or whatnot, or just being people. And while, you know, Shonen Jump isn't necessarily that interconnected, you know, like, Shonen, like, there have been enough crossovers between different Shonen Jump series that, like, if crossovers between Jump series happened more often, it wouldn't feel jarring to me, because, like, like Shonen Jump is is amazing to me because like I think you can you can have different characters from different series interact with each other and it doesn't feel weird, it doesn't feel out of place. Like say for example like uh you know, you know as much as like I don't know, like you know, if people aren't really super keen on like J-Star's Victory Versus anymore just because like it's you know, regardless of like what you think of the game itself, you know, I love stuff like that because for me it's it's not just another video game, you know, it's it's a chance for these characters to interact with each other. And that's why I love stuff like J Stars and Jump Ultimate Stars and whatnot, is you know, because I love I like seeing these characters interact. And in that way, Shonen Jump basically Shonen Jump is my Marvel comics. Shonen Jump is just this collection of different stories and characters that could interact with each other at any time, and it feels like it's a universe inhab- like inhabited with all these different worlds. And while, you know, that aspect of Jump isn't, like, a focal point outside of, like, you know, crossovers and video games and whatnot, it's something that, like, I love about Jump. I, like, outside of, like, Marvel and DC, I... 
just don't see that with too many other like comics companies or whatnot. Like it just, I don't know. Like that that's that's like one of the many things that I love about Shun and Jump, um, is that you know they can kind of cross over with each other and you you, you kind of like regress being kind of I I personally regress to like being like a to like a kid again where it's like oh I see all my favorite characters and whatnot like. Um, it's just a collection of characters and stories that I love and that I love experiencing. Very well said. I'll explain a little bit about what Shonen Jump means to me. And I think that you put it very well when you said that Shonen Jump is a world. And I think that is how it is to me as well. Shonen Jump to me is a place that is both very broad but very specific. There's definitely a very consistent unified identity an ethos that pervades every shonen jump series that is recognizably oh yes that series is a shonen jump series and you can feel that in every series of theirs but there's also so much variety within shonen jump so many different kinds of stories it tells that are all really fascinating to explore. And especially when pitted against one another, it's really nice to see that kind of variety as you flip through the magazine and go from one story to the next. And how refreshing that experience of reading series after series in the magazine is. And Shonen Jump, to me also, embodies so many different things as the face of manga to me. When I think of manga, I think of Shonen Jump as a brand first because Shonen Jump, the brand, has just been cultivated so well over these past five decades in a way that no other publisher or no other magazine has managed to cultivate such an identity for itself. In that way, Shonen Jump is truly the Disney of manga to me, in that here it is the home of the most popular characters in the anime manga world, some of the most popular stories and franchises. They might not always be the best that the world has to offer, but they are nonetheless some of the most wide-reaching and resonant stories, and stories that connect audiences globally worldwide people can come together embraced and passionate about shonen jump series about dragon ball naruto and one piece it is something that connects fans together i remember earlier at ax this year we were trying to solve the one piece puzzle hunt at ax and you know we were having some trouble towards the end but we teamed up with a fellow one piece fan who is from korea and we all worked together as a group and we solved the puzzle together and you know the thing that connected us together was our love of One Piece. And I can think about so many other great stories and moments where fandom has connected people together. I can think of remembering earlier this year when the finale of Dragon Ball Super was approaching. I remember seeing videos of those big screenings they held in Mexico and where people were all crowded in a public square watching Dragon Ball Super on a big screen and chanting along in excitement at the fight. I remember just how big and powerful the four Shonen Jump series are and how much so many of those series connect with people, not just in Japan, but all over the world. And it's a really unifying thing in, in terms of a brand that I 
don't really feel like any other publisher in Japan has been able to really replicate or embody as much as I love Shonen Sunday and Shonen Magazine series as a brand identity. They just don't have the power that Shonen Jump has. They've truly cultivated that brand identity as the home of the world's most popular manga. And they've kept it up by consistently continuing to innovate, try out new ideas like this new Shonen Jump subscription model, like being the first manga magazine to have an international version in the form of the Viz Shonen Jump to expand digital. Shonen Jump is on the forefront of innovations and it has such a powerful hold on popular culture and the entertainment world. And to me, that is what makes it truly like the Disney of the manga world, like the idea place, the dream place in terms of like the world's most popular manga. And, you know, I think that's what the appeal of Bakemon was. It's like, here is a story about young people who I want to make it as the best manga artist. And where do they go first? They go to Shonen Jump. And, you know, that was perhaps a little narcissistic for Shonen Jump to publish a, a series about people wanting to make manga for Shonen Jump. But, you know, I think it resonated with people because that held true as a dream for a lot of people in terms of Shonen Jump is to them like the zenith of what manga is and of like w- what the gold standard is for like the most popular and widest reaching stories. But also Shonen Jump to me on a more personal level is about a lot of stories that are full of personal growth, of coming of age stories, of stories about heroes who never give up and always try their hardest, about optimism, about believing in yourself, believing in your friends, having the courage to face horrible odds and overcome tragedy with triumph. And to me, that is what those three ideals of friendship, effort, and victory embody. I think that's such a powerful set of virtues to inspire young readers, but not only young readers, readers of any age, because not only children need to be reminded to never give up on your their dreams. Adults always need that reminder too. And I think that's why you see such a still vast adult audience for Shonen Jump series. Even though these series are aimed towards younger children and teenagers, so many adults read them and they continue to stick with them for decades even in the case of series like One Piece because those stories mean so much to them and they continue to inspire them to this day. And I've thought a lot about the Shonen Jump virtues of friendship, effort, and victory. And I've thought about moments to me that best embody those in Shonen Jump's history from any Shonen Jump series. And I would like to share my thoughts with you guys on what are stream moments in different Shonen Jump manga that to me best embody those three virtues. And let's start with friendship. And so for friendship, for me, I think of perhaps... Is an unusual choice. I'm sure when people think about Shonen Jump manga about friendships, they might think of stuff like One Piece, where the bonds of friendship between the Straw crew is so integral. Or even in Dragon Ball, where Goku is always fighting for his friends. Or sports series, where the friendship between team members is so integral to their victories. But to me, actually, my favorite moment embodying friendship comes from Bobo 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 Bobo. 
which might seem like an unusual choice because in Boba Bo, well, Boba Bo notoriously is kind of mean to a lot of his friends. <laughs> He's like beating up Don Patch and Jelly Jiggler and, you know, they're kind of assholes to each other as well. But even so, I can still buy that even if they get on each other's nerves a lot, and even if they are horribly mean to each other sometimes, that they are friends. And I think one moment that kind of embodies that best to me is through the story of Dengakuman. And Dengakuman's whole thing is that he wants friends because he's always been an outcast since he was a kid because he was different from the rest of his litter. And he became a high-ranking member of the Heron troops and a commander of the Z-Block place in order to, you know, have so many friends surround him in terms of his subordinates. But then he realizes that they weren't his friends along. You know, they were just you know, totoing up to him. And the moment the tables turns on him, they all boo him. And it's a heartbreaking moment. And then Bobo Bo tries to help him, you know, f- find friends. He holds like a friendship mixer for Dengakuman. But Dengakuman's pickiness and pettiness prevents him from actually making friends. And it comes to this powerful moment where like Dengakuman is like crying that he can't make friends. And is so sad and out of the dumps about it. And, Den- Bo- and Don Patch takes pity on him. And he's like, sends him a hand and says, you know what? I'll be your friend. Sure. But then Boabo, you know, screams at the panch, like, don't give in to Dengakuman. Like, I won't ever be his friends no matter how much he cries. And Dengakuman's asking, why? Why are you being so mean to me? And Boabo is, you know, very firmly tells Dengakuman, you know, you keep saying that you want friends, but all I hear is you whimpering and whining. You're not really actually trying to make friends. You're really judgmental of other people and you're not being a good friend yourself. This is a line from the dub that oh has always stuck with me. To have a friend, you must first be a friend. And, you know, like people left in Gakuman because of how he mistreated them or how he like he wasn't actually being a good friend to other people. And so that's something that Dengakuman kind of internalizes that, oh, friendship isn't something that can just be handed to you. You actually have to work hard to earn friendship. And the arc concludes with, you know, Dengakuman fighting against the unified friendship and teamwork of Bobo's team and being defeated. And then when Dengakuman returns in the story, he's kind of learned those lessons and he's a good team player. And, you know, he's hard, of course, like the rest of Bobo's entourage. He's not very well treated. But, you know, I I think still like that message of what friendship is, that it's not just something that is just given to you or you should just expect that you need to work at finding friends. You need to work to be a good friend, to have friends. To me, I think that was such a powerful message in a shonen manga that I don't think you see very often, like articulated so well. And in a silly manga like Bobobo, no less, it's like such a heartfelt and real moment that I just has always resonated with me to this day. And now to talk about a moment that best embodies effort, it's actually the second chapter of My Hero Academia. Deku on the beach training with All Might to strengthen his body, moving trash around on the beach. Like that entire chapter detailing like his months long ordeal to get his body in shape just so he can have the physical strength necessary in order to endure having one for all like a pass down to him like he needs to get his body in shape and i think about like just all the effort deku took in order to be able to get to that point 
and like how he went from a not very physically in shape kid and really, you know, worked hard doing this really rigorous and demanding training schedule, but just keeping at it. And the moment that really embodies effort to me is just that final like image, that image of Deku like screaming in triumph after having completed this training, standing on top of the trash heap, like on the right as the sun rises in the background and like all my watching him on. It's like that moment. Like he has earned through his effort the right to become All Might's successor. And to me, like even though that's such an early moment in my hero academia, that entire chapter truly embodies effort that you know Shonen Jump is expounding. That if you work hard, you can achieve fantastic results that you could never have imagined otherwise. But you have to try, and in trying, and in continuing to struggle, but continuing to work hard at it, you can become a better version of yourself than before. And then that brings us to victory, and the moment that to me best embodies victory. And related to effort, it's about the repeated struggles that you've had and the losses, the failures you might have had. And then that ultimately leading to the most satisfying victory. And so for me, the most memorable and and the victory that resonates the most to me in Shonen Manga is Goku's victory against Piccolo in the 23rd World Martial Arts Tournament. Because of the narrative of Dragon Ball to that point, Goku has entered two previous martial arts tournaments, and he's always made it to the final round, but he's never won. And so here we have him in the 23rd martial arts tournament. It's his third chance to become the world's strongest martial artist, to win the Tenkaichi Budokai, and he's fighting against his most dangerous rival to that point, the reincarnation of his greatest enemy and it's a desperate bloody and brutal struggle to win but that's through it all even though the fate of the world is on the line Goku is clinging to you know following tournament rules so that he can legitimately be crowned the world's strongest at the end of the day and then he eaves through that desperate struggle and spoke Piccolo and Goku are so bloodied and bruised that they can barely move but Goku has learned the flying technique and is able to like bash into Piccolo with just this powerful headbutt and get up as the last one standing, finally crowned the victor, the world's strongest, the winner of the Tenkaichi Budokai. And then he like leaps into the air in happiness. And that moment to me, like that image of Goku, his happiness after having finally won the Tenkaichi Budokai, after three attempts, after fighting his most powerful and deadly foe yet, That moment of triumph, that moment of victory, to me, has always resonated to me the strongest. Because it's not just the fact that Goku has won that, but also because he's won that after having failed to accomplish this two previous times. After working so hard over the course of years to get to this point where he could be crowned the world's strongest martial artist. And to me... That moment has always resonated to me as the most satisfying victory in Shonen Jump manga. And those three moments together, I think of when I think of those ideals of friendship, effort, and victory. 
and what Shonen Jump means to me in terms of what their stories, you know, have meant to me and how they have inspired me throughout the years to continue to try to be a better version of myself, to continue to struggle in the face of overwhelming odds and reminding me of the satisfaction of succeeding, of the victory, of efforts, and of sharing those efforts with the friends you've made along the way. And that, I think, is what Shonen Jump means to me. Man, that's going to be hard to follow up. (laughs) I guess it's my turn to talk about uh, some of my moments that I think really encapsulate the spirit of Shonen Jump, starting with uh, friendship. And uh, I talked about Sket Dance earlier and how I feel like Sket Dance is the thing that I think encapsulates all of Shonen Jump's motto, friendship, effort, and victory, Um, especially the friendship part. And... um, Honestly, when I think back on, you know, just moments of friendship from any Shonen Jump manga, comic, whatever, I'm really hard-pressed to not think about uh, the, the switch-off arc. or uh, No, switch-on, I'm sorry, from uh, from Skep Dance. Basically, the arc where Boston and Himiko spend most of their time trying to convince Switch to come out of his room to come back to school and to basically stop punishing himself for something that wasn't his fault in the death of his brother. Uh, we we learned in, a, in an earlier arc that due to a misunderstanding that unfortunately Switch's younger brother is killed, uh, which is a very hugely tragic time in Switch's life. And uh, basically you know, traumatizes him to the point where he basically adopts his sort of his younger brother's persona as Switch in order to make it feel like he's still around in order to basically be the replacement for his brother because he feels like with the loss of his brother, you know, that's the loss of a life. And that's also the loss of somebody that really could have contributed to the world with his skills with technology and computers and whatnot. Um, which is how he also develops the technology to uh, basically talk through his computer. So it's not just a funny gimmick, it's also sort of a coping mechanism almost, which is really amazingly sad. Um, And so, you know, the entirety of the Switch On arc is basically uh, Boston and Himiko basically have to figure out who's basically harassing different students at their school, and they eventually find out that Switch is the culprit, and... In doing so, they find out why Switch is doing it. Uh, they have to visit Switch's house and basically try to beg him to come out of his room, telling him that, hey, you know, we could really use you for our club. Like, we really need somebody like you. Come back to school and you can be our friend. But, you know, obviously with everything that happened in his life, you know, Switch doesn't feel like he deserves friendship. He doesn't feel like he deserves that attention. He doesn't feel like he deserves forgiveness which is just incredibly sad by itself. And so Bossoon being Bossoon, when, you know, yelling at him to come out of his room isn't enough, he literally breaks through his window, tells him to get the fuck out of his room, (laughs) and, uh, you know, basically tries to remove him by force. And, you know, when that doesn't work, they're in a situation where they end up working together, and, you know, after that, um, Switch sees that, you know, maybe, maybe I can come back to school, and he eventually... You know, and what I like about Sket Dance is that it's not instantaneous. Like, you know, sure, Boston and Himiko convince Switch to come back to school, but 
Switch still spends the entirety of the series healing from his from the loss of his brother. Like he's not just better the next day. Like he's still coping from that loss, and it's not until the very end of the series that he feels like he can like speak with his own voice again. You know, to tell his friends how much he how much he's proud of them for all that they've done in their time at at school. And it culminates in such a huge cathartic moment that to me, you know, I've said on the podcast before, I I kinda don't care about the end of Sket Dance after that. Like to me, that is the ending of Sket Dance. That that moment where Switch finally speaks up and can finally start forgiving himself. And to me, like, you know, Bossoon's efforts to try to bring Switch to even bring Switch back to school and convince him to become a part of the Skeptan, I think if I really had to pick something, I think that would be the biggest example of friendship that I that I can think of in a Shonen Jump manga. Or or at least the one that really like kinda, you know, speaks to me on a personal level and like i've been trying to hold back i've i'm like trying not to choke up while i talk about (laughs) this because it just it just gets me so emotional it's a powerful moment but um i think as far as effort goes i was kind of thinking while while you were talking about your moments and the first series i thought about when i thought effort was i shield 21 probably my second favorite comic of all time next to one piece and um, I, I kind of, like, went back to the time when, like, I first started iShield 21, just as somebody who needed something to read during art class when he had nothing better to do. And uh, I think by the third volume of iShield 21, I was pretty hooked, and I knew that I was going to like this series a lot. And the moment in particular that I think really demonstrates effort so well is, is basically the Devil Bat's first loss against the Ojo White Knights basically around the point where Senna is very, very, like, you know, at this point, he's very hesitant on being anything but the manager to the team, you know, whereas Hiruma is basically trying to force him to be this mysterious, you know, unknown player known as Shield 21 from Notre Dame or whatnot. Um, and, you know, like, sure, he, he gets a, he, he kind of starts to develop a rivalry with the ace of the other team, and he does get a few moves on him, but, like, ultimately, they lose the game by a huge margin, which means they basically lose their chance to get to the Christmas Bowl that semester. I'm not sure how uh, all that works in particular. Um, but, you know, after that, like, you know, Senna's just kind of looking through all the photos that, like, were taken during the game and are and is kind of already feeling nostalgic about it. And he he realizes from his battle with Shin that he wants to keep playing. And it's, it's, uh, was, I, I have the volume in front of me. It's, it's volume three, chapter 21, where basically by the end of the chapter, Senna has, he, he basically has the drive to start actually practicing his footwork so that he can get better at playing the game because he just, he just has that desire to get back onto the field and he has that desire to want to beat Shin which that's like a two page manga spread that really like has always stuck with me that shot of Senna just like doing his his cross leg exercises in the rain furiously while Hiruma watches like that's always stuck with me and uh I think if I had to pick anything that uh exemplifies effort in a shonen jump manga I think it would have to be something that comes out of a loss 
Like, yeah, sure, you've had you've had a defeat, but you still want to get back up and make the effort to try your hand at winning again. And uh, I guess last but not least, as far as victory goes, I'm not sure if mine will be a sort of an unorthodox pick, but you know, I, I like I have to talk about One Piece a little bit. Where um, I think a moment in One Piece that I mean, there 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 were a lot of moments in One Piece I could have picked or that kind of come to mind. But the one that kind of like comes to mind right now, I guess, um, would have to be a moment from my favorite story arc in all of One Piece still to this day. And that's the very ending of the Drum Island arc where uh, Chopper decides to join the Straw Hats and uh, runs off with them while Dr. Kureha and the rest of the uh, uh, Royal Armed Forces are basically getting their uh, their cannons ready to shoot off Hero Look's parting gift to Chopper in his Sakura petals, basically turning the biggest giant rock drum into a Sakura tree. Uh, which was something that uh, Hero looked to his dying breath was trying to develop for the country a drum, you know, a country that is in dire need of, of someone who actually cares about their citizens, you know, and, and even outside of that, like actual medical help that they just were not being given, like just a complete and total rehaul of the country. And, you know, like that, that victory for Hero Look and Chopper, even after Hero Look's gone, they still managed to not only give Chopper a proper send-off, but, like, I feel like that, like, along with Luffy defeating Wapple, which I guess is a big one, too, uh, this moment in particular, I think, really contributes to, is like the start of a new era for the Drum Kingdom, what with Dalton taking over as king and basically reforming the kingdom as a kingdom that cares about its people. And while it, it may not, like, directly contribute, I feel like it's a big signifier it's the start of something great, and is still a huge victory for Hirolok, who may not have been the best in his profession, uh, but still had the desire to help people. And even after he's gone, it, you know, he still achieves that victory. Yeah, those are some beautiful moments. And truly, there are just so many powerful moments in Shonen Jump's history that have really stuck with us over the years. Ones even beyond the ones we've mentioned. And Shonen Jump just encompasses so much in terms of different experiences that have resonate with us and we can look back on in these series and find something of value that means so much to us. But, yeah, I mean, what more is there to, is there to say about Shonen Jump uh, that we haven't in this podcast? Like of how in its 50 years it has brought some of the most popular manga out to the world. Manga and series that have stuck with so many people and resonated with so many people. We've shared moments that have stuck with us and I'm sure there are so many moments that you can think back and to a Shonen Jump series or series, several, that you love. Moments that resonate with you and have inspired you in the same way that our moments have inspired us throughout our lives. Thank you, Shonen Jump. Thank you, Shonen Jump. Here's to 50 years, and here's to 50 more. Shukan Shonen Jump, take no mirai ho, you may meet a yo. Boku no pinchi wa, boku no chance to, much come at a yitaro. Shukan Shonen Jump, 
的な未来を夢見ていたよ。君のピンチも僕のチャンスと待ち構えていたよ。きっとどんでん返し的な未来が僕を待ってる。血まみれからの方がさ、勝つ時にはかっこいいだろう。だから今はボロボロの。Thank you for listening to a very special episode of the Manga Mavericks podcast here on AllComic.com. We'd like to once again give very special thanks to everyone we interviewed for this episode, including Maxi Bernard of Friendship Ever Victory, Sam Leach from Anime News Network and the One Piece podcast, Doctor from the Ask Backwards Anime podcast, and last but not least, Jeff Ruberg, software developer for Viz Media and Shonen Jump. Without their contributions, this podcast would not be possible. And as previously mentioned at the top of the show, we look forward to interviewing even more people about Shun and Jump sometime in the future, and gaining even more perspective on why we love this magazine. Speaking of contributions, we don't normally bring it up on the podcast very often, but mostly every manga that we review on this podcast are mostly titles that we buy for ourselves out of pocket, as we want to do everything we can to support the manga industry. Shonen Jump's new subscription service will more than likely help us save a lot of money on whatever manga we want to review on the show in the future. But unfortunately, for anything else outside of Shonen Jump, we still need to buy ourselves, especially for someone like me, whose local libraries don't exactly have a very diverse collection. So, if you're a listener of the Manga Mavericks podcast and want to show your support, then send us a tip over on our respective Kofi.com pages. Links for those are always in the description of every episode of Manga Mavericks, but just in case, mine can be found at co-fi.com/colton, C-O-L-T-O-N, and Lums can be found at co-fi.com/lumramayasha, L-U-M-R-A-N-M-A-Y-A-S-H-A. So again, if you're looking for a good way to support us in our manga podcasting endeavors, go ahead and send us a tip. Each tip we receive will pretty much go to purchasing whatever manga we need to review for the podcast, or just go a long way to help our podcast in general. So whether it's because you want to support the show or you just want to tip us for a job well done, we very much appreciate it. But as for the podcast, you can find every episode first on all-comic.com. You can also follow us on facebook.com/all.comic or on twitter.com/all.comic_ underscore. But if you would like to follow Manga Mavericks in particular, 
You can follow us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks, as well as mangamavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash manga mavericks for many different excerpts of our podcast, including different news pieces and a lot of our different discussions and reviews of many manga series, and even some exclusive content every once in a while. The Manga Mavericks podcast is also now available on Spotify over at spotify.com. Is there a guest industry or otherwise that you would like us to interview on the podcast about Shonen Jump? What are your favorite Shonen Jump manga? What does Shonen Jump mean to you? Send us an email about any manga-related topics, Shonen Jump or otherwise, to mangamavericks at gmail.com, and we'll read them on the show. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you call it. It really helps the visibility of our show and helps the podcast grow in general, so please do that if you so wish. But until next time, uh, we really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This was a lot of work to put together, but in the end, I think it was well worth the time and effort. Some might even call it a victory, won by friendship. See what I did there? Um, But yeah, this has been episode 71 of the podcast, and we will see you guys next time for episode 72. Bye, guys.